Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of June 13th, 2023, including the 2023 Xbox Showcase brought tons of new games and a deep dive at Starfield. Summer Game Fest did a great job replacing E3 this year. Ubisoft Forward showed us that Ubisoft indeed has a promising future, and much more. Welcome, 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 welcome. It's very good to be here on this Sunday evening, recording the podcast a full, uh, what is this, three days early. Guys, we're starting out the podcast a little differently this week because, of course, we're here to talk about the Xbox Games Showcase 2023. I'm uh, hitting record just a few hours after the event's over. I was just live on Twitch for a couple hours. We streamed the event together and chatted. So thank you to the uh, dozen or so of you who were over there hanging out. It was a good time. I appreciate you being there. And uh, to everyone else listening, welcome. Glad to be here. It's kind of weird starting off a podcast this week because we're kind of throwing the old uh, format out the window, the regular run of show. We're not going to be doing... Uh, I mean, obviously, if the show's going live on a Tuesday, we're clearly doing something different here. So we're not going to do our regular opening segments. We're not talking about Bobby Kotick and his love of harassing women. We're not going to talk about what I've been eating, although I'd love to tell you some of what I've been eating. Uh, but rather, we're going to basically just spend the whole episode talking about the various game showcases that have transpired the past week, most notably the Xbox showcase, which as of the time I'm recording this right now, just uh, finished up a couple hours ago. So I spent the past few hours gathering my initial thoughts writing down some notes, doing some research, just trying to get myself prepared to talk about what I think about, you know, the future of Xbox that we just learned a whole lot about. So really exciting stuff. This is obviously the most exciting episode of the year. Every year is is, is the episode around June, right after the big summer showcase happens, because that's when we have the most exciting and fruitful and forward-looking Xbox news to talk about, and it's just really cool to say, hey, here are all the new games we know about, here are updates on all the games we've been waiting to hear on updates regarding, and just gives us kind of an idea, a little roadmap of uh, what to what's to come for the Xbox brand, so really excited to talk about that. We're also going to talk about Summer Game Fest, which actually took place the day last week's podcast went live. I kind of shafted that one a little bit, probably shouldn't have, but Nonetheless, we'll, we'll pick up on that because that all happened, what was it, Thursday last week? So we'll go into Summer Games Fest, which was, in my opinion, actually a pretty great showing this year. So we got a lot of good stuff to talk about there as well. And then I'm going to finish the recording tomorrow, Monday, because on Monday we have both the Ubisoft Forward event and the Capcom Showcase so we'll add those in here. So I'm recording on Sunday night. On Monday night, we'll add some more segments in. And then on Tuesday morning, the show will go live as one mega thing. I'm sure it'll be probably three or four hours long, just full of nonsensical ramblings and my takes on things like Fable and whatnot. But it's a little bit of a different show, uh, uh, podcast format for you this week. So I wanted to go over that. Getting it a couple days early. Unfortunately, that means next week's episode, when it goes back to the regular Thursday release, there'll be just a little bit of an extra gap because this week's episode's going live two days early. But uh, other than 
this week's episode going live early, the schedule is largely unchanged. So things will go back to normal next week. But for this week, you get a little uh, think, think of it like a summer a summer Christmas present. You get the show a couple days early. You get all this news, this Xbox buffet of, of new games to talk about. And I'm just excited to get into all of it with you. Uh, it's funny, during the opening segment recording, I'm listening to the Halo Infinite theme as I'm going through the opening of the podcast. I'm just like, everything today, like, to, I'm in such an Xbox-centric mood today. I woke up early, I played Xbox for a couple hours, and I set up my stream, then I did a stream. We watched the Xbox event together, you know, then I've been collecting notes and thinking about and watching trailers all day long. I'm in a very Xbox mood, but one very Xbox thing that I feel very disconnected from and very out of touch with today is Halo, because Halo was 100% absent from today's showing, which I predicted it would be the case, and it was, and I guess it's no surprise to anyone, really, but it's uh, today is a very Xbox day that has very little to do with with Halo, and that's just not something we see a whole lot, so, all right, Halo, well, uh, hopefully you're able to make a comeback in five to ten years, but for now, you're shelved for the, uh, for the third time of disappointing people, but um, anyway... We're not going to be a negative Nancy today because I actually am pretty high on a lot of what we've seen uh, at the at these events, and I am quite excited to get into all of it. So, like I said, we'll skip through these opening segments, and we're basically just going to go straight into the Xbox Games Showcase, um, start off with all of that, and then once we're done with all these showcase discussions, we will round out the podcast with, of course, listener comments and shout-outs and, and questions and corrections and things like that. But, uh, yeah, it's basically just these showcases broken down in order of Xbox, then Summer Game Fest, then Ubisoft, then Capcom, and then we'll round out with comments. So, without further ado, let's jump right into the Xbox Games Showcase 2023. So, starting off, I do think it's important to note, they did not label this year's show as they have the past two years as the Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase. They just labeled it as the Xbox Game Showcase. And that's kind of notable because... Two years ago, the big focus was Halo. Last year, the big focus was Starfield. And this year, the big focus was kind of a hybrid of Starfield and Fable, kind of the way they were like teasing and marketing and leading up to it. And so for, you know, obviously Starfield's a huge, hugely important game right now because it is, because it is the big Xbox game that is on the horizon. And so for them to drop the Bethesda branding from the title of the showcase especially when we're just months away from a huge Bethesda game basically making or breaking the future of the, of the platform kind of says a little bit about where they're trying to take the branding going forward. I think, and, and if I'm interpreting this correctly, I think this is a good move, which is that they're just trying to consolidate all the brands. Obviously, at this point, I think most people who are even remotely tapped into the games industry know that Bethesda is part of the Xbox family at this point. And it's just, uh, I really just don't see it all that helpful to kind of compartmentalize these different entities that Xbox owns, especially if this Activision deal ends up going through at the end of the day. I just think it'd be weird if one day they're like, it's the Xbox plus Bethesda plus Activision plus Blizzard showcase. I, I don't know. It's just like, if you're going to buy all these, I get it. You know, there's an assimilation period where maybe you want to try to voice to the world. Hey, Activision is part of Xbox. Bethesda is part of Xbox. But at some point you got to be like, all right, it's, it's Xbox. Okay. We, we treat a Bethesda game the way we would treat, like an Obsidian game or a Coalition game or something like that. It's just another Xbox team. So they kind of did have that treatment a little bit in this showcase, but they do, like, in between 
to start off every trailer they showed, they they would differentiate whether it was like Xbox Game Studios or Bethesda or something like that. So there's still some differentiation, but it does seem a lot more cohesive, at least from this showcase, than it has in the past couple of years. So just thought it was an interesting thing worth noting, just kind of thing to preface as we get into this uh, showcase that is both, I would say, very heavily focused on Xbox Game Studios and Bethesda. So kicking off the show... They, uh, they, I really thought they were going to open up, to be honest, with either something teasing Starfield, just like a taste of Starfield before the end of the show where they go into the deep dive, or I thought they would, oh, I guess it is also important to know, actually, as a side note before we go any further, they did, they did definitely make it a point to say it's the Xbox game showcase with a Starfield after show. They kept throwing that tag on there. So, you know, but still, they're, they're talking about the, the featured game, not the publisher. But anyway, uh, yeah, I really thought they'd open up with maybe a little taste of Starfield or maybe even like a game we hadn't seen already or something like that. I really didn't think they would just open up with Fable, but they started out with Fable, uh, which is kind of the game they were teasing leading up to this because that they put out a little Twitter video a couple of days ago, a week ago, where they showed like all this like fairy dust sprinkled all around the controller and the TV screen. And, and then it was like, join us for the Xbox Game Showcase. And everyone was like, all right, that's Fable. <laughs> so we knew Fable was coming. Everyone expected it. And lo and behold, here's Fable. They kicked off the showcase with Fable. Now, this is both. This is kind of a bittersweet way to start off the show because it is both a game everyone is dying to see, uh, while also being a re- a reveal, if you even want to call it that, uh, that I don't think quite lived up to the expectations. So they showed off Fable, the first trailer, and they they make it a point to say, "Hey, this is in game or in engine footage, so it's not CGI cutscenes." They said they weren't going to be doing that. Uh, you know, they, they'd have in-engine or gameplay for all these trailers. And so this one is in-engine. Um, and, of course, they make it a point to say, hey, it's a day one Game Pass game. Here's Fable. And the trailer is basically Richard Iota, that, that famous British comedian actor. I'm not very familiar with him, but he's it's basically him. He's playing a character in the Fable universe. He's being all tongue-in-cheek. And there's a little small fairy mystical creature in the London land and... It's being all humorous and lighthearted and kind of capturing that that tone that we saw in the last teaser for Fable about, what was that, two years ago? And that's fine. It's good. But I'm waiting for like some kind of gameplay reveal. Like, show me some snippets of the game in action. And technically, they do show gameplay because there's like a brief two-second snippet of the character like throwing fists at, at these two guys or slashing a sword or something um, in the middle of a forest with these two enemies in front of them. But there's no HUD. There's no like clear indicator that like this is actual moment to moment gameplay it's kind of like tech demo of course you know in engine uh gameplay so and it lasts for like two seconds otherwise it's mostly just an in engine cutscene. and so this is kind of like right off the bat you know lending credibility to my my freak out i had on last week's podcast where i was like you know they're bragging about how they're not going to show cgi cutscenes. it's all in engine or in game footage but to me in engine footage basically means nothing you know it's it, it might as well just be a cutscene because it doesn't really give me a taste of what the hook of the game is or the moment to moment gameplay and this this kind of really hammered that point home for me and, and and it doubled down and gave me my my argument although i'd rather be wrong i'd like i'd rather be in a situation where i was like you know they said it would be an engine and it ended up pleasantly surprising me how much i felt like i got a taste of what the game is but no i i feel like we really don't have much an idea of what this is going to play like and you know it's one thing if like you're showing me an in-engine trailer of the new season of call of duty modern warfare 2 because 
I, I know what Call of Duty is. I know what every Call of Duty is. And also we're talking about like a new seasonal update for a game I've already played six months of. But this is different. This is a reboot of a beloved franchise that's been dormant for over a decade that is being held by a new team because the original creator of this, of the original team behind the series doesn't even exist anymore. So there's a lot of head scratching and wondering and curiosity surrounding what Fable is going to look and play like. And I feel like we keep getting these tonal pieces and it's great. It looks like they're really capturing the charm and the humor and the wit of the Fable universe, but they're not showing us what the game really is. And so... They start off with Fable, that's great, but what we were hoping for is, a, is is some extensive look at the gameplay and maybe a release date, and what we got was none of that. <laughs> so I'm still feeling high about the tone and the aesthetic of the kind of world they're, they're building here. I still think it looks good, but Playground, we haven't seen your game, so I really don't feel like I have much excitement or much or much of a read on what this Fable game is going to be like, because I still just don't feel like I've seen it. And then they didn't put a date on the end of it. They just said day one game pass, which of course it's a first party game. Of course it's day one game pass. So I don't know. It was cool to see them kind of go, you know, all out, say, let's start off the show Fable. That's the thing people want to see. And then not really be able to show anything of substance. It's like, I don't know. Here's the thing you've been waiting for, but not in the way you want to see it kind of like a monkey paw in a way it's like oh you keep you know you keep wishing on fable and now we're going to give you fable in the last way you'd want to see it which is with no gameplay or release date (laughs) so i don't know i i was a little disappointed by that but at the same time i'm like you know what they're starting off with a really strong entry if this is the game you're going to open with it means you probably have a lot of other first party stuff to show so yeah i'm a little disappointed probably means the game's a 2025 game but whatever you know fable strong opening let's keep it going what they got so they move into the second game, and the second game is another strong showing. And I'm just going to go, you know, in order, game for game. So the, ne- the next trailer, again, starts off, it's like Compulsion Games. Immediately, I'm like, hell yeah. I like that right off the bat. They're addressing, they're like, here are the studios that you feel like have been absent for the past couple of years. Here's an update on the games you've been looking forward to getting an update on for the past couple of years. So immediately, it's like, all right, that last one, we didn't see gameplay. We didn't get a release date, but... I'm glad that they're directly addressing the games we've all been bitching and complaining about not seeing. So Compulsion Games is up next. We haven't seen or heard about what their next game was. The only reason we know anything about it is because like a year ago or something like that, Jez Corden from Windows Central had some kind of big expose explaining what he's heard this game is going to be. And so that's the only reason why we know anything about this game at all. And this trailer basically confirms everything that was in that report. So the game is called South of Midnight. Of course, day one Game Pass game. Again, what does that fucking mean? It's a a first... It's a first-party game. Of course, it's day one Game Pass. And then, again, same thing as Fable. It's in-engine footage, no gameplay whatsoever. So we don't get a, get a single look at this game. Now, I'm a little less upset about this one compared to Fable because Fable they announced many years ago. So at this point, it's like inexcusable that we don't have gameplay. Technically, they're just now announcing this game south of midnight because... They never officially said a damn thing about it. We just heard rumors and reports on it. So I can't really hold Compulsion or Xbox accountable for that. This is when they chose to reveal the game. So clearly, this is when they feel like is the time to start any kind of conversation surrounding what this project is. So for the first time, generally, it's like when you announce a game, it's like you don't... Ha- I guess I guess the way I would say myself, and if, if I could speak for people in a general sense, I feel like the way people kind of generally accept the the roadmap from game announcement to game release is like year one you announce the game you can do like a tonal piece in engine cgi cutscene whatever give us a feel for like the the world and the characters and then give us the name of the game that's year one 
The next year, you show the game again, but this time you get gameplay. You got extensive gameplay, and we get a real feel for what the game is. And then you give us a, a like a, a vague release date, like a year or a season or something. Okay, all right. That's and that's how you do year number two. And then year number three is the year the game comes out. You show a much more gameplay focused trailer. Keep it quick and concise because we've seen the game a few times, and then put a very specific release date on it. And that's like kind of how you do it. It's like a three year cycle. Year one is announce the game with the CGI trailer. Year two is vague release date with a little bit of gameplay. And year three is extensive gameplay with a specific release date. So this is the first time we've seen South of Midnight. If they can follow that pattern, you know, this is year one. We got an in-engine cutscene and a name for the game. If next year we see gameplay with a 2026 date or something or 2025 date or something and then in 2025 we get in like legit gameplay like really extensive gameplay and then a specific date like november 13th or something like that then i'll say you know what i think xbox and compulsion games handled south of midnight very well this is exactly how you do it i'm happy but for the first showing i'm glad we finally know what this game is glad it has a date glad we are publicly aware of it glad compulsion is speaking after so long it's been a while since uh we happy few came out so i'm happy to see that they're talking and uh we'll just have to wait and see now as for the trailer itself i thought this game looks awesome it's that gothic southern kind of i don't know whatever look they're going for that that we heard about in the reports about a year ago and it looks awesome that shows like this this like kind of decrepit like man like when a, in a straw hat he's like playing the guitar and the art style is like really ridiculous and cool it's got almost like one of those like intentionally cut down frame rates on the cutscenes, almost like you know you see in like new animated movies like spider-verse or whatever and so it's got like a lot of style and flair to it and it looks really cool this guy's like sitting out on the bayou playing the guitar and then the girl walks up to him and she starts like confronting him we know that she's the protagonist because again those leaks and rumors surrounding the game kind of tipped us off with that and so they interact, they got a whole thing going, and then it just kind of throws the title of the game. All I know is the setting looks really cool, the character art looks really cool, I'm very excited to figure out what the fuck this game actually is, but in terms of just getting me interested in your art style, your characters, your tone, and your title, I'm hooked. The only other problem I would say with this is that even though I'm excited to see this game again, hopefully next year, with some gameplay, the problem is... Last time Compulsion revealed a game, which was a long time ago, was like, what, 2016 or something with We Happy Few? I saw that reveal, and I was like, damn, this game looks phenomenal. It looks so good. And then that game ended up being a game that wasn't necessarily a bad game. It's just nothing I would even remotely ever want to play. I played about an hour of We Happy Few, and my takeaway is I would never play a game like this. No offense to the developers. It's just not for me. And so that's why I'm kind of eager to see what South of Midnight is, because Aesthetically, again, I'm right there with where I was with We Happy Few, where I'm like, this looks cool, but is it going to be something I'm interested in? And right now, I can't answer that because I didn't see any gameplay. So for now, they got me interested. I'm glad Compulsion is out there in the, you know, they're on the field now. They've been benched for so long, and now they're back on the field playing. And so now their game is out there. It's publicly known. There's a trailer. We're aware of it. We know what they're working on. I'm just really excited to see what the game ends up being, and hopefully this time Compulsion is able to pull something together that is maybe a little more palatable for general audiences. I would generally define myself as like kind of a general audiences player. No, no shame in that. I like my first-person shooters, my platformers, my third-person action games, my narrative-driven games. I'm not crazy on like the oh, it's like a Souls-like procedurally generated roguelike dude, and there's like four thousand hours, and you can make your character look like a fucking imp if you really want to. It's so it's so and crazy and customizable. It's like I, I don't want that shit. So. If South of Midnight ends up being some, like, third-person action game, I'm going to be like, 
fuck yeah, the characters look cool, the art style looks cool, and I'm down for a third-person action game. But it's out the midnight is a procedurally generated build-your-own-buy-you-boat and then f- float around the southeast United States with frogs that will give you alternate abilities with RPG mechanics, deep, deep, deep RPG mechanics, like so fucking deep that you, you're never going to get out of these RPG mechanics or so RPG-like. And then, you know, there's going to be live service elements, and of course you got to play co-op, and don't even get me started about the pre-order bonuses. The second this game becomes that, I'm like, fuck it, I'm out. I don't give a shit about the art style. I'm out. Now, I don't think that's what this game's going to be. It's just, again, got to clarify, last time Compulsion had a game, I didn't give a shit about it. So I'm really hoping this time is something that's a little more palatable. And I think it will be because, remember, last time Compulsion had a game, they were an independent studio that was working with Microsoft on We Happy Few. This time's different because now they're a first-party studio with first-party resources and money and access in time. So I, I assume they've staffed up, really set their eyes on a big project to cast a wide net and try to really draw attention to their team and, and what they can make with the proper resources. So I assume this will be a much more compelling game I'm just, again, really excited with what I saw. Not necessarily confident that I'll know what this is or love what it is. But, again, strong strong start. Fable, boom. Compulsion games, boom. Right off the bat, it's two first-party games, two first-party teams. We're getting a look at exactly the kind of shit we've been waiting to see. So I can't complain, right? They're giving me – they're delivering – at least to some extent, on the exact things I've been asking for. So I'm feeling pretty good as a start. And then we move into the third game. Boom, Massive Entertainment. So this is not This is third party. This is a Ubisoft-owned uh, studio, Massive Entertainment. These are the guys that make... Um, these are the guys that make uh, da, 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 the, the Division. And they're making a Star Wars game. Now, we've known about that for a while, but this is the first time we've seen it. So we get a cinematic, in-engine, whatever, fucking trailer for Star Wars uh, Outlaws, which is the name of the game, so now it's got a title. Star Wars Outlaws coming in 2024, and we get this really cool tonal piece. It basically looks like the female counterpart to uh, fucking Star Wars Jedi, the EA game that everyone loves right now. But it looks cool. Like, I like it. She's on the little speeder. She's running away. She's going through the, the little town in the village and all the shit, and it looks like Star Wars. And I'm like, you know what? Tonally, this looks like it's really nailing Star Wars. I'm up for it. I, I don't know what the game is exactly, but... It looks cool, and it, the trailer ends, and it goes, hey, wait till the Ubisoft event on Monday. We'll show you more information. So we're not really going di- to dig into this now because when we get to the Ubisoft section a little bit, we'll, we'll go over it because Ubisoft is going to show the actual game in, in action. So we'll save it for then, but the trailer ends, and I'm just left with, okay, they nailed, this, they nailed the tone of Star Wars. I'm intrigued. I want to see more, and here we go. It's first three games. Boom, boom, boom. We got Fable, South of Midnight. Star Wars Outlaws, and this is this is a theme that they keep consistent throughout the entire one-hour event, which is they just it's just game after game after game. They don't stop. They just keep showing games, games, games. They don't linger on any game for too long. There's no game that's like, oh, we spent five minutes on this game, and then 30 seconds on this game, and then seven minutes on this game, and two minutes on this. It's just everything's like a minute to a minute and a half game, game, game. It got to give massive props to Xbox. They've definitely learned and listened to their audience. This game, this uh, showcase is paced and presented exactly in the way you would hope for it to be done. Um, so they just keep going, boom, 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 game, game, game. Now, after the Star Wars sh- showing, they do take a quick break. Sarah Bond is shown, and she's like, hey, guys, welcome to the showcase. I'm a gamer. You're a gamer. Let's look at some video games, whatever. She's got like 40 seconds on screen, and she's just kind of like, hey, I'm kicking it off. Thanks for watching our opening. We got a lot of sh- stuff to show you. Hope you're excited. So, I don't mind. You got to show your big faces, Sarah Bond, Phil Spencer, those kinds of people. So it's cool. 
I got no complaints. And she's basically just there to say, like, hi, I'm a big face of Xbox. You're here today. Let's keep the party going. And then she rolls right into the next thing. So, again, super happy with the way they're pacing this and showing all these games. I think they're killing it. Then they go into uh, 33 Immortals, which is their first kind of, like, third-party indie, quote-unquote, style game. Um, Because you know you're going to get a lot of this. It's developed by Thunder Lotus. These are the guys that made Spirit Fair, which is that popular Game Pass game that came out. Has it been like, what two years now? I don't know. I, I I played like ten minutes of that game and gave up on it. But I know people like it a lot. I know it was a popular Game Pass title, and so they got a new game, Game Pass game. It's coming. It's thirty player co op, so that's like its whole shtick. It looks pretty cool. It's thirty three Immortals. It's like some it looks kind of like a dungeon crawler e RPG thing, but again, up to thirty player co op, and that's kind of its whole gimmick to make it stand out and be cool. I think it sounds interesting. That that gameplay mechanic sounds very ridiculous and fun, and I'm curious to see how it plays. I'm not particularly interested in this game, but again, it's a it adds a nice flavor of diversity. It's the first time in the showcase we've seen something that's not going to be big in AAA, and you need a little bit of everything. So I see it. I'm like, that's cool. We're good. Show it. I'm probably not interested, but we'll keep a tab on it and let's move on. And again, with, with the theme of the show is consistent, like boom, 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 game, game, game. So they don't they don't waste a minute. After they show that thing for like a minute, they move right on into the next game, which is Payday 3. So Payday 3, we've known about this game. It's not a surprise or anything, but they show kind of a launch trailer for it. And they announce, hey, it's coming out September 21st. It's a day one Game Pass game. And I'll be honest, man, I've never played Payday, um, not because I don't think they are good games or anything. I'm sure they are good, but I've just never, you know, it's just never really happened for me. There's always those games where it's like, I've just never paid attention. Payday is one of those games, but I got to be honest, Payday 3 looks pretty damn good based on this trailer the uh bank heisty kind of first person shooter cooperative game um that it is and i i don't know man i i gotta be honest i'm probably gonna give it a try i mean it's a day one game pass game what's it gonna cost me other than just you know an afternoon or an hour or two to give it a go and it looks really good so it looks looks a lot more polished a lot more triple a looking compared to some of the earlier entries especially you know payday one i remember what was that game's like 10 years old now right but yeah i mean it's Whatever, it's it's more payday. I know people are there are people who are excited for this. It's not that I'm gonna really sit here and freak out about, but hey, why not? Day one game pass, that's a good get for Xbox. Comes out in a couple months, the game looks solid. Another good showing. We're there for a minute and we move on. We're on to the next game. So again, when you have this kind of pacing, the really nice thing about it is if a game is like uninteresting to you or just like mildly interesting to you, it doesn't really mess up the pacing or the tone of the show at all. Because if you're not into something, it's only like 60 seconds before you're on to the next thing. So then you're on to the next thing. So Payday 3 looks solid, good get for Game Pass. And now we're on to Atlas. This is like the first of three or four times Atlas shows up in the show. We all know Xbox is trying hard to get some support in the, uh, from the Japanese publishing development kind of ecosystem. They're trying to get this, this brand pushed out a little more to the Japanese market so atlas is a big partner of theirs because they are owned by sega and sega is really the only big japanese publisher that kind of takes a liking to xbox i don't know what it is if that has something to do with the history between the two brands or if it's just sega is just open to working with xbox but they have a they have a good relationship because this is not the first time we've seen sega you know whether it be fantasy star online or or other uh, Atlas-developed games, or the Ryuga Gotoku, uh, like a dragon-type Yakuza games. But here we are, Atlas is here, and they are confirming something that has been leaking like crazy the past week, which is that Persona 3 Reloaded exists, and it's coming out early 2024. So this is a ground-up remake of Persona 3, a game that a lot of people have been saying it needs desperately to be remade, um, because it's originally a PS2 game. I think there's a 
PlayStation Portable version or PlayStation Vita version. I think it's a PlayStation Portable version. Maybe it's a PS3 version. I don't know. But there's there's some kind of port of the game that's pretty much just a direct port. And there's a lot of arguments about what the superior version of the game is. And a lot of people say that there really is no superior version, that the, the game desperately needs to be remade. So this is something a lot of Persona fans have been longing for is a Persona 3 remake so it looks like that's exactly what they're getting and again it's a it's a day one game pass title um so not the first time we've seen persona marketed with game pass and uh probably not the last but yeah persona 3 reloaded announced shown off good trailer um too bad it leaked because otherwise it'd be a really solid surprise i think for for xbox fans and to kind of give xbox a win because this is again a series that a lot of people associate with playstation and even before that nintendo and so it just kind of gives xbox a good win to be like hey we got some serious japanese support here it's a it's a franchise people generally associate with our competitor and it just helps them kind of gain some credibility in that market so good little uh, announcement in, in get there so now after a couple of um Smaller games and third-party games or older games or remakes or whatever. Again, we're keeping that boom, 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 next, next, next pacing. Now we're back into the Xbox first-party canon, and we get hit with a huge one, one I've personally been really looking forward to for a while, which is Avowed. Obsidian's Avowed announced in 2020, and now we get... uh, we get our first look at the game really running in an engine with gameplay, specific moment-to-moment gameplay that gives you a clear and concise idea of what the game looks like running in action. It's everything I could have asked for. They did literally everything I could have asked for. They showed a lot of gameplay, and they gave us a date. You know, it's not the specific date, but we will get that next year. Instead, we got a 2024 release date and tons of gameplay, and I think this game looks awesome i cannot wait honestly when when i saw it the second i realized this is about i i just i yelped i I screamed if you were there on the stream you saw me acting like a little bitch and i loved it i I didn't regret a second of it i'm very excited for avowed and i gotta say this game seems to be living up to the hype so far it looks like obsidian's take on an elder scrolls type game and i see a lot of people online bitching and moaning and yearning for elder scrolls 6 and we all know it's coming but it's gonna be a long time before the game actually gets here and I, I just gotta say to you, if you are the kind of person that just absolutely loves Skyrim and you're waiting for the next Elder Scrolls game and you don't really care about Starfield because you just want more more freaking Skyrim or whatever it is, I gotta say, Avowed is clearly going to be a great game to hold you over. And in fact, I don't even like necessarily calling it a holdover, a Skyrim holdover game because personally, in my opinion, I think Avowed has the potential to be just as good as a game like Skyrim. I mean, that's not a guarantee, of course, but... Obsidian is just a phenomenal developer. They have a great track record. They have a great history. And this is going to be their first really AAA from the ground up made for Xbox as an Xbox-owned team. And so I'm just really excited to see what the guys behind Fallout New Vegas and Outer Worlds and all these games can really do when they have the time and the money and the resources that an Xbox first-party team has. And Avowed just looks like... It just looks like a game that's going to make a statement. And uh, I was actually a little disappointed by some of the reaction from audiences. I feel like a lot of people were kind of like, oh, this game doesn't look as good or there's something funny about it. But I I, I don't know what the hell anyone's talking about. I think this game looks phenomenal. Um, it's that medieval swords and sorcery kind of just knights and elves bullshit that I'm that usually not too crazy on. But when I find something like I like within that universe that or that kind of aesthetic, I really go for it. And Avowed looks like that looks like that game for me it just looks so good and they had there's a guy who had like muskets or guns or something so like there's gonna be a little bit of shooting involved which looks great and the magic looks great now i guess one thing worth noting is the game definitely looks very vibrant and very colorful which i love that shit 
But I saw a lot of people being like, it looks too cartoony. It doesn't look serious enough. I don't know, man. Go back and watch the trailer again. I, I think the game looks plenty serious. It doesn't look as gray and, and, and boring as maybe like an Elder Scrolls does, where it's just like, ah, it's just grass and water and rocks. But yeah, I mean, it's got a little more color variation to it, but I don't know. It doesn't look like fucking, it doesn't look like, it, it's not like serious Sam or anything like that. It's like, it's a, it's a serious medieval looking magic game. And I, I don't know. It just looks so fucking good. Uh, so, and this is exactly what I'm talking about. The first time we saw it, it was like CGI trailer with title. And then unfortunately Xbox dropped the ball by going a couple years without talking about it. But then this year we see it again and it's gameplay footage and vague release date. Perfect. And since it's set for 2024, that means next year in 2024, we should expect at the next Xbox showcase next June to see another trailer with more extensive gameplay and then a specific release date, like November 10, 2024. And uh, that's how you do it. Three showings, three years, boom, boom, boom. And every year you get a little more info. And this year is just, uh, yeah, we, we finally are getting gameplay. We're finally getting a, an idea. And so uh, another thing that's important about this is, you know, we got Forza and Starfield coming this year. And, you know, like back when all these games were announced, all these games that we've been waiting for updates on, we had a clear idea that oh, Halo's about to come out, that Starfield will be after that. But we're at the point now where, you know, Halo's been out, Halo's gone and dead, and Starfield's about to come out in just a couple weeks. And now we're at the point where it's like, okay, so what does 2024 look like for Xbox? What does 2025 look like for Xbox? So having this avowed uh, trailer with the more concrete information starts to paint the picture of what we can expect next year for Xbox. So now we know, okay, Starfield's the big game for this year. We got Starfield and Forza next year. Avowed. It's avowed. It's turn to sh uh, time to shine. We know Fable and uh, South of Midnight aren't going to be there since, you know, apparently they didn't get any dates of any kind, but Avowed. That's going to be our 2024 game. Okay, cool. And so now, you know, it gets you kind of excited as an Xbox fan because 2022 was a rough year, right? We didn't get anything like super big. We got some small games, of course. We got Pentiment and things like that. But we, we require big, substantial games so that we can rub it in the face of our pony friends and say, you got Spider-Man? Well, I got a fucking Laser Suit Larry or whatever's coming to Game Pass. But joking aside, we, we need these games. So this is really exciting because now we go, okay, so 2023 is all about Starfield and then 2024 is all about Avowed. Okay, I'm, I'm starting to like conceptualize what I'm getting over on Team Xbox and I'm looking forward to it and it's good stuff. And man, if they can, if they can, if the quality of the games can be there and they can hit these dates reliably and then just keep this momentum going, like I know they're trying to do, but if they can just actually get there and do it and get the right people managing the teams to make sure this stays on track... Xbox has got a good thing going. That's that's the thing. That's what's so frustrating for all of us. And we talk about all the time as Xbox fans. It's like, it's so frustrating because we see a really good showing like this. And we're like, okay, yeah, that's that's the picture. Okay, Starfield in a couple months. That game's going to be incredible. You know, uh, about next year, that's going to be incredible. And we get really excited. And then as time goes by, it's like, ah, fuck, this game got delayed. Ah, fuck, this game came out broken. Ah, fuck, this game. Like, the, 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 the lead designer left three months before the game came out. Why is that happening? And it's just like that kind of shit happens way too often. But if we can just, if we can keep the production in check and we can get everything managed from, from, from throughout the entire pipeline from start to finish, maybe we can, you know, really manifest and, 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 and actualize this, this outline we start to see. Because right now it's like, I'm on cloud nine. I'm optimistic about it all. I'm like, fuck, Starfield looks good. And then we got a vow next year. It's like I'm I'm ex I'm excited. You know, people can tweet at me all day and tell me Xbox sucks and I'm a I'm a loser because we don't have enough cards in our playing deck over on Team Xbox or whatever the comments say. But man, I'm just I'm excited because the vow looks good. 
Starfield looks good, and I know we got some shit on the way. So, Vowed, I thought it was a really strong showing. I just cannot wait for this game. I think it looks so good. If I'm being quite honest, I think Avowed's probably my most anticipated first-party Xbox game right now. But, um, I mean, we'll see. Hopefully, other really cool stuff comes out, and hopefully Avowed doesn't have a Redfall moment or anything like that. I, I really don't foresee that happening, but, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I've been burned a couple times recently. I'm sure you guys have been too. So it's you can understand why it's like I want to be excited, but I'm also not. But I, I'm excited. I, I genuinely am. And so Avowed, you look beautiful. I cannot wait for you to come out next year. I'm glad I have a clear idea of what the game looks like in action. I'm glad we have an idea of when it's coming out. And uh, I, I'm excited to see more. It just looks like a really stellar game. So Avowed, everybody. We've finally seen Fable. We've seen what Compulsion's working on. We got Avowed. So, you know, I'm always bitching and moaning. I'm always going, what's Compulsion doing? What's Double Fine doing? What's, you know, what's, uh, where's Fable? Where's, where's Perfect Dark? All these games. We're starting to get answers to these burning questions. And, and this is really exciting stuff. So we got Avowed. We're keeping with this really awesome pacing that we got going on the showcase. So it's like, okay, what's next? Well, like I said in my predictions last week, you always got to have that guaranteed lull in the middle of the show where it's like here's a bunch of shit you didn't ask for here's a bunch of updates on games you don't care about so next up we saw sea of thieves and immediately i started rolling my eyes i'm like listen i like sea of thieves sea of thieves is a good game but like fuck this man this this, this game came out in 2017 like i don't need you to show me sea of thieves season 23 or whatever the fuck at your showcase like that's really not big enough news to be at this event and so I'm like really ready to roll my eyes so far back. I can't roll them back forward or whatever the saying is going to be. But uh end up being kind of pleasantly surprised because what they're announcing is not just a random update to, to Sea of Thieves, but rather The Legend of Monkey Island, which is a brand new free expansion for the game. So it's Lucas, uh, it's Lucasfilm teaming up with Rare to bring Monkey Island, uh, which is a, a classic point-and-click adventure game from Lucasfilm back in like was that the mid late nineties, a PC point and click adventure game. And they're, um, they're, they're doing a crossover with sea of thieves to bring a new free story driven campaign expansion to the game, which comes out next month on July 20th. So brand new announcement caught everyone off guard, exciting stuff, free camp, free story content, and it's available next month. I think that's actually a pretty notable fun and worthy announcement. Obviously this is very much, uh, echoing that, that same kind of reveal we got two years ago for Sea of Thieves when they announced the Pirates of the Caribbean expansion when they partnered with Disney to do that one. And it looks basically like they're doing that again, but now it's Monkey Island instead of Pirates of the Caribbean, which in a way is kind of fitting. It's kind of all loops in together because Pirates of the Caribbean is Disney. Now Monkey Island is owned by Lucasfilm, which is now owned by Disney. And Monkey Island was originally inspired by Pirates of the Caribbean. So in a way, all of it kind of blends together and makes cohesive uh, like some cohesive sense together with monkey island and pirates of the caribbean and sea of thieves and all this i'm like these are some really clever you know it's not like it's not like fortnite you know where fortnite just announced transformers coming to fortnite which is fine it's cool it's whatever but it's not like you know it's not like fortnite where it's like one day it's pete davidson and one day it's fucking dominic toretto from fast and furious and then it's martha stewart you know it's not like just everything and anything all in one universe i love that sea of thieves they do these crossovers but they actually enrich and continue to like flesh out the universe and the world of Sea of Thieves rather than just be like, hey, don't you kids like fucking Top Gun Mavericks? Well, what if we put Top Gun Sea of Thieves? Would you like that? So I love that. I love that they're, they keep enriching and building out the world of Sea of Thieves by thinking of really 
thoughtful and creative ways to do these crossovers and always culminates culminates in free story content, which is even better. Um, so I, I just, I love that. I think Sea of Thieves is a great game. I think this is a really fitting, cool expansion. Um, I'll give it a go for sure. I love Sea of Thieves. I like to play whenever something big like this comes out, just like when the Pirates expansion came out a few years ago. And um, yeah, man, it's really cool stuff. So, and again, keeping with the pacing, this could have been a downer if they spent like five minutes talking about this and boring our ears off about an expansion for a game we've had for over five years, but they didn't do that. They announced it. They did a 60 second trailer. We move on with life and now we're on to the next game. So again, if that's something that wasn't exciting to you, they didn't dwell on it too long. So I thought that was really great how they kind of handled that timing. And then next we're on to what I would say is probably the first truly boring thing of the event, but it's important to note, this isn't just a random update. They sh- so they show they show flight sim, they show this the studio Sobo logo, and then it says flight sim. It's like oh god, here we go again. They're gonna do some fucking update to flight sim. Well, no, it's 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 flight sim 2024, so it's the next flight sim game. So again, definitely something that's not for me. Definitely something I don't care about, but it deserves a place at this showcase. It's their next entry in the series. You gotta talk about it. So not everything's gonna appeal to everyone. Clearly, this doesn't appeal to me, but it's it's. Well, it's, it's outsourced, so it's kind of second party, but it's Microsoft-owned IP. It's console-exclusive Xbox game, so it's it obviously belongs here. So they talk about Flight Sim 2024, and I don't know, i got to be honest. As someone who really doesn't give a shit about Flight Simulator and isn't going to play this game, I do got to say I think it's cool how they're finding ways to be creative and innovative with it rather than just being like, oh, it's the new version of the game that's just more updated than the last one. They, they're actually thinking of really unique features like uh, they're adding like a fire and rescue mode, a, a, an air racing mode. They're adding a bunch of new planes. They're going to do a crossover with Doom, Dune, the uh, sci-fi movie Dune, uh, where they're going to add DLC into it later this year for the first game. And then this game will come out next year. And so I'm like, okay, okay, that's, that's you know, it's not for me necessarily, but it's a pretty substantial update that deserves a place at the showcase and is worth talking about. I'm going to kind of look the other way because I don't really care all that much, but I'm glad that it's like if they're going to have flight sim here, they're going to have a good reason to talk about it. So in some ways, they kind of bucked my my criticism that I'm like, oh, no, they're going to show us like grounded update 3.1 and, and flight sim update where they're going to add fucking Tom Cruise's ass cheeks into the game or something. It's like, no, that it's like actual substantial news that's worth mentioning here. And again, even though it's not for me, at least it's um, it's fitting information for a showcase like this. So, of course, that will be day one Game Pass inf- uh, content when Flight Sim 2024 comes out, and we'll probably see it next year. But, again, uh, good showing from them. Obviously, something I'm sure lots of people are into because there's a, there's a big community of people that love Flight Sim. It's, you know, it's not the eye-catching thing that I think of when I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to play a new game from Xbox's first-party stable. You know, it's not like... Uh, well, it's not first party. It's outsourced to a Sobo, but you know what I mean? It's like when I think of like Xbox IP, I'm thinking of like Gears of War and Halo. I'm not thinking about like Flight Sim, but again, it, it's cool. This is this is clearly a market for it. These games do well, and uh, so we got another one of those on the way. Now we're right back, just like we were with Fable and then South of Midnight and then Avowed. Now we're back. It's like here's an update on a, on a team you've been waiting to hear from, on a game you've been waiting to see more of. We're back. We got another update for you. We're keeping the pace going. We're giving the gamers what they want. So next up is Hellblade 2, Senua's Saga. And I'm like, all right, here we fucking go. This is good shit. So 
this one's kind of like in between where Avowed and Fable were for me, where I'm like, we've known about this game for a long time. And I mean, we've known about this game for a long time. They, they announced this game in, in December 2019 along with the Xbox Series X. So we've known about this game for a long time. It's been ridiculous how long it's been, and, and we haven't gotten this game yet. So the good news is they finally put a date on it. They said, hey, it's a 2024 game. So again, back to what I was saying earlier when we were talking about Avowed, I'm like, Okay, so now the mental calendar is kind of filling out. I'm like, 2024 for Xbox, we got Hellblade, we got Avowed. I'm like, okay, this is shaping up to be another really strong year for Xbox. You know, this year we got we got Hi-Fi Rush, we got Starfield, we got Forza, you know, we got uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. So that's a strong year for 23. And then 24, it's like, okay, we got fucking another flight sim game. We got Hellblade, we got Avowed. All right, you're starting to see... Everything fall into place. They're really, they're really doing it. They're, they're doing a good job of supporting their platform with first-party content. So I'm feeling good about it. My only thing is, I feel like we still don't know what this game is like from a gameplay perspective. Because even though they technically showed gameplay in this trailer, it was like the absolute worst gameplay you could show. It's like, I don't know. It's like if someone's like, "Hey, man, um, have you ever heard of this game called Skyrim?" And you're like, "No, man, I've never heard of Skyrim. What's that like?" Well, here, let me show you a 30-second video of what Skyrim is to give you a taste of what this of what this game has to offer. It's a great game. I think you're going to love it. And then it's like you show them a 30-second gameplay clip, and it's like you in the pause menu, and then you unpause, and you're in the middle of like uh, uh, like trying to use a lock pick to break open a door, and you're like, fuck it up, and you go through like four picks trying to like break into this door, and you're like, ah, got it. And then the video ends right when you got the door open which is all technically gameplay shit you can do in Skyrim, but then the gameplay demo just ends there, and you're just like, see, man, isn't Skyrim fucking awesome? You can pick locks in this game, and you'd be like, what the fuck did you just show me? That's kind of how I felt about this showing of Hellblade, where I know the game has combat. I played Hellblade 1. I know for a fact the game has combat. I know there's some puzzle solving. I know there's some light platforming. I know you move around in an environment in a 3D space. Absolutely. But this gameplay demo literally starts off, Senua is in between the crevices of like this this cavern. She's like upside down or she's like trying to crawl under this cavernous crevice like she's trapped. And it's absolutely gameplay. I know for a fact someone is pressing up on the right on the left analog stick moving Senua forward. But this isn't fucking gameplay anyone wants to see. Like, show me the game in action. Show me the combat. Show me the puzzle solving. But instead, I'm literally watching someone control Senua through this little fucking crevice by just holding forward on the analog stick. And she's like, voices in her head. She's like, they're gonna, they're gonna tell you to go home. They're gonna tell you you can't sit with us at lunchtime. And she's like, squeezing through the fucking cracks of the cave. And she's like, stop it, voices in my head. Stop telling me what to do. And of course, she's not British, but I'm making her British anyway, because why not? And then, like, she gets out of the fucking cracks of the, of the cave, and then she just comes up to a puddle, and then it moves into cinematic mode, and she's just talking to herself and looking at her reflection in the water and everything. And I'm like, God fucking damn it, man. Yes, on a technicality, that was a gameplay demo. You showed gameplay. Now tell me which motherfucking crackhead at Ninja Theory or Xbox looked at this demo and said, uh-huh, this is it. This is what we need to show the fans. This is what the fans have been waiting for. Again, perfect analogy, the fucking Skyrim thing. It's like you try to show me Skyrim for the first time and you're showing off lockpicking. You're not going to show me fighting dragons or exploring a beautiful open world or branching quest lines or character customization and combat and all these other things. You're not going to show me any of that horseback riding. You're not going to show me that. You're going to show me lockpicking. 
Because that's what they just did here with Hellblade. They showed me the fucking lockpicking equivalent of the gameplay of this game. So I don't know what the, I don't know what the combat looks like because last time they showed this game off, it was just bullshit CGI. And I don't know what the combat looks like because the time they showed it before that, like four years ago, it was just bullshit CGI then. And now I've finally seen an in-action gameplay demo. And I watched Senua try to squeeze her way under a fucking claustrophobic boulder. And then she screamed at herself in the reflection of a puddle. And that's supposed to sell me on the goddamn game? I'm playing Hellblade 2, but not because of that demo. I'm playing it because I played the first one, it was good. And because this motherfucker's on Game Pass, so I don't gotta put any money down. But rest assured, if Hellblade was an unproven quantity, and this is the first time you're showing it off, and this is what you gotta show, I'm gonna say, that game looks weird as hell. Okay? And then I move on with my life. Terrible, terrible showing. But technically, it was gameplay. The graphics look great, no doubt. The graphics, the production quality looks great. Looks like a big step up from the first game. Looks a lot more polished in AAA, no doubt about it. Coming out in 2024, that's great. Gives me a good idea that next year we got some good games on the way. We got Hellblade, we got Avowed. It's good stuff. But that's a terrible, terrible, terrible gameplay demo. I don't know. Again, absolute fucking meth head going around these Xbox First Party's teams saying... That, that's what we need to show. That's what the fucking people want. They want to watch the girl squeeze through a boulder. And uh, so again, I, I, I know it sounds like I'm complaining. I, I, am, I am critiquing and criticizing, no doubt. But on the whole, I'm glad we got a date for Hellblade 2. Uh, I'm glad they decided to talk about and show the game because this is one of the many games I've been asking, where the hell is this game? So on, on, on the whole, I would say it's a plus. We saw Hellblade 2 and it's got a release window. I'm happy. Just fucking head-scratching moment, whoever decided to show this gameplay. But anyway. Speaking of head-scratching moments, the next thing we saw was Japanese. It was, like a dragon, infinite wealth. So, God, these games... I, I, I love Yakuza, now now called like a dragon, but the Yakuza series. I love these games so much, you guys know. I fell in love with them recently, and I just I adore these this franchise. But I cannot, for the life of me, keep up with these games. They come out so much faster than I can play them. I'm, I'm still on Yakuza 4. I'm stuck in like 2010 right now with the, with these games, and they're like releasing two, three of these a year. They had that Ishin Like a Dragon come out a couple months ago, and now they got Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth coming out first thing next year, and then there's another Like a Dragon game that comes out the end of this year that we'll talk about a little later on the show, so... I, I don't know what to do here. I just cannot fucking keep up with these guys. They just keep putting out games, and don't get me wrong, they're always good. I always love them. But holy shit. So, again, keeping with the showcase, great one-minute trailer. Really funny. It's like a cinematic trailer, and I'm not going to criticize them for not showing gameplay because this is Xbox's partner. This is an Xbox, so I can't get mad at Xbox for not showing gameplay. Um, but, you know, also, Like a Dragon's, we don't we know what the game looks like. There's one, there's one of these every six months. We know what these games are, you know. So anyway, they show it. It's a really funny trailer with guys on the beach. He wakes up, doesn't know where he is. He's naked. Everyone's screaming and freaking out because there's a naked man on the beach. It's very Japanese. It's very funny. It's, you know, tonally, I'm all for it. I, I want to play this game. I just can't keep up because they keep releasing them and making them way too fast. And keep in mind, this is the second time Sega's popped up. We saw them with Atlas and Persona 3. Now they're back with Ryu Ga Gotoku in the, in the Yakuza games. So, okay. We got, we got, uh, we got another showing from Sega. Early 2024, Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth. Now, this is the this is the sequel to the 2021 Yakuza game, Like a Dragon, uh, which is where the franchise kind of splinters off and takes this new direction with this new character. 
and uh, does more of the turn-based combat. So this will continue that that new version of the Yakuza games, um, whereas the other game that comes out in a couple months will pick up where the last game, where the old series of games left off, but we can get to that later. So they show the next Yakuza game. It looks funny. It looks cool. These games are always great. I'm sure it's going to be great, but it will come out early next year. So some good third-party support right there. More Japanese support. Xbox needs it. That's great. All right. Next up, we start to get into the obligatory, eye-wateringly boring, here's the update on Fallout 76, here's the update on ESO, blah, blah, blah. So Fallout 76 is shown next. The Atlantic City update coming soon. Uh, they showed a really good trailer for it with a really fun song, little little ditty. Uh, it was actually a pretty good trailer, but I am going to be honest with you, I don't care. Uh, even though I like Fallout 76, I just don't give a shit. Um, I don't think these kinds of events are the place to talk about updates to your live service games that have been out for six years. Um, so I just, I don't care. Fallout 76, we got a one-minute trailer showing this Atlantic City update. Um, it, it's coming, coming soon. They don't have a release date on it yet. I don't care. We move on. And uh, I know Bethesda's just got to get this out of the way and, and talk about it. So there you go. We're moving on. So next up something exciting happens capcom is suddenly present now capcom of course capcom and xbox go back in you know the 360 days with the uh with the um dead rising series but uh capcom and xbox they're not too close these days so it's kind of cool to see capcom on xbox's stage so to speak and they announce an all new brand new rpg series well i don't know if it's rp it's like hack and slash rpg i don't really know exactly what it is but uh it looks cool and it's this new game called Kunitsu Gama Path of the Goddess. It is a day one Game Pass game. No release date on it yet, but it looks really cool. It's just like feudal Japanese, like with a little bit of like magic and stuff going on. And like this girl walks up to like this temple gate and then these enemies run out and she starts beating the fuck out of them. And uh, it shows some gameplay. It's like kind of pulled back, technically third person like hack and slash RPG game, but it kind of shows a little bit of like a super pullback third party third person's perspective. So it's kind of it's kind of an interesting perspective they're, they're doing the game from. But it looks cool. It looks fun. It looks like dumb fun. It looks like the kind of game where it's just like really addicting combat. Maybe something like a I don't know, like they're trying to go for some kind of hack and slashy, maybe something like Devil May Cry kind of game. And it's a day one Game Pass game. So this will no doubt, of course, be multi-platform um but it looks like they're obviously going to do the marketing with xbox which is a great get for them and you know great get for us as x as game pass subscribers that we get some more unique content to kind of diversify all the shit we're getting in this excellent service so kanitsu gama path of the goddess pretty cool trailer worth checking out aesthetically it's not like oh my god that's so cool because i feel like we see a lot of this like ancient japan ancient china kind of shit coming out in a lot of games nowadays where they're just like it's a souls like it's a hack and slash it's a this it's a that it's a third person action something or other and it's like always trying to capture one of those two countries kind of like old historical like kind of shit doesn't always work for me because i'm just i feel like it's too much of it but the game itself looks fun and cool, and hey, it's not a Souls-like, so thank God I can, it's a new game I can play and just enjoy without it trying to fucking put hair on my chest. God knows I don't need any more. So there's that. So Capcom, new game, teaming up with Xbox. We got a bunch of Sega support. We got a little bit of Capcom support. This is good. Xbox is trying to get more and more ingratiated in the Japanese market. This is good stuff for them, so looking good. And again, the showcase, they never linger on a game more than like 60 seconds, so now we're on to the next game. Keeping strong. Overall, so far, you know, we're like halfway through this event. I think we got a pretty good thing going on. Everything's looking really good. So, 
We move on to the next game, which is a game I really thought they would have shown much earlier in the showcase, but they bury it kind of here towards like the later middle half of, of the showcase. And that's uh, Forza Motorsports. So they finally put a concrete date on it. At the beginning of the year, we were all a little head scratchy that they didn't date it. But now we got a concrete date. It's October 10th. Of course, it's a day one Game Pass game. It looks good. It's more Forza. Uh, it's called Forza Motorsport. Uh, and they also confirmed that the deluxe edition of the game, if you buy the deluxe edition, will come with five-day early access to the game. So you can play it on October 5th instead of the 10th, which we see Xbox do that a lot with their first-party games. Well, they do that with usually with like Forza games or Gears 5 or something like that. So they're doing that with this game as well. So you have that option available for you as well. And uh, man, it it looks it looks like Forza. Uh, I don't know. I really love the, the Playground games, Forza uh forza horizon but forza motorsports like i'll dabble in it I'll, I'll download it and play it a little bit but the serious sports racing sim stuff is just it's a little too granular and, and realistic for me i just don't usually have a great time with it but obviously these games do a great job of just showing off how beautiful these consoles can look so if you just want to see how beautiful a game on your xbox series x can look i highly recommend when this game comes out you give it a download and check it out but uh, yeah, they're, they're touting some serious customization back. Hopefully this will be uh, a game that can really go toe-to-toe and surpass you know, what Gran Turismo is doing because obviously Gran Turismo is a really beloved game over on PlayStation and Forza is kind of the, the, the racing series that kind of competes and goes head-to-head with it. So that's Forza Motorsport. Now they did show a couple cars on their quote-unquote virtual stage. So technically my prediction was right there. We got that. And then also, um, what was the other thing I wanted to mention? Oh, yeah. Just want to put this out there because when this game was originally announced a couple years back, they kind of touted it as like the 10 year platform for Forza. This was around the same time we were being told that Halo Infinite is like the next 10 years of Halo. This games as a service Halo game. And I understood this idea a lot that like, yeah, that makes sense. Like Game Pass will be this platform where it can hold platforms within it because why would you make a brand new Forza Motorsport every two years if it's just going to go on games pa- Game Pass anyway? Wouldn't it be more efficient to just build a platform for Forza and then add new content every year into it since it's all going to be accessed through Game Pass anyway? So I don't know if they're sticking with that or if this is just going to end up actually just being the new Forza game and that's it. But I think what they're the reason why they're not being clear about that is because they want to they don't want to put themselves in a corner like they did with Halo. I think they want to see like is the game well received? Is it successful? Does it get a huge player base and a lot of love? If it does, then we'll try to slowly move in that direction of like games as a service platform, like Forza platform. If it comes out and it's like, oh, it's good, but it's just, you know, it's not the best Forza, then it's like, okay, then we'll just do another Forza in two years. So I feel like they're just kind of trying to feel out the waters with this, and that's why they're not really talking about it. But I did want to note that that was originally the vision for this, so just something to note. All right, next up, we uh, round out the boring kind of announcements with, and honestly, I I would say this game, this, this showcase really only had like, two, three, maybe four announcements or games that I would really be like, oh, that's kind of eye-roll boring, which is pretty strong because usually these showcases have at least like half of the stuff is kind of boring. So this is really the last of the boring content, I would say, is these next two trailers. But we get Elder Scrolls Online, the Necrom Shadow over Morrowind update coming June 20th. I won't say any more about that if you care about Elder Scrolls Online. 
go to YouTube and watch the trailer yourself because I don't give a shit to talk about it. But there's your obligatory update on the Elder Scrolls live service game, MMO game. Um, so that that exists. And then they show, this one kind of surprised me. It's boring as hell, don't get me wrong, but it's surprising that, that we got this. A trailer for Overwatch 2. Um, so on August 10th, a bunch of co-op events, story missions, new game modes and all that, and char- new character pack with like five or six new characters, all comes out on August 10th. A little confused for a couple of reasons. First of all, I thought they just can- I thought we just read in the news that they canceled all that shit. So now they're advertising it, so I'm confused by that. The other thing is, I uh I'm kind of surprised to see some Blizzard Activision support in the showcase. I would I don't know, I just kind of assumed that Xbox and Blizzard would basically or Xbox and Activision would just kind of not really like do marketing work or any kind of work together until this acquisition is finalized just to make it, you know, just to not add fuel to the fire, make it look any kind of sort of way that anyone could misconstrue it. So I was a little surprised to see them kind of just outright work with Blizzard, Activision Blizzard on, you know, having one of their games shown in their, in their showcase. But nonetheless, yeah, Overwatch 2, I don't give a single flying fuck about this. Uh, I know most people are pretty disappointed and underwhelmed by what Overwatch 2 is, which is just basically overwatch one with a uh, different lighting but um i i don't know man like i know someone out there must be excited about this content good for you i don't give a flying fuck let's move on with our lives so now we get the third showing of sega the second showing of atlas which is the uh the developer slash publisher owned by sega with the announcement of persona 5 tactical which is a brand new kind of chibi art style uh, Persona tactical game based on the Persona 5 universe. And the game is uh, coming out soon. It's coming out on November 17th this year. And it will be a day one Game Pass title. So again, another Persona game, Xbox. Basically what's happened here is Xbox has kind of gone over to Sega and been like, hey, you know Persona? That's all like associated with PlayStation. Yeah, we want that. What What's it going to take for you to let us be the place where people associate Persona? And they're just kind of going and grabbing this franchise. It really has me curious. When Persona 6 inevitably gets announced, will that be announced on Xbox's stage? Or will that be announced independently? Or will that be announced on PlayStation stage? Because Persona is very heavily like uh, aligned with, with PlayStation. So this is quite a... It's quite interesting to see this continue to be the case where anytime there's Persona announcements to be made, it's done with Xbox. So I'm really curious about that one. And uh, so, yeah, I, I don't really personally care about a Persona 5 tactical game, but it's a brand new game. It's a day one Game Pass title. It comes out soon. We saw lots of gameplay. I'm sure someone out there cares about it. It's a good get for Xbox. It's Japanese support. So a lot of good things that come with it. And again, as is the case with everything in this showcase, it's a minute long and then we're on to the next game. So... Pretty good to just have that variety and that flavor in there in the showcase. Looks pretty good. And then we're on to the next game. Now, the next game is uh, it's the biggest game there is to talk about here, which is Starfield. I'm a little surprised where they just slotted this little minute-long trailer of Starfield in. Just smack dab in the middle of the showcase here. And then, well, let's just talk about it. So they show, they show the trailer. They reaffirm the September 6th release date. It's a really damn good trailer, really tight minute to a minute and a half trailer. And then after the trailer, they're just like, stay tuned at the end of the showcase where we have the Starfield Direct event or whatever. So, I don't know. I think it's kind of weird. I feel like they could have opened with this. I feel like that would have made the most sense. It's like, open with Starfield and be like, stay tuned at the end. We're going to talk about it. And then at the end, do your Direct. But instead, they like put it somewhere towards the end of the middle. But anyway, so 
we'll save the Starfield banter for the end of it because that was the last thing we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the showcase and then the Starfield direct. But yeah, that Starfield uh, trailer, very, very good. This game, I've gone from like, yeah, whatever, Starfield. It's like, yeah, Starfield looks okay. I'm pro- I'll probably give it a go. To like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Starfield. It looks good. To like, I'm pretty, I'm actually kind of hyped for Starfield now. Like, it's, it's a game I'm very much looking forward to. So, uh, this trailer definitely helped add to that, and then the direct after the show looked phenomenal as well. So we'll talk about Starfield in a little bit here, but uh, they had a trailer for Starfield, and we'll dive into all that shortly. But next up, Don't Nod showed up. Don't Nod, the guys behind uh, Tell Me Why and uh, Life is Strange revealed another game. Uh, and they're working on a couple games, and it's something different. Again, they're, they're doing a lot of stuff that's, like, different from what they're known for. So they announced a new game called Vertical... Oh, sorry, called... <laughs> that's my note. They announced a game called Jusant. Jusant? Jusant? J-U-S-A-N-T? Uh, it's a new... It's got, like, that that quintessential little, like, basic, rudimentary, colorful indie art style. And it's a... They could describe it as a rock-climbing puzzle-solving game. It basically is the trailer just shows like this girl. She's like rock climbing, scaling a huge mountain. And I, um, you know, during the stream, I referred to it as vertical death stranding. It just looks like the game is kind of barren and like the whole thing is just rock climbing. But it looks like they're, uh, I don't know. It looks like it's a, it's a new game. I think they're self-publishing it. Um, but it's a new multi-platform game they're working on. It's a puzzle solving rock climbing game. It looks like a kind of secondary project for them. Uh, they're working on that other game that I just forgot the name of. That looks far more interesting than this, but uh, yeah, uh, Jusant, Jusant, a rock climbing puzzle solving game by Dope Nod, the makers of of Life is Strange, and it's a day one Game Pass title, so it'll uh, you know why not? Well, actually, I don't I don't know if it's a day one Game Pass title. Actually, I don't think they put that in there. So yeah, it doesn't it doesn't say Game Pass, so I don't think it's coming to Game Pass. But nonetheless, if you're a Dope Nod fan, here's another game from them. Uh, next up, they showed a game I'm actually kind of interested in. I'm actually, I actually, actually quite interested in, but, uh, it's being, I think, published by Secret Mode and then developed by the Chinese Room, which is the developer that created, they made that PlayStation 4 indie game, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, and they also made that, uh, other beloved walking sim indie game, uh, Dear Esther. Um, so they announced their new game called Still Wakes the Deep. Uh, which is coming out early 2024, and that's a day one Game Pass game. I, I'm definitely going to give this game a go. Multi-platform, it's like an adventure horror game, um, but still kind of in that vein of like a walking sim, quote-unquote. I know a lot of people don't like these games. They think they're like not real games, but I quite enjoy these. They're atmospheric, kind of uh, story-driven, like afternoon, two-hour kind of games, and I, I usually enjoy them quite a bit. So the, uh, the announcement, just to give you kind of more an idea, the announcement says, quote, in terms of story de- details, uh, it's December 1975. After the disaster strikes on the Bira D oil rig off the coast of Scotland, and the players must navigate the collapsing rig to save their crew. The storm isn't the only threat, however. The players also have to face a terrifying, un- unrelenting foe uh, that has managed to board the oil rig. All lines of communication have been severed. The game description reads, all exits are gone. And the remains, all that remains is the face of an unknowable horror that's come aboard. Search for your crew and help them survive if you can. So, yeah, it looks like it's going to be 
It might have some light gameplay mechanics, but it looks like it's mostly just going to be another kind of walking sim type game, which I love these games like Gone Home or Tacoma or Everybody's Gone to the Rapture and stuff like that. So I, I really enjoy these games quite a bit. And this one looks like no exception. It's just like it's going to be another really fun kind of uh, experience to, to go through for two or three hours one weekend afternoon. And so I'll definitely give this a go. Early 2024, day one Game Pass title. Um, yeah, still wakes the deep. So, yeah, I think it looks pretty cool. Again, nice nice little variety, nice little spice of life to add to Game Pass and uh, quite a good get for Xbox, if you ask me, especially because I think they're pretty much... They, they've always been kind of agnostic or PlayStation-affiliated. Now, now they're going to have a kind of Xbox affiliation with this Game Pass deal here, so that's another good get for Xbox. Next up, we saw Dungeons of Hinterberg, another day one Game Pass game. This is developed by Microbird and published by Curve Games. This is that game that has that, like, comic light art style. I saw a lot of people were like, oh, this game looks lame and derivative. Uh, you have that, it's like that girl with the weird, like, kind of iron glowy sword. And I think this game looks kind of cool, actually. It looks kind of like, a, it looks a little bit like a platformer, like a like an action platforming game with a little bit of hack and slash combat. Um, I don't know if exactly that's what it is. There's not a lot of information out about the game, but it looks cool. Um, they didn't really announce when it's coming out, but it is a day one Game Pass game. I'm not really familiar with this publisher or this developer, but just artistically and aesthetically and just from a gameplay perspective, because they should gameplay Senua, they should gameplay. Um, it looks it looks cool. It looks like a fun, fun little game here. So I'll definitely be checking this one out and looking for more information as uh, as time goes on. But yeah, Dungeons of Hinterberg, another uh, little good indie style get for Game Pass. And then next up, speaking of opposite of indie, we got a, a, a deep look from Keanu Reeves uh, at the new Cyberpunk 2077 expansion, Phantom Liberty, which we've known about for a little while now. Now, Keanu Reeves takes the stage and he introduces the the, the expansion. He's like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And Idris Alba's in, in the game and comes out 9-26, September 26th. So the, the expansion comes out in just a couple months. And, uh, yeah, they show, like, an extensive gameplay trailer and cinematic trailer, and it looks good. It looks like more cyberpunk. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, the game takes place in this new area of Night City called Dogtown and looks, you know, you're trying to protect the newly minted president of, uh, of, of whatever, of Night City or America or whatever the fuck the game takes place. And it looks cool. It looks like more cyberpunk. I never, I never really went back and played cyberpunk because I was waiting for them to fix it for so long. And now I need to go back and play it. But so much has happened. So much, so much time has gone by since that. I just, I never got around to it, but it looks good. looks promising cyberpunk, good stuff. And so there's our update on phantom Liberty, which will be out in just a couple months next. Uh, Oh yeah. I forgot about this. This is the only other like eye-wateringly boring game they showed, uh, which is what I call Google map simulator. Uh, City Skylines 2. It's a day one Game Pass game. Comes out October 24th. And it is, yeah, it's, you know, city planning, building game, create your own bridges, environments, roadways, transportation systems. Someone out there gets, has a lot of fun, you know, toying around with these kinds of games. They do nothing for me, and I couldn't possibly care less. I just don't feel like this is the appropriate venue to announce and show off these kinds of games. So to me, that's a miss, but for an otherwise pretty solid showcase. You're allowed to have a couple of misses. It's 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 to be expected, but I won't even bother talking about that game because I just I just truly couldn't possibly care any fucking less. Uh, next up, we get Atlas. So fourth time we're seeing Sega, third and final time we're seeing Atlas. 
we so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a barrage of three Atlas games back to back to back, but rather a sprinkling of Atlas games throughout the entire showcase. And this, in my opinion, is the most compelling and interesting of the three Atlas-based announcements we get where it's a new team under Atlas called Studio Zero. Actually, I don't know if it's a new team, but it's a team under Atlas called Studio Zero. So it's like a developer under a sub-publisher under a publisher. So Sega, Atlas, and Studio Zero, that's the hierarchy. But they announced a brand new game set to come out next year in 2024, Metaphor Re-R-E Fantasio. Fucking Japanese, Octopath Traveler, where are you at? Sorry we were so kind to you because Metaphor Re Fantasio is about to fucking eat your lunch for the dumbest, most Japanese fucking RPG name I've ever heard. But an all-new fantasy RPG from Atlas, the creators of the Persona series, that has a terrible Japanese name and looks kind of interesting and kind of crazy and is not yet announced for PlayStation, which is really, really, really surprising. I've scoured online, cannot find any information about this coming to anything other than Xbox and PC, but... I, I'm certain that this game will come to PlayStation. They just did not announce it for PlayStation. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of crazy because not only is Atlas very closely aligned with PlayStation, but now they're now they're announcing games that aren't even being announced for PlayStation with Xbox. So it's kind of crazy, but I'm sure it will end up being multi-platform. They're just not announcing it quite yet. But yeah, so Metaphor Re Fantasio. Um, it looks like a kind of, you know, it's like fantasy RPG. So more like a Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy or like a Tales of type game. And less like what Persona generally is, which is a little more like modern day Tokyo life sim kind of RPG. So aesthetically, it's a it's a departure from what they're normally known for. But that's what's kind of cool is it's like they don't, they don't do a whole lot of things like this. They usually either make another Shin Megami Tensei game, or they make another Persona game. And Persona started its life out by being a spin-off of Shin Megami Tensei, which is their original RPG series. So the fact that they're now kind of creating a third pillar with this metaphor or whatever series, um, it's kind of it's it's kind of like a big moment for the for for Atlas, a really beloved, celebrated, decorated Japanese uh, publisher slash RPG developer. And it's kind of crazy that they're just announcing and showing off like this next big pillar of their of their um, output through Xbox, a very American, a very non-traditional Japanese kind of uh, platform. So this is a huge like we're talking about Persona Three, Persona Five, uh, Tactical. Like those are some good gets for Xbox. This is a very, 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 very compelling get for Xbox. You know, I don't think again. I think this will probably come to PlayStation. I don't think it's an exclusive, but. If it were to be an exclusive or for it to have like all this attention on Xbox with no marketing or no highlighting on PlayStation, that's a huge deal for a game that's no doubt going to speak loudly to the Japanese market. And then they're going to look into it and see that it's like an Xbox game. So that's kind of crazy. Uh, they didn't announce it for Game Pass. I doubt it will be a Game Pass game. But um, yeah, Atlas developed Metaphor Re-Fantasio. Uh, new fantasy RPG from the creators of of uh, a Persona, and that's just kind of fucking crazy. So definitely something to keep an eye on. I will not be playing this because I really want to play Persona Five, and I haven't even gotten around to that one yet. So I don't know why I would play this. Uh, maybe if I play Persona Five and I absolutely fall head over heels in love with it, then I'll make time for this. But I assume if that happens, I'll probably want to go play Persona Three and Four um, after that instead of instead of this. But yeah, I mean, huge get for Xbox. Really great add of a, a little twist of variety and spice to the showcase. And then next up, 
we get uh, another game, a second party game. This is really interesting. You don't see a whole lot of this. A second party game from Sto- uh, Stoic Studios, which is the guys who create the Banner Saga games, and Xbox Game Studios. So Xbox is paying for and publishing this game, but Stoic Studios, the people making the game, are not owned by Xbox. So that's what second party means. It's going to be an Xbox-exclusive published game made by a team that Xbox does not own, kind of like when they published and uh, Tell Me Why as an exclusive Xbox game, even though they don't own Don't Nod, the developer of the game. So kind of like that. Uh, but Tower Bone, this new game from Stoic Studios, the creators of the Banner Saga games, Saga games, um, it's this new 2D kind of uh, cartoony art co-op adventure game coming out next year. Of course, day one Game Pass title um, it is a second party game beat 'em up style with RPG elements and seasonal updates as well as added content over time. This kind of gives me Castle Crasher vibes, although it really shouldn't. It's not as cartoony and mischievous kind of as Castle Crashers was. Um, and it does have RPG elements, so it's going to be a little more dynamic than just being a simple beat 'em up But it kind of gives me like a modern 2020s rendition of like Xbox getting something like uh, something like Castle Crashers back, even though, again, it's really nothing like that. So I don't know. that I think this game looks fun. It looks like an easy to pick up and play and just kind of have a good time with buddies kind of weekend Game Pass title. And I'm all for it. Again, this is the kind of variety uh, that for Game Pass that like really does it for me, where it's like in between Avowed and Starfield and stuff like that. I can really get like some good fun out of something a little more lighthearted and simple to pick up and put down, like Towerborn. So definitely looking forward to this game. I think it looks really cool. Definitely you should check out the trailer if you haven't seen it already. And uh, I think it will be a really fun get that's kind of right at the alley of a lot of that Xbox hardcore audience. All right, so next up is the last like big game that they show for the events and honestly in my opinion one of the absolute best parts of the entire showcase this is just such a absolute highlight i love this moment so much so let's just get right into it um we get a trailer xbox first party xbox game studio game from a team that xbox purchased a few years back that we have not seen them put out a brand new game from start to finish under the xbox team as an xbox first party team and it is none other than In Exile, developer In Exile, uh, basically Brian Fargo's newer team, the, the the guys that originally created Fallout, so to speak, uh, and they're a newer team, most recently known for like the Wasteland games. Now, we learned about a year ago that they are working on a triple A first person open world RPG style game. So we all kind of immediately our minds go to something like like Fallout or Elder Scrolls or Starfield or Avowed or Outer Worlds, something like that, right? And uh, it is kind of like that. And what they came up with is a new game called Clockwork Revolution. This game looks so fucking cool. Immediately right off the bat. Steampunk kind of futuristic looking Bioshock Infinite meets Fallout meets Dishonored. So goddamn cool. And guess what? Guess what? You're going to love this. They showed gameplay and in-engine cinematics. Yeah, this is the first time we're learning about this game. It's in a pre-alpha state, and they're already showing gameplay. Take that, Senua. Shove it up your fucking saga, okay? Because in Exile, it's giving it to us. They're showing us Clockwork Revolution. This game looks fucking awesome. So let me read on a little more about it. It, it, Like, it's crazy. In the trailer, like, they get, like, these fucking crazy steampunk guns, and they're shooting, like, these future time cop robot things, and then they have, like, this, like, grenade thing that they can throw and then, like, can undo and reverse time on objects that it interacts with. Uh, But anyway, the way they describe it on the Xbox Wire post is that 
It's Victorian-era city of Avalon, where the game takes place, where key moments of its history have been secretly altered to bring wealth and power to the elite class. Clockwork Revolution um, pushes pl- role-playing reactivity to, in- to new heights, where changes you make in the past can butterfly out to extraordinary and sometimes unexpected outcomes. So yeah, this game looks just so fucking cool. Again, it's like, imagine that open-world FPS kind of... Uh, RPG style game that we're so accustomed to on the Xbox platform uh, from studios like Bethesda or Obsidian or whatever. And now we take it up a, a notch with this like crazy, like time altering butterfly effect uh, kind of concept that they've introduced here in this beautiful Victorian cyber or Victorian kind of um, it's like Victorian era meets like Jules Verne steampunk ridiculous just futuristic setting honestly you look at some of the robots in this game and it even gives you a little bit of like a wolfenstein kind of vibe it's just so many really cool inspirations all at work here playing inter interplaying with one another and it's just it creates an environment that i think just looks so cool the, the setting and the tone of this game looks so fucking badass and i i want to see more i want to play this game i'm very 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 excited for this and exile is one of those teams where they don't have a long history of creating games that are up my alley but I have a lot of confidence and faith that they could be a team that does something really special and incredible. And so I'm really excited to see that, you know, their first game with a proper triple a Xbox owned teams kind of budget and resources. They're showing something that is exactly what I hoped it would be, which is right up my alley. Something that just looks really cool, really big budget, really next gen, really first party. And Ooh, this game just looks so good. Uh, so clockwork revolution, super, super excited to, see more of this game, learn when it's coming out, and play it. My guess is they're probably going to shoot for like a 2025 release date on this. Um, they're saying it's in a pre-alpha state right now, but that uh, that trailer and gameplay they were able to show looks quite impressive and far along, although you know vertical slices, I suppose, can be deceiving. But if this is something that they could get out, you know, like they can get out, I don't know, maybe this can be, yeah, like their 2025. Because you assume Xbox probably wants to get a big western rpg out every year or like close to it if possible right you know if you could get like in 2023 you get starfield in 2024 you get avowed in 2025 you get clockwork revolution if you could keep a you know or 2025 you get fable and then 2026 you get clockwork revolution something like that if you can keep that cadence going i think you got something really special on your hands that's I, i think what xbox should be striving for because they own you know, playground working on Fable and in Exile and Obsidian and Bethesda and all these different teams that are so well equipped to work on these kinds of games. Um, I just I think if they can keep this going, it's like they could really have something special with the genre. You know, Sony so Sony and Nintendo are so historically good at having the Japanese role playing games. If if Xbox could really just become the go to home of the open world western rpg kind of uh, style game which i think they already kind of are but they can really carve in a name for themselves as this i think this would be a really good niche for them to fit into you know i don't know like uh starfield the next year you get avowed the next year you get fable the next year you get clockwork revolution the next year you get um uh outer worlds 2 and then the year after that you get elder scrolls 6 like you see what i'm saying it's like you just you could really keep this going in perpetuity and it'd just be like a really great pipeline of like you know it's like in the xbox 360 years everyone was like oh man xbox they're just shooters 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 call of duty call of duty shooters halo years of war it's like yeah they were but it's like they kind of did that for so long that they kind of like eventually owned it and now we love them for that so i think it's kind of 
it's kind of cool if Xbox plays their cards right and gets this production pipeline in order. They could, they really could do that. Where it's like every year, it's like we got Call of Duty, we got Halo, we got Gears, so we got this constant cycle of like the best first-person shooters or third-person sh- like shooting games, right? Shooters, and then on the other end of the spectrum, it's like we're we're also the home of like the best Western open-world RPGs. So it's like every year, it's like uh, Halo and Clockwork Revolution. Then we got Gears of War and Avowed, and then you got fucking. Um, you know, a really great Call of Duty that's not made by Sledgehammer Games, so it's really awesome because it has zombies and it's made by Trey, uh, Treyarch, and you pair that with, like, Elder Scrolls Six or something like that. If you can, like, have this kind of cadence, it's like, dude, Xbox's first party is unstoppable at that point. It's just such good shit. Um, I don't know. Man, some people might be rolling their eyes a little bit at me fantasizing that way, but to me, that's, like, the ideal first party lineup. So, uh, you know, all you got to do on top of that is buy, buy Sega and then get some fucking Sonic games cranking out and maybe get someone over at Activision working on a Guitar Hero game or two. And then I'm set for life, man. Just give me some fucking Halo, Call of Duty, Gears of War, Sonic the Hedgehog, Guitar Hero, Tony Hawk, uh, and then a couple Western RPGs. We're in business, man. Keep your Japanese bullshit to yourself, man. I don't need a... I don't need to see your freaking Yakuza penis or whatever the hell they were showing earlier today. I'm kidding, of course. I love Yakuza, and I uh, do absolutely want more Japanese support. But, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited about Clockwork Revolution. I think it looks just super cool. I'm, I'm instantly like, ah. And that's I think that's the thing this, this showcase did really well. It's like, we saw Starfield. We saw Fable. We saw what Compulsion's working on. So now we finally know about South of Midnight because of that. You know, we got we got Avowed, finally. We got more look at Avowed. We got fucking uh, uh, Clockwork Revolution. It's like, oh man, this this is what we've been asking for. It's the first party lineup. We want to know what the Xbox teams are working on. I get it. You got you got the fucking cinematic teasers and you got the the little indie games on Game Pass and all that's well and good, but like, show us the meat and potatoes. And I feel like this showcase is the first time in a while we've really seen meat and potatoes and I'm, it just, I'm, I'm hyped on it. I'm really, really quite pleased with, what, uh, with most of what we saw here. It wasn't perfect, but it was really good. So after that, we kind of get to the the uh, outro of the event, if you want to call it that. So for the first time and only time, we see Phil Spencer. And this is this is another, like, absolutely fuck you middle finger moment. Uh, Phil Spencer, we all know Phil Spencer likes to tease stuff, right? He likes to wear the shirts, the T-shirts that tease something. Or he likes to put things on his shelf or whatever. And then he lets people go crazy trying to figure out what the fuck that was all about. But uh, this, you know, Series S on the shelf in his back office... Or or Battle Toads T-shirt at multiple E3s, that's cute. I know people care about these things. That's all well and good. None of these teases have ever gotten me the way this one did. This one actually has me infuriated. It has me like I'm actually kind of like livid. I feel absolutely blue balled by the way they did this. But Phil Spencer comes out to talk for the first time and only time of the showcase, and the motherfucker is wearing a Hexen T-shirt. So for those who don't know, Hexen is a First-person magic shooter type game that was released for the Nintendo 64 back in the 90s. It was developed by Raven Software and published by id. Uh, It's very much inspired by games like Wolfenstein and Doom. And in that kind of art style and aesthetic and feel for a first-person shooter, very much like that kind of layout. But the things that made it interesting was it was like a magic shooter, so kind of like that... um, Kind of like that game that's about to come out, um, a uh, what's it called, Immortals of Avium or whatever. It's kind of like that where it's like first person shooter, but like your your magic powers and shit are your guns, kind of kind of deal. Um, so it was like that before we saw that ever. Uh, in addition to 
you know, the kind of like find the key, open the door, Diablo, or not Diablo, but Doom and Wolfenstein style first person shooter. It's very much like that shit. And it was, uh, this is a game I just have a deep love and affinity for. Me and my brothers used to play this shit all the time on the Nintendo 64 back growing up. And, uh, Finally, finally, we found the game, right? I, I'm always shitting on the Nintendo 64. And, like, everyone always claims, like, oh, I grew up playing, love uh, fucking GoldenEye and, and Mario Kart and Smash Brothers. It's like, I finally found, now I'm that guy. He was like, oh, I remember growing up in the 90s on the N64 with my brothers playing Hexen. But it's true. We, we played the fuck out of Hexen. We loved that game. We sucked at it. We could never get very far in it. But I, I, mm, I fucking love that game. The aesthetic, the art, it's so supreme. It's such an amazing game. And, um, been waiting and waiting for Hexen to come back, and this is just such an absolute, like, this feels like Phil Spencer walked up to me, just took his fist, and just fucking socked me in the nuts real hard, and then was like, see you in a year, kid, and then walked away and flicked a cigarette out into the distance or something, like a half-lit cigarette or some shit, like, this motherfucker, he got me, he got me so good, because he's wearing the Hexen shirt, and I'm going to myself, holy crap, they're about to, they're about to announce a brand new Hexen game. Oh my God! Id Software is working on Hexen. I'm I'm not ready for this. I'm so excited! Holy shit! I'm like I'm like flipping out. I'm I'm really like going for it, and come to find out, this motherfucker, this motherfucker, CEO of He Him Gaming, Phil Spencer, motherfucker doesn't say shit about Hexen. He talks about a bunch of other stuff, which we'll get into in a second, and then the showcase ends. And I am left with the bluest balls. So th- this side of the Mississippi, east of the Mississippi, it's just it's it's so it's so bad. It's not even funny, you guys. Um, and and it's like the worst part is it's like the implications of 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 what you know what all that can mean because it's like okay, well, originally Hexen was made by Raven Software. Raven Software is owned by Activision now. They work on Call. Of, wait a minute, Xbox is trying to buy Activision. Are they going to get Raven to? No, that doesn't make sense. Like that's they're not they're not thinking that far ahead. They're just trying to get the deal to go through. They're trying to go through the legal channels to make that deal happen. So, no, Raven can't be involved in this. But it's like, well, is id Software working on it? Because well, id Software didn't make the game. They just published it back in the '90s. But it could, but they, but we know they're not working on another Doom game. Well, the rumors they're working on Quake. Could they be working on Hexen? I don't know. You know, so it's like, uh, I, ugh, it's it's. My mind's like spinning with all the possibilities. And the thing is, it's like if they do acquire Activision and it does go through, it's like, could they get Raven Software to work on a Hexa game? It's, I don't think they would, but it's probably just id Software. But oh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm losing it just thinking about just the idea, the possibility of this, of this game returning. And I'm just, I want it. I want to go uh, back to hell and, and fight these, these demons with magic powers. And I want it to be beautiful and. I want I want Id to do with what they did with Doom 2016 in paying homage to classic Doom and modernizing and bringing it into the modern era. I want to see them do that with Hexen, and I really think it'd be oh, it'd just be so fucking cool. So Phil Spencer's over here playing with everyone's emotions, blue balling the fuck out of the Xbox community, and unfortunately we didn't see this because he does end the show going, and now uh, he goes he goes uh, here's that one last thing moment I know you're all expecting. And so I'm like, oh my god, this is it. He's about to reveal a brand new Hexen game. And then it goes straight into the Starfield Direct. I'm like, motherfucking fuck you, Starfield. Burn this game to the ground. Fuck you, Todd Howard, like, uh, immediately. And, like, I'm not mad at Starfield. I'm just taking my anger out on the wrong innocent bystander. But it's just, ah, it's such a fucking moment, man. 
So I'll try to calm down and back off on that. I'm just, I'm really, st- I'm still not over that quite, quite yet. But um, anyway, so he's there with his Hexen t-shirt. And before he does all that, he uh, he just takes the stage and, and goes, it does the thing I, I always say they're going to do. He talks about putting players at the center of the universe and all that shit with Game Pass. But he says, uh, like, hey, we're making two promises to our gamers uh, effective immediately. He's like, we've heard that, you know, people are having a hard time getting Xbox Series X. So Xbox has significantly increased the supply of Series X consoles that have been shipped out to retailers. So the box should be a lot easier to find going forward, which I didn't know that was a problem. I see Xbox Series X on the shelf all the time. I didn't know people were having an issue getting that thing anymore, but I, I guess they are. Although, I do see Series S on the shelf a lot more than Series X, so that's fair, I guess. Uh, the other thing he said is um, a lot of people wish that the Series S, the smaller $300 box, had more storage than just the 512 gigabytes of SSD storage. So he said, check this out. And they announced a brand new Xbox Series S, and it has a one terabyte SSD instead of a 512 gigabyte hard drive, which now brings it up to parity in terms of storage with the Xbox Series X. So now the only difference between these new consoles is the power difference and the disk drive inclusion. But as far as storage is concerned, both the Series S and the Series X now have the same storage. However, it is important to know that this is not replacing the pre-existing Series S. It is just now another option. So let's be clear about this. They To differentiate what they've done here is they've made the Series S now in black and it looks fucking sick although i think i prefer it in white just because it stands out more with that black vent in the middle that kind of pops outward so anyway so now when you go to buy xbox you're gonna have three options going forward where there's the series x which is just black terabyte and then there's the series s and there's two versions of the series s there's the white one with 500 gigs for 300 dollars, or these the there's the black one with a terabyte for $349. So it's 50 bucks more, gets you the new black Xbox Series S with more storage, and the white version stays at the $299 price tag that it's been at, but has half the amount of storage. So that's that's awesome, I think. It, it adds more variety. And, it, and I think this is important because a lot of people look at Xbox as like an entry-level console or a secondary console, but they, they still need that storage. So it, it, it's cheaper for people to just buy a black Series S with a terabyte than it is for them to buy a white Series S with the 500 gigabytes and then buy expandable storage because that expandable storage is so expensive. So this is actually uh, offering quite a, a big benefit to uh, to players actually by, by doing this. So yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and I, I give myself kind of half credit because I did say one of my predictions was that they would announce new hardware but thinking it would be like a Series X version X, like a mid-generation upgrade. But... Instead, it's just a new SKU for the Series S with no real power difference, just uh, more storage and a different color. So that was pretty cool. I thought, I was, you know, it's cool to have some kind of hardware announcement. And so that's a fun little way to end it off. Um, but yeah, then Phil Spencer goes, and here's that one more thing moment you've all been waiting for. The problem with this, Phil Spencer, is that you guys have been marketing the showcase forever as the Xbox Games Showcase with the Starfield Direct afterwards. That takes place immediately afterwards. So don't try to say, and here's that one more thing moment, and then show us something that we've already been expecting, because one more moment, that one more thing is something you say when you're trying to show someone a new surprise, something that they weren't expecting or anticipating. So one more thing would be like the gameplay reveal for Indiana Jones, or 
I don't know, a Hexen game made by id Software. That would be a one more thing moment. But just going into the Starfield Direct that everyone's already anticipating and expecting, that's not a one more thing. That's just, and here's the thing that rounds out the show as we fucking promised already. So, Phil Spencer, I got beef with you on the way you handled that because you blue-balled me. You blue-balled me hard, and now my balls are blue. However... The showcase overall I thought was pretty good, and then we move into the Starfield Direct. So before we go into that Starfield Direct and talk about Starfield, I just want to kind of put a wrap on the the showcase overall. I still want to just say, I think this was a pretty good showing. I think overall, you know, everyone likes to grade these, so let's play into it. I'll grade it. Um, I would say it's like a B or a B plus. On a good day, I'd say it's a B plus, maybe a B. I don't think it's an A showing. I don't think it's by any means a bad showing. I saw, you know, I saw a lot of people. It seems like most people are giving it like A, A plus kind of really loved it uh, ratings. And some people are saying it's like a absolute dog trash, two out of 10, irredeemable. But, you know, some people are just insufferable. So whatever. I, I would say it was a pretty damn good showing. It was B, B plus. Um, there are some really great games I'm super hyped about. I thought the presentation style and the pacing and the cadence they did absolutely killed it, knocked it out of the park. This is exactly how Xbox needs to be doing their showcases going forward. Again, just like the one they did earlier this year, that developer direct, I just think Xbox has really found a really good way to do these different styles of events. And if they can keep this going, they've got a formula that's a real winner that will just, I think, delight fans and keep people happy with just keep people engaged and hooked throughout the whole presentation, which is really something you obviously want to do. So I think they nailed those things. I'm super happy to see Avowed. Can't wait for that game. Uh, Clockwork Revolution, so hyped for that game. Um, glad we got some more looks and dates on things like like uh, um, like Hellblade 2. Um, glad we saw and got updates on games like Fable and then got proper reveals for games like South of Midnight. But at the end of the day, I, I just got to be honest. I feel like to not have a date and proper gameplay on a game like Fable is a huge negative mark. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, even though I'm really glad we got those updates on a lot of really great first-party games and we got some really new cool announcements with things like Clockwork Revolution or, or Towerborn or something like that, it doesn't erase the fact that still... State of the K3 was announced like three or four years ago. Nowhere to be seen. Perfect Dark. The the, co- the initiative was formed in 2018. And that game was an- was revealed or shown like a couple years ago. Still, nothing. No gameplay, nothing. No Perfect Dark. Perfect Dark was probably the game I was most anticipating finally seeing in action. Nothing. No Everwild. No Indiana Jones. No Contraband, whatever the fuck that is. No update on this long-rumored Gears collection, Gears of War collection, or anything that the Coalition's working on whatsoever. No Halo, nothing. No, like, Season 4 update or, like, hey, we fucked up. Here's our intentions with Halo or, like, we owe you an apology. Nothing. Just absolutely nothing. And I still think that's inexcusable. I can deal with some of it, right? You're not always going to get 100% if you want. Uh, you know, if, if, if Halo and, and Gears weren't there, I can live with that because you can make arguments for those. But... What's the excuse for State of Decay 3? I think State of Decay not being there is inexcusable. Um, Everwild, we know that there's been some kind of internal reboot of it, so I kind of get that one. Indiana Jones, we know it's a long ways off and that they kind of announced it just as like a tonal thing and to show off that they have the game or that they have the IP. But still, it's just like, why would you announce all... The ones that I really cannot excuse, I, I guess is what I'm saying, is State of Decay, Perfect Dark, and Contraband. If Indiana Jones, Everwild, Gears of War, and Halo weren't there... 
but all those other things were there, I'd be like, you know, it's a little disappointing, but it is what it is. It was still an A-plus showing. They did a great job. That's where I'd be at. But at this point, I think it's inexcusable that there's no word on State of K3. There's no word on Perfect Dark. The initiative has absolutely nothing to show for their entire existence as a team. There's no update on Contraband, which is this game that you just vaguely announced and then never showed in any way. And you still got some of these games that I'm like, these are in that that territory of vaporware at this point. It's like, what are you what are you doing? Why are you announcing these games and then never talking about them? And you know, the good news is Fable is a little less in that cat than that range for me. South of Midnight, not so much in that range for me now. Now we know it's a real game and things are happening. Okay, I feel good about it. Um, Avowed, absolutely not in that range for me because I think they're doing a great job with Avowed. Uh, Hellblade 2, I don't agree with the gameplay they chose to show. Uh, I do think that game is clearly legitimate. It comes out next year. It's got a date now. We saw a little more gameplay. We saw another look at it. They're not. It's not conspicuously absent all of a sudden, you know? You know, we got Forza is finally coming out this year. Starfield's a few weeks away, so we got some good stuff. It's not like it's not like I'm I'm going hungry here with no first party support. It's just it's just astonishing to me that they at some point they were willing to reveal all these games, and they just can't talk about them for years and years. Clearly, they were prematurely announced. Clearly, there's management issues happening internally at Xbox, and um, it sucks. It just it just really sucks to know about all these games that we don't know what's going on. But it can't be good. If it's been this long with no update, it can't be good. So because of that, it's because of what wasn't there and because of the way they handled Fable. But really, just because of those two reasons, I just have a hard time saying this is like an A or an A-plus showing. But in terms of just being like a really great paced and run showcase with really great games to see, something that's going to offer something for everyone. You know, if you're an Xbox fan, I think you should absolutely be satiated with this showcase. If you are not an Xbox fan... Uh, I think this showcase does a good job giving you reasons to envy or want to be involved with that ecosystem to some extent. So I think they did a really good job on those most important fronts of pleasing their core audience while also attracting new new players. And so for that, I say, yeah, it's like a B plus. They did a pretty great job. It's, it's a good showing. I just I just don't know where the fuck we are with these games that you've announced years in the past and just cannot talk about. So a little bit of this, a little bit of that. All in all, I say... The event was better than the last couple of years they've done. Um, I, I think it instills a lot of confidence and promise and hope for the Xbox brand going forward, especially the next 12 months. And it just honestly, following everything that happened with Redfall and that kind of funny interview with Phil Spencer and 2022 just being such an abysmal year for the brand, I feel like this this direct kind of is a shot in the arm that Xbox has needed. And quite frankly, it it, it just makes me a little more optimistic. And just I think it's going to instill some positivity among the community, which I think is it's great. It's great for Xbox. It's great for the players. It's just going to, you know, hopefully garner a little less toxicity. Although that part is probably, a, you know, there's no, there's no chance um, these people are going to go on Twitter and just be absolute heathens no matter what. So anyway. Overall, pretty great showing. Uh, I'm really pleased with that. Curious to know what your guys' thoughts are, so please write in. Let me know what you thought about the showcase, what you liked and didn't like, what you agree and don't agree with. I, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts and opinions, so no doubt about that. But before we can move on and talk about um, the Summer Games Fest, we, we, what we got to do is talk about the Starfield drive because we basically put Starfield off until the end here. So let's talk about Starfield, the big game coming from Xbox all right, right off the bat, they go into the Starfield Direct at the end of the showcase. 
I thought it was going to be like 20 minutes. I really didn't think it was going to be that long. It was like 45 fucking minutes. I'm watching this thing on stream, waiting, waiting, waiting to hear about this frame rate thing because Phil Spencer told kind of funny a few weeks ago, you will find out about the frame rate situation on Starfield when you guys have your direct in June. He, he said that they would do it. So I'm just waiting with bated breath to figure out about this, this frame rate situation. And they're just going on and on and on about character customization and ship customization and sandwich hoarding and all these different features of the game and all this shit. I'm like, but the more I'm watching it, the more I, I gotta be honest. And, and I'm going back after the event, after the stream, and I'm and I'm rewatching footage and stuff. Starfield looks really, really good. Let's let's take the frame rate situation and put it to the side for a second. We'll get back to that. Star, and I'm not trying to make excuses or apologies for anyone because God knows Xbox doesn't deserve them. But Starfield on its own looks like such a really, really great game. I, I gotta say. We're about less than three months now away from its release, and the combat looks phenomenal. It looks like Bethesda's take on Destiny, which is just crazy, fucking sliding and hovering and just fucking tossing grenades and awesome guns and shooting and sci-fi and crazy stuff. It looks like Destiny, and I'm totally there for it. Bethesda does not have a good history of great first-person shooting. They've gotten better and better with it over the years with newer and newer Fallout games, but they do not have a great history of, of good shooting with their Bethesda Game Studios games. But it looks like they definitely worked long and hard and got the right people on the project to really make sure that that wasn't the case for Starfield, that they finally got shooting really down in, in, in a good place because, again, haven't played it yet, but the shooting looks good. The combat looks really good in this game, and I'm very hyped about that. Um, I think... Adding genuinely great combat to a Bethesda Game Studios game is like the differentiating factor that could make these games go from really immersive, fun games with poor but forgivable combat to being just all-around excellent games. So, man, oh man, I'm really excited just based on that, first of all, because that's always been the weak point for me with Fallout and, and Elder Scrolls. And Starfield looks like it does not suffer from weak combat. It looks like it has some truly great combat, especially especially compared to Fallout, which is always the weakest because the the hack and slash stuff and the spell casting in, in, in Elder Scrolls games, it works with the kind of janky controls. It's not it's not bad at all. But um man, with Fallout games, it's traditionally it's just not very good. So very, very pleased to see that Starfield looks to I mean, we're a couple months away from finding out for sure, but from here it looks like it controls very, very well. So that's really great. Now, that set aside, I, I got to also gush about the art styles of this game. When the first time we saw Starfield, the first couple times they talked about it, it seemed like it was going for this kind of like, um, like this retro future, like this mid-century kind of like vision of the future, like this 1960s, 70s idea of the future, which I was like, that's cool, but it's not really my aesthetic. I prefer more like slick, sleek sci-fi. And come to find out, the more we see this game, it's like, depending on what planet you travel to, what town you, settlement you travel to, who you interact with, you get so many cool interpretations of this space sci-fi aesthetic. You can get, you can get that slick, sexy, chromey future, but you can also get that like cool retro future we've seen in earlier trailers. And you can see like really densely packed, awesome, like urban future cities kind of like cyberpunk but you can also see like really barren wasteland type outposts and stuff um so I, I don't know like just looking through all the different settings and places and locales are showing in these in these in this uh direct and in these trailers it's like i'm seeing like a little bit of cyberpunk a little bit of of like this uh a little bit of like a fallout a little bit of just like everything with this sci-fi approach and it's just it looks really cool i'm like really digging the the spectrum 
of character models and outfits and weaponry and locations and just how how diverse the settings look. It's it's really really cool. Um, they went into a lot about resource management, resource collecting, uh, base building, things like that. To that, I gotta say, man, don't love it. I don't love that shit at all. Now, Fallout 4 does a really good job of being like, hey, here's base building. Um, here's how it's done. And if you never want to do it ever, bye. You don't have to. Don't worry about it. If if Starfield has that approach where it's like, here's resource mining. Here is base building. Here's the basics of it. Now, if you don't want to do this, you never have to. And you can enjoy the game fully without it. I'll be good. I'll be good for life. I'm good. I love Starfield. But if the game forces me to engage with these mechanics to progress in the main campaign and things like that, we're going to have a fucking problem because I do not care, care about this stuff at all. I tried to go back to No Man's Sky and play games like this, and I cannot do it because the game absolutely makes you mine for fucking lead and uranium and new plutonium and whatever the fuck it is I'm trying to say, and it sucks. It fucking sucks. The game is not fun. And if Starfield lets me play it in a nerdy way like that that's great but if it also lets me completely avoid that stuff and just boom boom shoot people in the face and run around and space dog fight people with my spaceship then we're in a really good position because that's the game i want in fact starfield feels kind of like it has the potential to be the game that we thought destiny was going to be back in 2014 where it's like really great first person shooting in a sci-fi game and then hop in your ship Fly anywhere in the galaxy, go to a new planet you never explored before, blast some ships out of the sky on your way to this new planet, land on the planet, like stick your flag in the ground so you can fast travel there again if you want to, and then explore and raid and do shit in this new planet, and then go find the next place and do it there if you want. I feel like No Man's Sky never quite became that, and Destiny never quite became that, but Starfield kind of has the potential to be that, and I'm just kind of like... You know, fingers crossed. Don't get your hopes up. We've been here before. Let's not be irrational about it. But it, this game just looks like it really could be that ultimate space sci-fi open world game that we all have always longed for, but we just never quite get. We get some different version of it, but we never, you know, Mass Effect is really more of a narrative-based game. It's a, it's a little linear for what it is, to my understanding. I don't have too much experience with Mass Effect, but that's not, not to its detriment. It's just it, it is more of a narrative-driven game. And then No Man's Sky is more of a directionless kind of uninspired game in terms of like what you're supposed to do. I know I know that has story content. And I know they've changed the game drastically over the years, but like there's nothing that you know it's the opposite of Mass Effect. There's nothing that really compels you forward through a specific gripping narrative. And then Destiny is a little bit of this like it has the aesthetic down pat and the the combat down pat but like you don't really get to explore space because you're constantly like autopiloting to these various planets where you don't actually get to fly the ship and then you're always traveling between the same locations on endless repeat which don't get me wrong destiny's fun as shit but it's just it's just not that game where you hop in your ship and go anywhere you want that's really not what it is so Starfield touting to be all that with a thousand planets to explore some more dense and packed than others and some more barren and whatever I don't know, man. It's like, I kind of like it. I like the idea of it's like, we have a thousand planets. Um, About a hundred or 200 of them have varying degrees of like intentional level design built into them. And then like six, seven, 800 of them are just basically barren rocks with like things to collect and fight and whatever. And in, in, I guess kind of raid for, if you want. 
Um, but otherwise, you know, that way you have this perfect balance of like there are dense, rich worlds to explore, and then there's like barren nothingness to explore. And that's 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 outer space in a nutshell, right? That can like work to the game's advantage. Sometimes when you're a fucking you're Star Command out there going on a mission like Buzz Lightyear, sometimes you find uh sometimes you find the the, the planet full of all the the pretty naked boys and girls, and sometimes you find the planet full of uh of 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 sand. Like like Anakin Skywalker, it's all sand. So I don't know. I I, I quite like this idea of just like oh man, there's so many planets to explore, and you never gonna know if you're gonna find a dud or this planet that's like rich with content to explore and like where you could spend hours and hours and hours just taking new missions, meeting new players, building new bases, my, stealing new objects, and just like playing out a whole other game on this planet. And then you fly to another planet. It's like this planet's a dud. Okay, let's go away from that. Okay, oh this planet's awesome. Let's stay here for a while and do shit. I, I like that concept a lot. And then all the while, while you're traveling via your spaceship, you got awesome dogfighting combat as well, which is oh, so good, man, dude. Excellent first-person shooting mixed with great spaceship combat. Oh, man, that's that is such an attractive combination, man. I always wanted Destiny to have that. That's what I loved about that Call of Duty Infinite Warfare I played a couple weeks ago. Um, that's what was great about Star Wars Battlefront 2, even though Star Wars Battlefront 2 kind of sucked. It's campaign, that is, not the game, but the campaign. Where it's like, oh man, you're like on on foot fighting a first person shooter, and then you're in space dog fighting, and uh, it's just too bad the story absolutely blows ass. But other than that, I love that shit, and I want more of it, and I want more games to do it. And so, Starfield to me looks very very good. Uh, they announced, they confirmed the headset and the controller, which keep leaking. Um, they look very pretty. Uh, no pricing information on those yet. They announced the $300 collector's version of the game, which comes with a watch that is exactly like the watch your character wears. And it has like the HUD screen that like you have in the game, which is really cool. Um, but the watch isn't useless. It's like a smart watch. It can connect to your iPhone or Android device and basically be a smart watch for you. So it's pretty cool. For $300, you get the game. You get five days early access. So you get to play the game on September 1st and sept- September 6th. And then you get the cool watch that's like also a smart watch. It's kind of like when they did the Pet Boy um, with the Fallout 4 Collector's Edition. But this one's a little more practical because you could actually wear this watch and not look like a fucking doofus. So I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. Even though I'm definitely not going to spend $300 on this. Um, it is tempting. It is it is an accessory that I, I, I think looks cool and I could see why people would want it. But yeah, man, I just I'm all in on Starfield. I think the game looks great. I, I'm really hyped that we're less than three months out from playing it. I think Xbox is on the verge of having an absolute phenomenal first-party exclusive game on their hands, something they haven't had and so desperately needed for so long. And don't get me wrong, I still love Halo Infinite. I think Halo Infinite was a great base game. They just dropped the ball on the fucking thing so hard the second it came out that let's just not talk about Halo Infinite. Um, before that, I don't think they've had a game this this you know this big a deal since Gears 5, and Starfield is definitely, definitely bigger than Gears 5 in terms of like the interest and the hype drummed up around it and the potential for it to be big and impactful. So Starfield, there's a lot riding on you, but I got to say, after seeing a lot of gameplay from you today, I feel very confident that you could absolutely deliver. You could be a great alternative. PlayStation's over here. They got a great fall lineup with, with Spider-Man because Spider-Man looks so good. But even though Starfield's nothing like Spider-Man, they're not really comparable, I think if you're over on Xbox and you don't have a PS5 and you're not going to play Spider-Man like me and you're a little sad about it because you really wish you were playing Spider-Man, I think you're going to be really well taken care of by Starfield because the game looks like it's just going to be a really, really, really fun time sink for a couple hundred hours if you want it to be. So that is Starfield. The The big thing here that you know now we got to address is that everyone was waiting to hear about the frame rate. 
Phil Spencer said at this showcase we would learn about whether or not Starfield would run at 60 FPS on Xbox Series X or not. He said we would, and hey, Phil Spencer lied to us. He, I'm not even trying to be mean or like gotcha moment or anything, but Phil Spencer literally lied to us. He said that we would get that information, um, and we most definitely did not get that information at this event, not even a little bit, because... I waited during the trailer, during the main showcase. They didn't show it. Then I watched the entire Starfield Direct. They still didn't say it. And then I went to the Xbox Wire blog and looked up blog posts about it. They didn't say it in there. I looked at Xbox's Twitter. I looked at Bethesda's Twitter. They didn't say it. And then you look up online. Everyone's asking, what the fuck? They didn't address the question. And someone said in the stream, and they were absolutely right. If if they didn't say it during any of these streams or showcases or in any of these... Uh, any of these blog posts, then that could only mean one thing. The game absolutely runs at 30 FPS on Xbox S and X, no doubt. Probably runs at 60 FPS on PC, but that is it. So here, he, here's the thing. Starfield is not Call of Duty. It's not Halo. It's not a twitchy first-person shooter where that extra 30 frames is going to make or break the way the combat feels and if the game is playable or not. Starfield, at the end of the day, is a Bethesda RPG. It's going to be, most of the time when you're playing it, it's going to be slow and methodical. You're going to be walking, exploring, interacting with objects, picking things up, reading things, talking to characters, sorting through menus. Obviously, there will be times where you're doing dogfighting space combat or where you're pulling out a gun and shooting at aliens and stuff like that. So no doubt, 60 FPS would be preferred and beneficial to the game, but... This is not a game that absolutely lives and dies by its frame rate the way that something like Doom Eternal or Call of Duty are. If this game doesn't have 60 FPS on console, it's not going to make it unplayable. It's just going to be a little bit of a disappointment, but the game's still going to be great. And this is something I just got to be... It's not that I'm trying to like protect Xbox or... Or bend them, or like defend them because I'm a fanboy or something. The reason I just want to make this a point is because I'm a little embarrassed personally with the kind of like uh, hand wringing I did with with Redfall over that game and its 30 FPS at launch thing. Because the truth of the matter is, I played Redfall on PC and on Xbox, and yes, 60 FPS on PC was a little bit nicer. But when I switched over to PS or PS5, when I switched over to my Xbox Series X to play hours four through the completion you know I, I play like the first four hours on pc and the remaining 15 16 hours on my xbox and when i moved to my xbox at first i was like yeah the frame rate's not as good and i do notice it but after a little while i got over it i forgot about it and i didn't give a shit because redfall is another one of those games where yes it's a first person shooter but it's a little slower it's a little less twitchy and uh the game was just fine at 30 fps and so I finished that game up kind of being like, yes, it should be 60 FPS on the world's most powerful console, no doubt. And yes, I would have preferred for it to have been 60 FPS, and I would have enjoyed that a little more. But I was still able to have a really great, complete experience with Redfall, with or without the 60 FPS. It did not make or break my experience, you know? And so I just want to say that about Starfield. I think Starfield's one of those games where it will be a great game at 30 FPS. Would it be better at 60? Sure. But it will not be a bad game. It will not go from being a great game to suddenly being a bad game because it's 30 and not 60 FPS. If the new Call of Duty came out this fall and it was 30 FPS, we'd have a fucking problem. 
You would not be able to enjoy it. it would do your time to kill, not time to kill. Your fucking like ability to aim and shoot and react to all the fast paced combat in a Call of Duty game would be obliterated by having your frame rate chopped in half. But when you play a game like Starfield or Redfall, where it's like, oh, there's an enemy off in the distance. Let me, you know, run up to them and catch them off guard or interact with these two enemies in this area. It's a little bit of a different situation, especially when the whole game as on the whole is just a little, it's a little more slowed down. It's a little more methodical. It's a little more calculated than a game like Call of Duty, which Call of Duty is like fucking subway surfers on iPhone, where it's just like, it's like a fucking spaz freaking out. You know, it's like, ah, shoot, 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 triple kill. You know, it's, it's not that kind of game. So Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog is a game that needs to be 60 FPS, but not, not necessarily Starfield. So I'm not excusing it. I still think the most powerful console in the world playing the most next-gen first-party title should absolutely be 60 FPS. I still believe that, and I still think they should really work hard to make 60 FPS happen on Xbox. But if it doesn't happen and it looks like it's not going to happen, it's not going to stop me from playing this game. It's not going to stop me from enjoying this game, and it's not going to be the make it or break it for 99% of people who engage with this game. So I just want to be clear about that. It definitely sucks. Phil Spencer definitely just lied to us by saying he would tell us today, and then we and nobody told us. So that is all true, and we should be holding these guys accountable for that and be upset about that. But the game itself is going to be fine, whether it's 30 FPS or 60 FPS. That's not going to be the thing that make or break Starfield. The thing that will make or break Starfield is going to be base building, because fuck base building. Nobody likes that shit, you fucking nerds. Okay, all joking aside... I'm super hyped for Starfield. I, I'm feeling good about Xbox as a whole right now. I think there's a B-plus showing. I think Starfield looks great. I'm really looking forward to playing it in a couple months. I can't believe how fucking badass Clockwork Revolution looks. Can't wait to see that. Next year, Avowed is definitely at the top of my hype list for, for 2024. Uh, Forza Motorsport, I'll dabble with that this fall. I'm sure it'll be fine. Hellblade 2, I'm excited that that's back in the running of games that might actually come out one day. Fable, a little disappointed with how they handle it, but hey, at least it's back in the conversation. Compulsion Games, South of Midnight looks really cool from what we did see. I hope when we see the game itself, it looks even better, so... I'm feeling great about Xbox. A couple other games here, some second-party games, some indie games, some third-party games. Atlas is all over this motherfucker. That's a real good get there for you. So I think Xbox is looking strong. It's feeling good. Uh, last thing I want to do before we move on to Summer Game Fest is just real quick, I want to run down the list of my predictions I had last week and see if anything, if I got if I got anything right. And I think I got a couple right. So let's run down these real quick. So I said... Number one, I had about 15 of these. I said, Phil Spencer would say something about players at the center of it all or center of the universe or putting players that choose to play, whatever. I think Sarah Bond and Phil Spencer both said something to that effect, so I'm going to give myself a point there. Uh, next up, I said, Halo continues to be absolutely absent and break hearts. Uh, that was true, so I got a point there. State of Decay 3, I said uh, that they it would be a dating sim and that you should not kink shame. Uh, I did not get a point there, so that's a miss. Uh, I said... We'd get an actual look at an announcement and a look at whatever the hell contraband is. Uh, and I was wrong about that. I said Perfect Dark would get a gameplay reveal with a vague release window and that Danny DeVito would be uh, the guy in the chair. And no, that did not happen. So I missed a point there. I said Fable would be dated for 2024. I was very confident about that one. Definitely got that wrong. I said Indiana Jones would be revealed uh, just to capitalize off the new movie's hype. And that did not happen either. I said if software is finally doing something, question mark. And... It could be that Hexen shirt. I don't know, but uh, I guess I missed a point there. Uh, I said there'd be a weird apology or reinforcement of a vision or response to what happened with Redfall. Uh, not exactly, but they did, so I missed a point there. 
although they did address some fan concerns with the way Phil Spencer was talking about availability of consoles and the storage upgrade, but I'm not going to give myself a point for that. Uh, Hellblade 2 would get a gameplay uh, showing in a release window or date. I get, give myself a point for that. That was right. No Xbox Series X version X shown. Okay, I get a point for that because that's we didn't get that. Okay, good job. <laughs> Man, I could just I could just say no anything. I'd be right. Um, Steven Seagal will not die on stage at Xbox's showcase. Oh, look, I got a point for that. Uh, anyway, Connect 3 will come out and inter- reintroduce the snap feature, uh, making me happy again. That did not happen. I said a deluge of updates on games that have been out for a while that no one is hyped about, and we'll hear about new seasons for things like Sea of Thieves, Elder Scrolls, Fallout 76, Flight Sim, Grounded. I give myself like a half point for that because Sea of Thieves was a pretty substantial update. Flight Sim was a substantial update. Grounded wasn't even there, but we did get Elder Scrolls and Fallout 76, so I'll give myself like a point, half point for that, whatever. I said, we will have to endure another uh, trailer for Ark 2 with Vin Diesel in it. Thank God that didn't happen. I said, Forza Cars will be back on stage. I was right about that. We got two cars on stage. So another point there. Uh, I said, Starfield will be 60 FPS only on PC. Technically, we don't know if I was right about that because they haven't said it yet. But I'm going to give myself a point anyway because the the silence is deafening. Uh, And then I said, nothing on Outer Worlds 2. I definitely get a point for that, although that's kind of cheating. I said, Avowed will be shown. I get a point for that. Because that was absolutely true. Uh, Stalker 2 trailer will be there with a message about the Ukrainian war. Uh, That did not happen. Uh, I said Phil Spencer will have a bobblehead released on the store. And that did not happen. I said Everwild will be missing in action. That did happen. That's 10 points. Uh, I said Xbox will get a... uh, We'll talk about a family plan for Game Pass for for, uh, the US. That did not happen. I said Starfield controller and headset will be canceled because of the leakers. It will be like a Nintendo-style Smash Bros. campaign cancellation due to leaks. That did not happen. And then I said, In Exile, perhaps, will be remaking Halo, uh, Fallout 3 or New Vegas. And that did not happen. So I gave myself about 9 to 10 points, 9.5 points, maybe. Uh, I think I did pretty okay. So those were my predictions. That's how it played out. Uh, a little boring because I think my safer predictions were the ones that mostly came true. So not that impressive. But nonetheless, predictions are predictions. And I didn't do terrible, you know. I did better than Danny DeVito would have done if he had to do predictions on the showcase, uh, to say the very least. And, hey, he wasn't there, and neither was Perfect Dark. So, all right, so that's that. For next week, uh, just to let you guys know, on the 13th, which is Tuesday afternoon, there's going to be an Xbox Extended Showcase where they cover, like, other games that, like, games that were in the showcase they show in greater detail. Usually it's things like whatever the new expansion for Sea of Thieves is or Flight Sim or maybe a little more information on Starfield or something like that. So... It's usually never too compelling, but if anything really interesting happens from that, we'll cover it on the next episode. So this podcast will go live on uh, Tuesday the 13th, and then next week's podcast will go live back in the regular Thursday slot on Thursday the 22nd. So we will cover that information if there's anything to talk about on that Thursday the 22nd uh, conversation or podcast episode. So there's that. Guys, I'm going to take a quick break here because we're already like two hours in. And uh, we're just now wrapping up with the Xbox Showcase. And then we will jump into the Summer Game Fest information. And then we will stop here for now. And then once Ubisoft and Capcom happen, we'll go through those. And then uh, that will be the podcast. So let's take a quick break and then we'll move into Summer Game Fest. (laughs) 
Hey guys, cut in here real quick. Breaking news. Uh, just, I just took a quick break, checked my phone for a second, and wouldn't you know it, IGN has just published the article, well, I guess, as of 7.30 p.m. on Sunday night here, that yes, Starfield is indeed going to run at 30 FPS on both Xbox consoles, Series S and X. So let me just read straight from the article here because I'm a little unprepared to talk about it. So just read from here, and then we can kind of go off the cuff. It says, from IGN, Starfield runs at 30 frames per second on both Xbox Series X and S, Bethesda's Todd Howard House confirmed. Speaking with IGN in an interview ahead of the... Uh, Xbox and Starfield Showcase, Howard said that Starfield runs at 4K resolution on the Series X and 1440p resolution on the Series S, but it has locked 30 FPS frame rate on both consoles to ensure consistency of performance. Quote, I think it will come as no surprise given our previous games uh, what we go for, Howard said. Always these huge open worlds, fully dynamic, hyper detailed, uh, where anything can happen. And we all we want to do is that. It's 4K on the X, it's 1440p on the S, so we do lock at 30 FPS because we want that fidelity, we want all that stuff, we don't want to sacrifice any of it. Fortunately, in, in this one, we've got a uh, we've got it running great, and we're often running way above that. Sometimes it is 60, but on the consoles, we do lock it because we prefer consistency, we're not even thinking about it. He goes on all with some other parts, but I think that's all we really gotta, that's all we really gotta talk about. So, man, I, I gotta be honest, <laughs> at this point, my first in initial reaction isn't even like dis I mean it is disappointing news don't get me wrong but it's not my initial reaction isn't that I'm disappointed it is that I uh I'm relieved that we don't have to go back and forth talking about it worrying about it, thinking about it it's like now we know it just is what it is and you could tell by the the game showcase today and everything like the game clearly looked like it was 30 fps like some of those combat scenes like that frame rate is definitely not 60 it's not buttery smooth and I think you know our eyes are so adjusted to most games being 60 fps these days that it probably stood out to a lot of people. It's like, that is whatever I'm looking at. That's not, that's not smooth. So it doesn't look bad. Just to be clear, it doesn't look rough. And again, like I was just saying before I ended recording, it is what it is. Like these, these modern, it's a huge open world game. Uh, it's a little slower pace. You're going to spend a lot of times interacting with characters, digging through menus, exploring. It's not like a game where it's not like call of duty where in the, in, in the, in the span of a second and a half, you could get a fucking quadruple kill and a nuclear strike. You know, it's not, it's not that fucking intensive and twitchy with the combat. At. So I don't think it's going to impede on the game's enjoyability all that much. I think it's just going to be one of those performance preferences for, you know, more, more, our spec heads and Xbox is the most powerful console and Xbox is the place for like hardcore elite gamers who want that fidelity kind of gaming to enjoy gaming uh, or enjoy like that superior gaming experience. So no doubt it's a disappointing reality, but you know, there aren't many, many games that are of this scale and size and scope that could really pull some like a consistent 60 FPS on console off. I mean, I, I'm sure people will draw comparisons and be like, well, but GTA this or something like that. And it's like, dude, GTA is from like 10 years ago. Of course, nowadays it runs 60 FPS, you know, or, or something like that. But the truth of the matter is this is a groundbreaking next gen massive open world game. So to get it running at 60 FPS would be a feat. And, and Todd Howard says, you know, sometimes it goes at 60 FPS, you know, on, on PC and stuff, they can get that locked in. But it, it seems like it's been a challenge for them on console. And maybe one day that changes. I'm sure one day that changes. I'm sure there's some update or re-release edition where they get to 60 FPS. But for now, it's 30 and you know what? It's not a deal breaker for me. And I'm just glad we're kind of out of the woods with that whole conversation. Disappointing as it may be. Uh, and I, I know a lot of you are probably disappointed about it as well. But I'm just so pleased with the actual game we saw today. And if the game actually lives up to what they're showing. Uh, and it's just that fun of a game. I don't want to get so bogged down the weeds that I, I rob myself of such a fun game uh, over something as. I don't want to say like trivial. 
But, you know, something as minor as frame rate in a game where frame rate doesn't really make or break the actual game experience itself. It just enhances. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. In a game like Doom, frame rate makes or breaks the game, right? Because it's really critical to a game like that. In a game like Starfield or Elder Scrolls or Fallout, 60 FPS does not make or break the game. It just enhances the game. And so in this case, yes, a little bit of that enhancement is lost or not available because it's 30 FPS, but the game itself still has a lot to offer. And so I'm going to choose to not get all high and mighty and upset about it. I I still think we got a great game ahead of ourselves. What I'm more worried about and just hoping doesn't happen is that this game comes out. It works. It's not broken. It's not a piece of shit because nowadays the way it is with pretty much any game that comes out is we just have to constantly worry. Oh my god, is it broken? Oh my god, is it does it does it work on PC? God knows the PC version is probably already broken. Uh, does it have a day one patch that makes it not crash your system? You know, so if this game can come out the gate, I mean, it's a Bethesda game. We assume there's going to be some kind of charming amount of jank to it, right? That's always the what they say about Bethesda games. But if this game can come out the gate and just feel like it's in a reasonable, acceptable state where it's like, yeah. Yeah, a game can come out this way and that's okay and it's content complete and you can play it from start to finish and it's not going to erase your save and break the game and be a piece of shit if we can get that released then i'll take that over 30 fps versus 60 fps any day like let's just get a really fully complete polished com- like finalized product out the door and we can worry about upgrading to 60 fps down the road as they inevitably re-release this game for decades and decades like they do with skyrim so yes it's disappointing it's not the end of the world, but I'm glad we finally now know, especially since it's such perfect timing. We were just talking about that. So there you go. Starfield, 4K, 30 FPS on Xbox Series X, 1440p, 30 FPS on Xbox Series S, and then presumably on PC. Sky's the limit, depending on what your rig can handle. So there you go. You heard it from me first, and now we will go back on to the Summer Games Fest news. All right, and we are back with the Summer Game Fest. So this just happened the day... Last week's episode went live on Thursday afternoon, so we're a couple days late in covering it, but uh, that's kind of why the podcast schedule is all out of whack, is because I'm just trying to catch up and not miss anything by too much while also get the Xbox news out to you fresh and as uh, as quickly as possible. So <laughs> let's kind of go back now to a couple days before the Xbox showcase, and we'll cover the Summer Game Fest. This is the summer event that Jeff Keighley, the, the guy, the host of the Game Awards, does. Every summer, it's basically, you know, the Game Awards in December where you get the awards and the game announcements. And then in the summer, you have the kind of E3 replacement Summer Game Fest, which is just more of a game announcement kind of show. So honestly, this year, this this showcase was a little off my radar because I was just really focused on Xbox's showcase. So I wasn't really expecting too much from this. Didn't really think too much about what all was going to be there. And got to say, I was honestly pleasantly surprised by uh, what all was shown I think we got a pretty decent lineup starting about, I don't know, about a dozen games or so. And uh, so let's just go in the order that they were announced. Now, I didn't include everything. There's some things that aren't Xbox related, uh, like Spider-Man was shown there and like a like a PlayStation TV show. And then there are some things where it's just like it's so boring and so minor that I'm just fuck it. We're, we're writing it out. So I'm not going to cover it as exhaustively and extensively as I did with the Xbox showcase. But we are going to kind of go in depth with some of these and uh, and go over basically the, the majority of what all was there. So just like the Xbox showcase, we're going in order it was shown. So starting at the top, um, Jeff Keighley opened up and was like, hey, uh, brand new thing. No one was expecting. Isn't this fun? And then Prince of Persia was shown. So Prince of Persia, basically the Ubisoft game that kind of was the precursor to Assassin's Creed in a lot of ways. 
We know there was a Prince of Persia game in development a couple years ago at their India team. Uh, that was a ground-up remake of the original Prince of Persia, and then that fell through. So now we have a new Prince of Persia just to kind of give the fans something in this long-dormant franchise, and it is the uh, Prince of Persia The Lost Crown, which was just announced. It's coming out soon. It's coming out on January 18, 2024, so in about six months. And it's a side-scrolling 2.5D Metroidvania-style game. We are going to see it again at the Ubisoft Forward event, so I won't say too, too much about it because in the next segment we'll be able to bring it up again. But yeah, it's basically like a, the what they showed was like the most classic video game trailer, like what we used to get back in the day. A mix, a perfect blend, 50-50 of cinematics and gameplay. So you get a really great feel for what the game looks like, what, this, what the presentation's like, what the characters and the story are all about, and it's just the best of all the worlds. I wish we got gameplay trailers like this now. Nowadays, gameplay trailers or game trailers are basically just like fucking false advertising. They're just like, here's music and tone and slow paced nothingness. But uh, yeah, I thought this was a great way to reveal a game. It's great to go back to Prince of Persia and to do it in a completely different way because Prince of Persia back in like, what was it, the SNES days was a side scrolling platforming type game. Uh, but Prince of Persia, the way most people know it, is from the OG Xbox era of the 3D platforming action adventure game so this uh kind of goes back to its old roots by being side-scrolling again but it's an all-new genre approach in that it's a metroidvania style game so we'll have kind of power grabbing and going back and reusing different environments and all the kinds of trappings of a metroidvania game and i gotta be honest it looks it looks pretty good i i don't know why so many people were kind of shitting on this because i i just thought it looked really good like the combat looks cool the art style looks cool for 2.5d it just, I don't know, it's like, it's nice to see Prince of Persia back. Um, this is a franchise I've actually been historically more open-minded to um, than than Assassin's Creed, so there's a good chance I'd actually try this. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's just, it's nice to see Ubisoft kind of branch out and do something different because Ubisoft is just heavily criticized by people like myself for just doing so much of the same kind of stuff. But for them to take a chance and do something like a Metroidvania, is, it's, it's quite compelling because, I mean, God, thank God it's just not another Tom Clancy something, something or other. It's, you know, something unique and different. So shout out to them for making this. I think the game looks pretty cool. The Lost Crown out January 18th, and we'll talk about it more once we see it extensively at the Ubisoft at the Ubisoft event. So there's Prince of Persia. Now, the next game they showed, and it's going to sound like I'm blown off the event a little bit at the top of the show because the top of the show just wasn't really my thing. But the show gets really, really good as it goes on. And so we'll go in more detail as we get to the games where I'm actually like qualified to speak on in some way. So this next game is definitely not one of those games uh, because the next game they showed is Mortal Kombat 1, which, you know, we, we recently got teased and revealed and now we're getting a more in-depth look. So they had uh, Ed Boon kind of go over some of it. Like, uh, he came out on stage, the creator or the kind of shepherd of the uh, Mortal Kombat series. And that was all cool. And they showed an extensive gameplay. Oops, sorry. Show an extensive gameplay demo. I gotta be honest, I, I would be just lying my ass off to you if I told you I like I really had a lot to say or care about Mortal Kombat. I just I don't know. It, in the recent weeks of this game being announced and Street Fighter come out, and I feel like everyone I talk to is just like, oh man, Street Fighter is really cool. I'm playing Street Fighter. Are you playing Street Fighter? Like all my coworkers are even talking about it. I'm just like, I gotta be honest, man. I try with these games. Mortal Kombat's particularly the one I want to I wish I were into because I like the movies, but I care so little about these fighting games, and I just can't sit here and have a fake conversation about it. So, yeah, they showed Mortal Kombat 1. It looks really cool. I'm sure fans of the series are are just fucking over the moon about it, but um, 
if I watch or talk about this game anymore, uh, I, I will fall asleep. And so we just we just have to move on because I, I really couldn't give a shit less about another fighting game. So they showed that off. Um, they are going on and on about how the world's kind of reset and the story's going to be really different. So that's cool. I know people are excited for that. And they got kind of like the ghost echo fighter versions of the characters. So you pick like two types of fighters when you go into a match, which is at least you're trying to spin the formula on its head. So that's Mortal Kombat. People are really hyped. That's great. It comes out soon. Uh, the next game they showed was Path of Exile 2. They showed a new trailer for it and said, look out for more information on July 28th when we'll learn more about it. Uh, basically, it looks like a new, fun, dungeon-crawling type adventure. Bad timing with uh, Diablo 4 just coming out and being a massive behemoth of a game. But Path of Exile, I've heard good things about it. Never played it. Probably won't play it. But it, the second one looks pretty solid. Looks like a good time if you're a fan of the genre. Next up is where we got our... And we get these at every fucking Jeff Keighley event. I swear to God, there's always one. Uh, the celebrity endorsement, cringy, I, I got paid a lot of money to come out here and do this kind of thing. So uh, Nicolas Cage is going to be in a new update for Dead by Daylight. So they had actual Nicolas Cage, the actor, the Wicker Man himself, come out on stage and be like, hey guys, I'm Nick Cage. I clearly have never played a video game in my life and I don't take this industry very seriously, but I'll try to, I'll try, uh, hey, there's a fat paycheck in it for me, so I'll try to d do the thing, the acting. And so he comes out on stage and talks about nothing for five minutes and wastes everybody's time. And then everyone gets hyped because Nicolas Cage is in Dead by Daylight and he gets a lot of attention online. And I guess whatever. The whole point is to get eyes on the show. So he did a good job of doing that. Last time it was Al Pacino. Al Pacino was worse at the Game Awards. So, hey, Nick Cage, at least you're not as bad as Al Pacino. But, yep. So on Ju July 25th, uh, Nicolas Cage will be at Dead by Daylight. That's fun. It's goofy. It's weird. I I'm into that. But, um... All right, and then they showed a trailer for the season three of the Witcher series that's on Netflix, which comes out June 29th. So that was the last, like, I don't give a shit uh, before we start getting into kind of like what I would consider to be a legitimate game showcase, whereas things I, I'll actually talk about. So next up, they go into Remnant 2. Uh, this is coming out July 25th. So, Souls-like game. It's just, okay, okay maybe, the, maybe one more. You know I'm not into the Souls-like games. It's it's hard for me to care just because I think every other game that gets announced these days is a Souls-like game. And maybe one thing I want to give Xbox an extra shout-out for is that Xbox leans so hard into like their bread and butter of like racing games, shooting games, Western RPGs. And you might say, yeah, I mean, that's very Xbox 360 of you to be so obsessed with those genres, but... I just, I just thank God every fucking day of my life that Xbox isn't like sniffing the buttholes of these uh, Souls-like games. Because I swear to God, if I watch an Xbox uh, showcase event and it's just like, we got a Souls game and another Souls game, and we're partnering with this company to make a Souls game, and we hired these guys to make us a Souls game. I, sw I mean, one, two, I, I get it. You got to have one, maybe that's a popular genre, but God, I'd be so disenfranchised if Xbox was just trying to cram first-party uh, Souls-like games down my throat. So thank God for that, but. They showed Remnant 2 a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go into that at all because it's just another Souls game. And also because the next game we have to talk about is also a Souls game. But it's it's like the one Souls game I actually have something to say about. So Remnant 2, July 25th, another Souls-like game. In case you just have a, a, an absolute, you're an absolute glutton for punishment. I guess you got that for, for you know, to look forward to whatever fucking Eldering and, 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 and uh, Bloodborne. Lies of P is the next one they show. So... Liza P is kind of like the where I become a hypocrite moment because even though, yes, Liza P is absolutely a Souls-like game, there's just something about this one yet, and I think it's just the aesthetics in the world, but it's 
I want to like this game so bad. I really want to. When they announced it, what was that, at Gamescom last year when they showed it? I really, really, really wanted to like this game. Uh, it comes out September 19th. It looks great. Remember, this is going to be a day one Game Pass game. So it's not going to be hard to try it. Kind of like Wolong Fallen Dynasty. You can just download it if you want to give it a go. But they also announced, this is a really cool thing, a demo is out now. It comes with like the first chapter or something of that, like that. And so you can just download it now on your Xbox and, and give the game a go if you want to see before it comes out in a couple months. And so that's what I went ahead and did. I, I went ahead and downloaded the demo. I have it loaded up on my Xbox. Have not had a chance to play it yet, but rest assured I will certainly be checking this game out because I'm very curious to see if Lies of P can be the, the Souls-like game to win me over because I am determined to find one of these that I don't hate. I bought uh, The Surge. I bought The Surge recently. Uh, it was on sale for a couple dollars. So I bought that one. I was like, okay, this one's like a little futuristic, a little techie, a little, little different. It's not like just another like, oh, it's old Asia something or other setting or old Europe something or other setting. So, so I thought maybe The Surge would work for me and I hated it. The Surge sucks. I don't ever want to play it again. So, well, it doesn't suck. I suck. I don't like the game. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm gonna give Liza P a, a try because I just love this weird fucking gothic, mature Pinocchio story thing they're telling. It's all French and weird, and there's probably a lot of stinky cheese and stuff in the game. I don't know, but it just it looks so compelling to me. The world looks so compelling. The synopsis of the game is just so intriguing. But I I know I'm probably gonna hate the game. I just I gotta give it a try because I think I might like Liza P. Comes out September 19th. Still looks great demos out now to try on all major platforms so i recommend you give it a go but if, if you're curious about it but i'm definitely curious of liza p although i know my bitch ass will probably give up pretty quickly when i start it all right next up we get a trifecta so if it seems like i've been a little down on the showcase so far you're like why did you say the showcase was good if you're just being a, a hater well, it's because from here on out, the showcase gets really fucking good, um, especially with these next three games, which I'm just very excited for. So first one is Alan Wake 2, which we just saw a little bit at the PlayStation Showcase. Again, such a shame that this wasn't at the Xbox Showcase because Xbox should have fucking bought Remedy. They used to be best friends. I don't know why the fuck they would let these guys slip away. But regardless of the fact, I'm in the process of playing the first Alan Wake for the first time. I'm about halfway through it, and I'm loving it. So needless to say, I'm very much in an Alan Wake mood right now, and this is doing it for me on all levels. Uh, Sam Lake, uh, the writer, the, guy, the kind of the visionary over at Remedy, flew over and uh, and uh, came up on stage with Jeff Keighley and was like, hi, I'm European, and we're making Alan Wake. Here's a trailer. And he was all dapper and cute looking, and uh, it looks great. So they got this new character, Sa uh, Saga Anderson. And she's like a detective cop or something like that. And so you'll be able to play as her and Alan Wake. And the game's going to do this really interesting thing. They said it's very like true detective inspired, but I wouldn't know. I've never watched that show. But it's like you can basically follow the whole through line as one character or switch to the other. Basically, every mission, it will be like, hey, you're playing as Alan Wake. Do you want to keep playing as Alan Wake or do you want to switch over to Saga and see kind of like her perspective on where this next mission is? And just kind of flip back and forth between the two, which I think is just fucking cool. We, I feel like that's like a, a mechanic we used to play around with lightly back in like the PS2 era. But now we're going to see like a full AAA modern game kind of play around with that kind of idea. And I just feel like there's a lot to be tapped into and a lot to be explored if done right with really strong narrative uh, connections where you can <clears throat> make a game where it's like, you know, two or three playthroughs of mixing and matching will really give you a really strong reading of the story whereas playing it one way or another might just give you half the story and it can i don't know i feel like you could do something really cool with that so i'm excited to see that especially because remedy are so good at telling like twisted fun stories but also making them digestible you know 
I, I, that's that's one of the things I love about Remy. Sometimes their storytelling can seem a little convoluted on the surface level, but if you just keep following it through, it it, it explains itself quite well. It's not like a Japanese game where it's just convoluted from the second you turn it on until the minute the credits roll and you never understand a second of it. So I really love that about Remedy. They're very talented at, at doing that. And I feel like there's a lot of opportunity to play with that kind of that kind of thing they're so good at even further with this game. So really looking forward to that. Obviously, it just looks a lot more horror-inspired, which I'm also really curious and excited for. Uh, but overall, I'm, I, I really just want to tap out at this point because I've seen so much Alan Wake 2 and I'm just so sold on it. And it's definitely my Halloween game I'm most anticipating this year for sure. So come October 17th, I mean, it's just Alan Wake or or, or Alan Wake or or cookie cookie cake. You know what I mean? Uh, but no, I'm just I'm really looking forward to this game. I thought it was a really strong showing. Shout out to Sam Lake. He's a cool guy. Shout out to Remedy. They're one of the best developers. And shout out to Xbox for being dumb enough to let these guys slip away. The next game they showed was another game I'm really looking forward to. First of all, just shout out to French publisher Focus Entertainment because they fucking rock. Um, they just they just keep finding great games to partner with and are publishing some of the best, most interesting stuff in the industry right now. They are the masters of the double-A space, I would say. But, uh, yeah, they showed Warhammer 40K Space Marine 2 again. We saw this last year at Xbox's showcase, and now we're getting another look at it here. Uh, but, yeah, this is being developed by Saber Interactive, and Focused, uh, Focus Entertainment is publishing it. But it's supposed to come out at the but before the end of this year, although they haven't locked in a date. Uh, but it's co-op shooter, third-person shooter. looks fucking phenomenal. looks like kind of the Gears of War holdover we need, even though it's not really cover-based shooter. But, yeah, 40K Space Marine 2 looks so so good i have no experience with the space marine um game that came before this but man i just I, warhammer's kind of killing it with some really great games shout out to bolt gun and focus entertainment is just finding like publishing some of the best shit out there so between these two things i just feel like this game is going to be another knockout and i'm pretty excited to play it it looks phenomenal people seem really hyped on it and there's just like this uh this warhammer resurgence or this warhammer kind of craze that's going on where people are just really into these these new warhammer games and reasonably so because they're, they're fucking great but that is warhammer 40k now if alan wake is my second most anticipated game of the showcase let me introduce you to the next game which is my number one most anticipated game show of the showcase and if you if you know anything about me if you watch the summer uh, game fest you probably already know where i'm going but yeah it came out of nowhere. I can't believe this didn't leak. Nobody was talking about this. It just kind of happened, and it was a pleasant surprise. I didn't know we still got these in today's world. But uh, Sonic Superstars was announced, and my notes here say, Woo, game of the year 2023. Let's fucking go baby, baby, baby coming this fall. That's what I wrote. Um, and, yeah, I agree with that sentiment completely. Dude, this was such a pleasant surprise. So Sonic Superstars, it's a brand-new 2.5D Sonic game. In the vein of like classic Sega Genesis Sonic games. Um, so it's being developed by Arzest, which is a kind of controversial Japanese company. Uh, they, they have mixed quality uh, releases. They worked on like the 3DS Pikmin game and one of the Yoshi games um, that no one really gives a shit about for Nintendo. Um, and they also have worked on Balan Wonderland with the recently arrested Yuji Naka, creator of Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, over at Square Enix. So they've got their hands in some like odd projects, uh, but you know, never they never really made anything too too good. But the reason why this team is notable and why I have some confidence in them is because Arzest is led by um, the man credited with uh, creating Sonic the Hedgehog, not the game. Yuji Naka came designed the game and, and programmed the game, but. 
Na- uh, Naoto Oshima is the guy who created Sonic, the actual character. And he was also the director of Sonic CD, which is one of my favorite 2D Sonic games. Shout out to Sonic CD and Sonic 2. People who say Sonic the Hedgehog 1 is better are absolutely mind-fucking idiots because Sonic the Hedgehog 1 is actually not even that good a game. And my opinions are right and your opinions are wrong, so that's just how it works. Thank you very much for understanding. But yeah, Naoto Oshima is the uh, director of Sonic CD and the guy who designed Sonic originally. And so he is uh, he's going to be leading this project. And a lot of people who played it, a lot of the early previews following the announcement have said, hey... This game kind of looks and plays like classic Sonic. It kind of feels like Sonic CD a little bit, but like in a modern setting, and it's very, very good. And so the early uh, response to it is it's it's quite good, uh, and I'm super happy about that. It's they're doing kind of like a new Super Mario Bros. thing where it can be like two, three, four player co-op, which I'm really curious to see how they pull that off because Sonic's all about speed, so that might not work well. But yeah, I mean the trailer's excellent. They got uh, June from Crush Forty and T Loops working on the music, so that means you're gonna have a great time. If only they got Hyper Potions in that mix as well, we're gonna have another banger of a of a fucking Sonic soundtrack on our hands. And they're 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 so secretive about the music right now that they're using songs from um, Sonic the Hedgehog Four from 2010 as placeholder music in like the trailers and gameplay demos, just because they want to reveal the music at a later time. Because that's how like. That's how, like, important the music of Sonic games has become to where, like, they know it's just as important to the fans as, like, the actual game itself. So, super excited to hear that new music from uh, Crush 40 and from T-Loop. So, that's going to be awesome. They're trying to, they said they're trying to capture the feel of, like, Sonic the Hedgehog 3 with the music. So, super, super excited for that shit. Yeah, I mean, this game looks phenomenal. It looks so, so good. It's 2.5D. The art style looks pretty solid. Uh, some note, some uh, definite nods to uh, Sonic CD while also having that kind of like Sonic Generations chibi uh, modern old Sonic look that they do. Um, And then also just shout out to them for trying to do some different... different things with the formula where like Fang is the bad guy instead of Robotnik and you got the freaking like different kinds of zones that aren't just like your typical Green Hill zone and things like that. So they're trying to spice up the formula a little bit. I appreciate it. It looks like it's got a little bit of Sonic Rush influence on it as well, which I adore that game. So that's very exciting. But yeah, man, full $60 release. They're putting where their money, their mouth is where their money is. They're saying this is a full proper $60 2D Sonic game. And I am just a hundred percent in support of it. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to buy this thing day one. Uh, they just said it's coming out this year, so probably around like October, November. But Sonic Superstars couldn't couldn't be any happier. Just so 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 excited for that. And just to clarify, Naoto Oshima, he's the guy who designed Sonic. But the Japanese design for Sonic was like he was like all rough and aggressive, and he just had like a rock guitar and, he, and spikes, and then and then the American Sega team took him and were like, he's good, but we need to make him a little more like timeless and a little more lovable, like all the best American icons are. And so uh, Thomas Kalinske and the team at Sega of America were like, how can we take this and make him more iconic? And then they looked and they saw Mickey Mouse from Disney and they were like, we need to make Sonic have kind of like a Mickey Mouse quality where he seems like friendly and kind and but a little mischievous and a little edgy but a little cute and a little lovable like a household brand. And so they took uh, Nyoto Shima's design and they got rid of his super hot girlfriend with big boobs and they got rid of his rock guitar and his spiky wristbands and they made him a little cuter and cleaner and more innocent. And then that's how we got the Sonic the Hedgehog we ended up with today the one we all know and love don't you love my sonic history do you love my sonic history nod your head you love sonic history yes or no please 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 so yeah sonic superstars coming out later this year super excited 
Unfortunately, Christian Whitehead is not involved. He was the genius behind Sonic uh, um, Sonic Mania in 2017. A lot of people were expecting him to be involved, but that is not the case. But I still have... I'm, I'm still pretty confident that this game is going to be pretty damn good. And uh, reviews or previews so far are like, hey, this is a pretty damn good Sonic game. And from what I can tell in the trailer and the breakdown videos and all the weird nerdy shit I'm consuming, just it looks... it look, Hey, it looks better than Sonic the Hedgehog 4. We can at least say that, so... All right, Sonic Superstars, definitely super, super excited for that. Probably my most anticipated game of the year now. We got like Sonic Superstars, then Alan Wake, then Starfield. Those are the three games I'm looking forward to. Um, I would put Spider-Man on that list, but I don't have a PS5. Um, all right, next up they showed Pal World, which is just literally Pokemon with guns. Um, coming out early 2024. Looks fun, looks funny. Pokemon guns. All right. After that, they showed Banishers, Ghost of New Eden, and uh, which is uh, now slated to release at the end of the year. This is that game we saw last year at the Game Awards, developed by Don't Nod, published by Focus Entertainment. Again, Focus just killing it. So this is the second Don't Nod game we got. They, we already knew about this game, and then they just announced today another game at the Xbox Showcase. So I guess the one coming to Xbox, I think that's like a B-tier kind of indie, small team kind of project, whereas Banishers seems like their new like main focus project. This is that... Third-person action choice-based game where they're touting, like, you know, the choices you make have serious consequences and greatly affect. So a little bit of that Life is Strange energy coming over this game while making kind of a really nothing like Life is Strange third-person action game. And it looks quite competent. It looks quite cool. I'm, I'm pretty interested in giving this game a go. Um, I definitely want to wait for reviews and reception to see kind of how it plays out because I, I, I'm not sold on it like 100% right now, but I do think it looks interesting and I will continue to keep an eye out on it. So Spanishers, Ghost of New Eden, kind of a goofy name, but it looks good nonetheless. Then next up, we got the other Yakuza game, the Yakuza game that they announced last week before the one that they announced today at the Xbox Showcase. So Like a Dragon, A Man Who Erased His Name. So this is notable because... Kiru-san, the main character of Yakuza's 1, or 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, uh, he's kind of sunset at the end of Yakuza 6. Not that I've made it that far yet. I don't know how it's done, but he, he's kind of sent off at the end of that game. Um, and then they did all these spin-off games, and now they have the new Yakuza games, the Like a Dragon games with that other guy with like the more like Afro-y hair. We saw him in the Xbox trailer for that new whatever it is called, like whatever fame or wealth or something. Um, wealth, health, or whatever the fuck the game's called. Uh, that's the new main character, but this game is like a new spinoff, I suppose, and it's kind of resurrecting or bringing back Kiru from the original Yakuza games and making him the focus again. So this game will kind of go back to the roots of Yakuza, where it's still more of like a brawler beat-em-up, whereas the new main entry Yakuza games, or Like a Dragon games, are more of that turn-based style combat. So this way, you get a little uh, something for everyone. But again, I just... I can't keep up. They did the Ishin one earlier this year. They're doing this one at the end of this year, and then they're doing the other one at the beginning of next year. I just I can't I can't keep up. I'm on Yakuza four. I did zero, one, two, and three. I played four of these games so far. I thought I was making good progress, but now I, I just I just can't keep up, man. Uh, but excited for it because I absolutely adore Kiru. He's my favorite part of the game. So to know he's back uh, in some way pleases me, but also it seems kind of weird that they're bringing him back if apparently he was retired from the franchise. So. I don't know. I, I don't know what to say because I'm not far enough in the in the franchise to really have many opinions on this. But I do know that I love Yakuza, and I hope that one day I can get to all these games. I just I can't make any fucking promises because I cannot keep up with this release schedule that they got going on. I don't know how they're making them this fast. But next up, they said uh, there's a sweepstakes uh, to win a special Xbox Series X that is themed like a Porsche. 
So uh, in celebration of the 75th anniversary of the Porsche car brand, you could win an Xbox Series X with a Porsche skin on it. So uh, I don't don't know, don't care, but um, that exists. Uh, next up, we got like our 100th look at Immortals of Avium, uh, which is coming out July 20th, so just a couple weeks here, about a month from now. Uh, this is the game from Ascendant Studios, a brand new team uh, published by EA Originals, which is like they're kind of like indie label. It's like it's like their label for publishing games from uh, teams that they don't own. And uh, this is a game made up of a lot of like ex Sledgehammer people, people that worked on Call of Duty and Dead Space and stuff. So uh, it's pretty interesting the team that's comprising this. And this is that. FPS game with we use like magic and abilities like that instead of guns and it looks great I was sold on it the first time I saw it I'm still sold on it now I don't really need to see any more of this but my plan is to wait for reviews make sure it's not broken or anything at launch and then probably pick it up maybe a couple days after it comes out because it does look quite good and I am really interested in giving it a go but that's Immortals of AVM for the billion time we've now seen that the next game is I would say I would say the second big surprise because even though Alan Wake it's something I'm really excited for. We knew about that. We've seen it a hundred times. You know, games like Liza P, we've seen it a couple times. So those weren't surprising to see those games, even though I'm very excited for them. This next game is, aside from Sonic, the game that came out of nowhere that I'm most excited to play, which is John Carpenter's Toxic Commando. It is a horde-based zombie-type shooter in first person. So right off the bat, we'll have to see how it goes because Back for Blood, Redfall... Whatever the case may be, they, these games never go as planned. You know, we're always hoping for the game that's going to scratch that Left 4 Dead itch and, and be the replacement to Left 4 Dead. And I, and you guys know I like Redfall, but Redfall is not the Left 4 Dead replacement I hope to be in some way. And uh, it's just I'm still I'm still waiting for that game. So this game looks very good, but these things are always disappointing. So we'll see. It looks very very cool. Um, it's first person. It's horde shooting. It looks frantic and polished and really good it's being developed by saber interactive and published by focus i give focus a lot of credit because like i just said that everything they've been publishing has just been great um this is so this is the same duo doing space marines now they're also doing this toxic commando um the thing is, is remember saber interactive these guys um did that uh da, 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 world war z game so they've already done one of these horde shooters and that one was pretty good i played a decent amount of that one Enough to say confidently it was a good game. It's a little hard, but it was very good. And uh, my only gripe with it was I wished it was a first-person shooter instead of a third-person shooter. So the fact that this is a first-person shooter is basically like we're getting that again, but now it's in the format I want it in. So that has me pretty optimistic that this game will be cool. We saw some gameplay in the trailer. It looks really good. Totally, it looks fine. I don't really give a shit. I just, you know, it's set for a 2024 release. I, I want to see some more extensive gameplay of it, but I think this is a game I'm going to be interested in. Curious to see how horror director John Carpenter is involved in this. Um, I, I wonder, like, what he's doing, what he, you know, what he's contributing. I don't think he's ever made a video game before. I don't know if he has. So I'll be curious to know what his involvement in the project is, or if they're just basically licensing his name to help get attention on the game. But I will say the name Toxic Commando is fucking badass. It's a cool name. The game itself looks badass. I just hope it delivers. I believe in the publisher. I believe in the developer. The name is cool, the trailer is cool, the game looks cool, but I've been burned a lot lately with these games that are supposed to be this like spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead, and they never are, man. I don't know how Left 4 Dead is as old as it is, and just no one can top the simplicity, the magic, and the wonder of Left 4 Dead. It's just so good. No one can really do it, but um, we got two more games here. Uh, next up, they showed Fortnite Wilds, which is the new season of Fortnite. I don't give a shit. 
They showed uh, Transformers skins coming to the game. I like Transformers. That's cool. Blah, blah, blah. Don't care. The final game they showed is a brand new MMORPG from Amazon Games uh, Publisher and developed by NCSoft, the team behind Guild Wars 1 and 2. Uh, this is a brand new MMORPG coming to console and PC. Looks kind of like Guild Wars, but it has like more traversal, like a little grappling hook type thing I saw. And the characters like transformed into like different animals, like a hawk or, or whatever to fly around. Looks like it could be a solid MMO console game. Uh, it's just not personally my thing. Nothing I would really go for because I just I don't have time for games like these. But I could see I could see myself playing this back in the day because I, I used to play Guild Wars and I liked that game quite a bit. I loved RuneScape, but um, I don't know. This looks good. Amazon seems like they're finding success with these MMO style games, and so maybe they're just leaning harder and harder into that. But Throne of Liberty looks pretty looks pretty good. Like it's it's something I would like if if it comes out and it's a hit. It wouldn't surprise me, you know. Final Fantasy XIV right now is like the big console MMORPG, and the other one is Genshin Impact. And the thing that both of those games have in common is that neither of them are available on Xbox. So Throne and Liberty uh, is in a unique position where it could offer that console MMO fantasy RPG experience that Xbox is sorely lacking because we don't have Final Fantasy XIV and we don't have Genshin Impact. So Throne and Liberty, I think, might be able to find its kind of niche by really leaning into the Xbox market where there's probably demand for a game like that, but there's just not a game like that. So that is what I think the interesting uh, angle is there. Aside from that, I think the game actually looks genuinely cool. I like NCSoft. I just, I'm not looking for a fantasy MMORPG. Um, if I, if I was, maybe I would give ESO a try finally, but uh, I, I'm not, and I don't care. Um, I'm, I'm more than happy to just play a bunch of single player on um, Starfield by myself. But that is it basically for the Summer Game Fest. I thought it was a pretty decent showing. The 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 pacing was, it was fine. You know, these things always drag a little bit with some advertisements and some celebrity endorsements and things like that. But going down the list, Prince of Persia, cool. Like these are the games that like really stand out to me. Prince of Persia, cool. Liza P, Alan Wake 2, Warhammer, Space Marine 40K, Sonic Superstars, um, Pal World, Banishers, Ghost of New Eden, Like a Dragon, the man who erases his name, uh, Immortals of Avium, Toxic Commando, Throne and Liberty. Like, that's that's 10 games right there that I'm like, yeah, those games are varying degrees of, like, I'll either definitely play it or I'd be interested in giving it a try or I'm just, like, curious to follow up on and see more and more about that game as it progresses and gets closer to launch. So, overall, I'd say it's a pretty good showing. To me, it's like anytime I have there's a, there's a game showcase where I'm into more than, like, three or four games, it's a pretty good time. So, Summer Game Fest... Overall, you know, it's not as exciting or as sexy as the Xbox showcase, no doubt. But it is, it was a good time, and there were many good games shown. So we got our way through that. I don't have too much to say on that, unless you guys have like comments and you want to write in or ask questions or give your thoughts and opinions on it. I'd love to hear them. Um, so we could talk about that next week. But other than that, I say we take another break here, and then when we come back, we go into the Ubisoft Forward and the Capcom events. And just a little immersion breaker here. I'm recording on Sunday night, so I'll be pausing and then coming back tomorrow to do these last two segments. So we'll go through Ubisoft, Capcom, and then we'll go through the listener comments and questions, and then we'll wrap up the show. And then this show will be going live first thing on Tuesday morning. So you guys, let's take a quick break, and then we will get back to that. All right, and we're back. Welcome to the rest of the Xbox on episode 211 for you it's been about a second but for me it's been about 20 hours and we're back to talk about the Ubisoft and Capcom presentations showcase events uh, that just took place a couple hours ago a couple minutes ago depending on which one you're talking about as of the time I'm recording this on Monday night so I'll get this part recorded we'll add it into the show and then 
tomorrow the episode will go live Tuesday morning. So, yeah, without further ado, let's just go into this. Now, generally with Ubisoft, and we're going to start with Ubisoft, their events tend to go one of two ways where it's either like a bad showcase with uh, with like a, just a terrible pacing and kind of presentation style or it's like a really good showcase that's just presented very poorly because Ubisoft really sucks at presenting. And I'm happy to report that in this case, it was the latter where they had a pretty decent showing in my opinion. Um, it's just, you know, the Ubisoft showcase format is just not all that. But hey, you know, that can be forgiven in favor of good games, you know, because at the end of the day, I'm not looking for an awesome Ubisoft showcase. I'm looking for a showcase that offers a bunch of games I can then play and have a good time with. And that's I'm pretty sure what we got here, at least in my opinion. So, yeah, let's, um, I guess let's do the temperature reading, kind of like we did with Xbox and with Summer Game Fest. You know, I said I thought the Xbox showcase was like a B-plus or so. I'm pretty happy with it. In fact, the more I sit with it now that it's been about a day, um, the more I'm just really, really pleased with where Xbox is headed. I feel like this is the kind of shot in the arm I needed to really have some confidence and certainty that Xbox is headed down a good path and that it's not all doom and gloom. So feeling really good about that show. Summer Game Fest, another really good show. I don't think it was as entertaining as a showcase as, as Xbox's was. Although, you know, it's, I'm a little biased because clearly I'm most invested in Xbox's showcase. But I still think Summer Game Fest was pretty great. Probably another, like, B showing. Uh, Ubisoft, I'm going to go ahead and say basically the same thing. I think we got, like, a B-plus on our hands here where the, you know, it wasn't too long. The, the games they showed were mostly all appropriate and pretty cool. There's nothing that was really missing, save for, I'd say, one game. And, uh, yeah, overall, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with what we got here. So, yeah, about a B-plus showing. My main gripe and nitpick just being the presentation style and the kind of lingering on certain things that didn't need to be lingered on. Uh, but with that said, let's just jump into it now. They opened the show um, with basically the game they always open with just dance and nobody gives a shit just dance 2024 don't don't care let's move on we don't have to talk about that for a second the next game they showed which is the first real game of of consequence that they showed uh was avatar uh frontiers of pandora so obviously we've known about this game for years i think they announced their teased it initially in like i want to say 2017 we've known about this game for the better for more than half a decade at this point i'm fairly certain and uh We've known it's going to be a Far Cry open world game, and I think everyone always kind of said, "Oh yeah, so it'll be like uh, like a Avatar, like a James Cameron Avatar game, but like it with like Far Cry kind of formula." And uh, now that we've seen extensive gameplay, I can happily report that that's exactly what this game is. It is just what if we made the next Far Cry game an Avatar game? And you know what? As someone who really enjoys the world of Avatar, mostly just because. Disney made it really fun in their theme parks and who really loves Far Cry games. I've just always liked Far Cry games. I think this is a match made in heaven. I think this game looks phenomenal. I've been excited to see this game and I think it's been worth the wait if the game is anything like what they showed here. And I think they showed a decent amount. So Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, they finally gave it a release date. It's coming out December 7th this year. I just, I feel in my bones, this is a prime candidate for one of those three to six month delays. So I wouldn't be shocked to see this be like a late winter, early spring game for 2024. However, as of now, they're claiming it will come out this December, which if it does hit that December 7th date, I think that's a phenomenal date. You get about a month plus distance from some of the big games like Spider-Man. Uh, you definitely get some serious distance on a game like Starfield. You know, through that through that holiday rush, you're kind of past that point. And then you're uh, that December 7th, you're like in that sweet spot window where you can still get on some kids' Christmas shopping lists. 
Uh, and then you can also kind of distance yourself from the other big fall releases so that people can uh, maybe play during Christmas break or holiday break and, uh, you know, spend some quality time with a game like this, a meaty, big open world game like this. So I think it's actually, if they can nail this December 7th date, I think it's actually a really ideal release time frame for a game like this. And so I, I hope they are able to hit it. Now, that being said, I just got to, oh, you know what? Isn't there supposed to be another Avatar movie this this year? I think they filmed like Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5 all at the same time. So I, if I'm not mistaken, they're supposed to come out in an annual release cycle. So I think the next Avatar movie is set to come out this fall or next fall. If it is this fall, then it's clear what they're trying to do. They're trying to have it kind of coincide with the new movie to kind of get that synergy going, which would be a smart idea. But um, regardless, let's talk about the game itself. So... Developed in the Snowdrop engine, so that's right off the bat where it kind of differs from Far Cry because Ubisoft is moving towards doing everything in the um, everything in the Snowdrop engine, which is their proprietary engine. And uh, up until then, Ubisoft has always been done in the uh, Dunia engine, which is kind of an old engine that they are, have been moving away from. So, uh, and in fact, I'm pretty sure it, it was thought that this game was being done in the Dunia engine. But yeah, so now everyone's basically doing everything in Snowdrop going forward. This is the engine that they use for all the, uh, you know, all the new like Division games and things like that. And X Defiant. So I actually really like this this engine a lot. So far, I feel like they've been able to make it versatile and tune it well. Uh, you know, the couple cross, uh, not Crossfire X, but X Defiant betas we've played. I feel like. Um, it's like a really good engine for building some competent first person gameplay shooting it in particular. And so I feel like if this can feel like far cry, but also have some really solid, more like call of duty esque gunplay, I feel like that would be a huge win just from a pure gameplay standpoint. But that aside, I'm just speaking more broadly. I think this game absolutely nails the tone and the mood and the atmosphere and even the music of Avatar, assuming the music we were hearing in this trailer is pulled directly from the game. I don't know, Avatar is a franchise I've recently become pretty intimately familiar with, even though I don't don't historically care for the franchise all that much. Um, you know, you guys know me, I'm a big Disney nerd. Disney opened an entire theme park land dedicated just to Avatar, kind of like how they have like a Star Wars land and Universal's got the Harry Potter land and stuff. So for, you know, the better part of, what has it been, five, six years now, Disney's Animal Kingdom has had a whole land themed around Avatar. And that that land was just, again, even though the movie, you know, it wasn't something I'm, I'm, I was personally super invested in, Disney did such a just wonderful job of making that world feel so alive um, and making that land th feel so immersive and themed that it kind of kicked off weird, a weird, like, really uh, highly familiarized kind of familiarized kind of relationship with this world, the music, the feel, the look, and everything, the characters, some of the concepts and the lore of the world, while also just not really being a huge fan of it. And then when that new movie came out last year, I guess I saw it a few months ago, but... I thought it was pretty good. So I, I feel like pretty, I don't know, I guess what I'm trying to say is Avatar is an IP that feels like fresh in my mind where a lot of the music, a lot of the iconography, a lot of the creatures, a lot of the characters, a lot of the, the lore points and things like that are kind of fresh in my mind. So looking through this trailer and this extensive gameplay demo they showed, I feel like they're really hitting the nail on the head. Just everything from like the trying to approach the banshees and the rookeries high up in the mountains and trying to like get on them and then riding them and like the you can you can tell by the gameplay that they're really trying to capture that feeling of just like soaring and feeling free and like diving and just doing like aerial tricks and just kind of feeling just 
free and like this wonderful sensation, I guess, of, of flying rather than just using the Banshees to be this generic like, oh yeah, this is your flying companion that can help you fast travel around the world. So they're really trying to capture the kind of tone and nature or the, the tone and the like messaging of the Avatar franchise which is like this like deep connection with like nature and this planet and this unique flora and fauna and everything and so you can feel a lot of that in the game in the in the trailers they're showing so while of course it does kind of just look like far cry with an avatar skin over it it also does look like they're really trying to capture and and they've got james cameron collaborating on the game and he's kind of armchair helping them with things so of course you know he's probably giving them lots of help and tips and things like that and uh it, it just definitely seems like they're nailing that kind of like look at how beautiful the world is. Look at how the plants interact with you as you get near them and look at how the lighting is so stunning and different parts of the open world are like different kind of biomes and, and just like the creatures are so intriguing and it's really cool. I love, I love the synopsis of the game that you are an avatar and you've kind of assimilated more with like the Navi creatures on the planet of Pandora and you're uh, fighting the RDA, which is like the earth bad guys who are just there to kind of mine the planet of its resources. And so you can kind of play like a Navi and have like a bow and arrow and be stealthy and like stab them with knives or you can be like fuck it I'm a human at heart I know how to use a fucking gun and pick that up and just like mow mow down enemies with your guns and things like that so I love that shit and you got like the explosive arrows and you can just kind of launch them at helicopters and blow those things up and I I just like the, the stuff they're showing in the game I'm like this is all the crazy, zaniness, fun, ridiculous bullshit I love about Far Cry, but it's just applying it to a world where it just makes sense. I guess I guess what makes this game look so compelling, aside from the attention to detail and the care for the source material they're working with, is just that this is one of those rare instances where, like, huh, they found a pop culture IP, you know, whether it be from a book or a movie series or a TV show or whatever the case may be, where there is already a gameplay formula that kind of perfectly... Uh, matches what this what this movie series is all about. I guess you know, like you, you think about like when you're a kid, and it's like every fucking movie had a video game. There's nothing about like Shrek that necessarily is like, oh yeah, Shrek would just be such a great game. Everything about this movie screams, let's get a fucking Shrek video game. So naturally, every fucking Shrek game, unfortunately, there's too many of them to count, uh, have all been absolute ass because why the fuck would Shrek need a video game? But then you think about something like Spider Man, and it's like, well, the reason why Spider Man games have always been compelling and good you know, despite the varying quality of Spider-Man games we've gotten over the years is because not only is Spider-Man just a great character and, and worthy of exploring in the video game medium, fuck you Shrek, uh, but more importantly because Spider-Man is just one of those IP where it's like you, you watch a Spider-Man movie, you read a Spider-Man comic, you watch a TV show, and you can immediately ca- like understand and imagine how good something like Spider-Man would translate to video games. Exploration, movement, traversal, just running on walls, swinging around a city. It's like, that is just inherently fun to do. You know, beating up bad guys and trying to, like, stop enemies and shit. It's like, that stuff is just, it's like it's like doing the work for you. When you think, when you sit down and you go, all right, we want to build a Spider-Man game. What kind of game should we make? You know, it, the game kind of writes itself. It's just one of those IP that lends itself so naturally. And I would have never thought of Avatar as, like, one of those IP, but what this, what this game is kind of proving to me is, like, yeah, I guess Avatar is one of those games that kind of has a natural, or it's one of those movies or pop culture things that kind of translates beautifully to video games and again would would have never thought of it but far cry is such an excellent analog or you know way to uh, translate this this movie franchise into gaming and 
I don't know. I think they absolutely nailed it out of the park. Shout out to Massive, the uh, the division developer that is heading this this game. We'll talk about them again in a little bit because they have another game that just looks fucking phenomenal. Uh, so that that's that's the first real game they showed. Fuck you, Just Dance. You don't count for shit. But uh, yeah, Avatar: Frontiers of Pandora. I hope it makes its December seventh release. I am super excited for this game. I think it it just it looks absolutely phenomenal. I hope this game doesn't get overlooked. I feel like people haven't really talked about it too much uh, in the years leading up to today's proper real demonstration showcase reveal of what this game is going to be all about. And I hope that what we saw today does entice a lot of people and does change minds and convince people like, Hey, this is, this is a game we shouldn't sleep on. This is a game we should maybe, you know, pay attention to and give a go. Um, so yeah, avatar frontiers of Pandora, definitely on my must playlist. I was already kind of sold on the game before we saw it today. And now I am just don't need to see it again. It's, it's on that list. Like Alan Wake too. I don't need to see this game ever again. Just once it's out, I'll buy it. $70. You already got me. Let's do this. It looks great. So the next game they showed is another game I'm highly anticipating, although not super exciting because not only have we seen this game a million times, but I, I, I along with many other, have already played this game a million times. But that is X Defiant. It is this, um, this kind of meme of a free-to-play first-person shooter Call of Duty competitor that was announced a couple years back. We all kind of laughed it off the stage. I, myself included, it was announced as like Tom Clancy's X-Defying. They were trying to go for that cool, like graffiti girl with the purple hair, Fortnite knockoff kind of aesthetic that was just a little, a little cringy, a little too try hard. And over the years, they've, they've toned, they've toned that down a lot and just tried to make it a little more of like a generic shooter, uh, first person shooter. But like the kind of unique thing is of course that they're pulling from all these different, all, all the different characters and factions within the game are pulled from various uh, Ubisoft IP. So you got like Far Cry characters against Splinter Cell characters, against Division characters, against Rainbow Six characters. And so that that's cool. That's a fun little gimmick. But I got to say, this game is a lot of fun. I played a couple of the closed alpha build things like a year or two ago and thought the game was like, meh. But then once they got to that beta stage and you started being able to play it on Xbox and on PC and we got to get a much clearer idea of what the final product of this game would be, I, I got to say, man, I think this game is super addictive. It really does. They, they've they've poached a lot of talent from the old Call of Duty games, the old uh, original like Infinity Ward crew and stuff. And there's no doubt that what they're going for is pretty clear. It's it's they want to capture the magic of that heyday of Call of Duty, those Modern Warfare Two, Black Ops days. And I think this game does it really well. It's a very fun game. It's a very addictive game. And hey, it's free to play too. So I think that's that's they have a, a, a real fighting chance, you know, with a good community on their side and a lot of good word of mouth, which I think the game already has and is going to have. Despite the silly name X Define, I think this game has the potential to be uh, a thing. And uh, they said, hey, we're going to do one more open beta session thing for everyone to play. It's basically a stress test, and it will take place the weekend of July 21st to the 23rd. And uh, or is that the weekend or is that midweek? I don't even know. What is that? That's uh, yeah, that's fr Friday. No, that's a uh, oh yeah, that's a Wednesday through Friday. That sucks. But anyway, they're they're gonna have a, a stress test then, and then they said the game will be out later in the summer. So they haven't put a date on it, but I assume that means like late August, early to mid, uh, or sorry, late July into like mid August, somewhere in that like frame the three to four weeks of that so x defiant coming real soon it wasn't again it's not a super sexy rollout because it's a game we've known about a lot a lot of people have played it before we've seen it a lot of times it's been kind of a meme for a while but over the past couple of years it's kind of been able to legitimize itself i've been waiting a long time for at this point for them to finally just put the game out there and so i'm excited that we're there and so they said you know five modes at, at launch 14 maps and over the course of the first year they will add a new map every month add a bunch of new factions, new game modes, and things like that. And uh, 
I, I'm pretty excited for this game. As someone who just, you know, the past couple of years has kind of fallen back down the Call of Duty rabbit hole, I welcome a game like this that can kind of give Call of Duty a run for its money. Not that, not that this game really will do that from a financial standpoint, but, you know, in terms of just kind of offering an alternative for people who love Call of Duty, I feel like this game is going to be a really good uh, a really good finished product at, at, just, at doing just that to the hardcore Call of Duty community, and I'm excited for it. So that's X Defiant. Not much more to say on that. Uh, next up, they showed Prince of Persia again. So this is the game that they showed at the start of the Summer Game Fest on Friday, or Thursday it was. And I, I know I said when we went through that, hey, they'll show this again at Ubisoft's event, so we'll talk more about it then. I actually don't really have much more to say about this. This is, it's weird because like, I'm really happy they're doing this. This is clearly, and this is, I think, a, a, an overarching theme of the showcase is that Ubisoft is trying to buck the, tr the this, this notion, this convention that they just make these open world checkbox games and nothing else. And they're trying to have a little diversity. So you got, you know, you got Avatar, which is kind of what they're known for. And then you got X Defiant, which is a competitive FPS. Then you got Prince of Persia, which is a 2.5D kind of Metroidvania. They call it a semi open world. Um, the game looks great. I'm glad they're doing it. It's nice to see Prince of Persia make a return. I'm glad for fans of the series. I don't think personally this is a game I'm going to be playing, but I, I it, like it does excite me to see that Ubisoft is trying some other things and they're trying to dip into some other IP that are a little less celebrated and explored these days. You know, everyone wants you to bring back Splinter Cell, of course. But you know, Prince of Persia is also one of those IP that people are yearning to have back in the in the forefront of the uh, Ubisoft lineup. So you know, coming out January 18th, early in the year, I think it's in a good slot. I think it's a good opportunity for them to kind of maybe test this IP, float it out there, see kind of how people respond to it, and maybe find a new way to rebirth it. Because part of why we haven't seen Prince of Persia return in so long is because Prince of Persia ended up kind of getting. Um, you know, replaced by the Assassin's Creed franchise. And that's a huge part of why, you know, because early Assassin's Creed really was in a lot of ways just like, okay, we're going to like take Prince of Persia and like really step it up to the next level. And so, of course, you know, Assassin's Creed has evolved and evolved and evolved over the years into something completely unrecognizable from what Prince of Persia ever was. But I, I think clearly what they're trying to do is find a way to have both of these franchises coexist without them kind of competing with or cannibalizing one another. And so I like that. I, 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 I commend the creativity, the unique usage of these IP, and I hope the game works out for them. I hope they find a lot of success. I don't know that I'll personally play the game, but I am, I am nonetheless excited for fans of the series, excited for Ubisoft to be exploring something new and overall think the game looks pretty good next up, or I don't know if this is next up or if I missed it, I, I stepped away for a second and I missed this, but Arbiter and, Master Chief. So this is the only a little sad. This is the only Halo news we're going to get this entire summer show of all the showcases this summer. This is the only time we're going to see Halo pop up. Uh, it seems at least unless the extended Xbox showcase has a Halo Infinite Season 4 update, which I don't know. But yeah, Arbiter and Master Chief are coming to Brawlhalla. So on July 12th and just a couple weeks here, about a month. Uh, yeah, the, the, our Arbiter and Master Chief will be two new characters added into the game. For those who don't know, Brawlhalla is this, um, it's, it's like a Smash Bros type clone. It's like a cartoony 2D little uh, Smash Bros type clone made by a company named Blue Mammoth. Um, who eventually got bought out by Ubisoft. I want to say they got bought out by Ubisoft maybe in 2018, 2019, somewhere around then. And uh, yeah, so now they're in the Xbox family, or the uh, the Ubisoft family, rather, and have this game is kind of just... St I mean, I want to say Brawlhalla came out in 2015, maybe 2016. It's stuck around for a while. It's got a pretty decent fan base. And the only reason I'm so familiar with this is because this team, uh, Blue Mammoth, that actually makes Brawlhalla, they're actually, uh, they're actually from like 
eight minutes away from where I grew up in Georgia. And so I don't know if that's still where they're located, but they're, uh, they're, the game dev is literally like, it was like office space on the top floor of this outdoor shopping mall that I used to go to as a kid all the time. And so I remember like when I was in college, I was trying to like get into this like a uh, local Georgia game developers uh, like association where like local developers would have monthly meetups and things like that. It was like a networking kind of thing. And I used to go to those meetings all the time because I wanted to like, my dream was to work for IGN and be a games journalist or whatever. And so I used to like go to these meetings to try and like mingle with like local game developers and stuff. And these, uh, these guys hosted one time, um, like kind of, a an open house and then like a little uh, keynote speech kind of like explaining how they, how they got involved in gaming just to kind of give some info and then offer a networking event for local game developers to mingle and shit. So I remember going to that and seeing this and being like, Oh, bro, this game looks pretty cool. Whatever. Thought nothing of it. And then, you know, the game just kind of snowballed and became this kind of sleeper hit of a smash brothers clone out in the distance. And then a couple of years later, Ubisoft gobbled them up. So I don't know why I had to go off on that tangent and tell, tell that story. I just that's the closest thing you'll ever get to the Xbox on story of like me being in the industry. So I gotta flex where I can. Please, for love of God, let me have something. Uh, but <laughs> joking aside, um, yeah, I mean, this is this is fine. Like on its own, it, this doesn't bother me. This doesn't excite me. This does nothing for me. I don't play Brawlhalla. I have played Brawlhalla a couple times. It is competent. It is fine. I'm just not a big fan of these like arcadey fighting games like Smash Bros. So whatever it's just like i don't know man I, I feel i guess i feel a little bad because even though xbox had such a strong showing the other day there's still a part of me that was like hoping against all hope i know like microsoft just fired half a 343 and they've absolutely gutted and fucked over that that studio top to bottom but like i guess there was a part of me that was just kind of maybe hoping that they'd be like oh yeah here's a trailer for the first big campaign dlc for halo infinite we're going to talk about what happened to cortana during uh the events between halo 5 and 6 or, or something you know i was just really excited to maybe see something and, and the only real halo update we got of any consequence was um a chibi 2d cartoony art style master chief and arbiter are coming to a ubisoft party fighting game on july 12th so <laughs> there you go uh, at least, hey, at least Halo got mentioned in some capacity this summer, I guess. But anyway, I'm sure we'll hear about Season 4 of Halo Infinite pretty soon. Uh, all right, aside from that, moving forward, next up, uh, some dude came out. This is a perfect example of what I'm talking about with just, like, the pacing of these Ubisoft shows and the presentation, presentation style being so god-awful. This dude comes out and announces Captain, what's it called, Captain Laserhawk, a Blood Dragon remix. And for a second, I'm like, oh, shit. Are they making a new Blood Dragon game? You know, uh, Far Cry 3, Blood Dragon, the DLC campaign. That's like this like 80s, like goofy, campy action, like B-movie action, fun, whatever romp of a, of a little four-hour uh, DLC that they did. That's largely beloved. Anyone who's ever heard of Far Cry 3 probably knows about Blood Dragon. And I was like, oh shit, are they making a sequel to Blood Dragon? That'd be pretty cool. Like a little standalone, six-hour Blood Dragon kind of 30 40 dollar little dlc game i'm i'm all over that let's do another blood dragon nope it's a uh, netflix anime show which no problem with you know there's nothing inherently wrong with that but it's like it's just a netflix anime but they managed to spend like seven eight minutes with this introduction and talking about it and teasing it and here's the trailer and here's how it came to be and no no disrespect to the guy who presented it because you can tell he's passionate about it and this is a a big deal for him that he was able to make this come true but like 
nobody gives a shit about the uh, Far Cry anime Blood Dragon thing on Netflix. Like, you can just drop a trailer for this, announce it in passing, spend maybe 30 seconds on it, and move on to the next game. But no, instead we had to uh, make it a whole, like, full-fledged announcement as if it was a AAA game that we should all be prepared to drop 70 bucks on. So this this got, like, the whole red carpet and everything, and I just think that was... Huge waste of time, drags the show down. It's basically just padding out the whole thing, and it wasn't fun at all. So this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about where I'm just like, so far we got good games. Like, you've showed me some good games. I'm excited about what you're doing, Ubisoft, but wh- what are we doing with seven minutes of this this bullshit? No one cares. Uh, next up, they showed Division Resurgence. They gave it a fall 2023 release date. For those who need a reminder, Resurgence is the Division mobile game, the free-to-play mobile game that they have announced alongside Heartland, which is the Division free-to-play games as a service for consoles that will become an Xbox, PlayStation, PC, all that. So, unfortunately... Heartland, the free-to-play console game, was not at the show. But Resurgence, the mobile game, was at the show. So Resurgence looks fine. I just don't give a shit about a mobile game. Uh, so I'm not I'm not going to waste any time talking about it. I am a little curious as to why Heartland hasn't been shown. I wonder. I mean, clearly it's gotten delayed internally. But I wonder how bad it is that, you know, that they didn't even talk about it at all or mention it at the showcase because that's a game I'm actually pretty interested in. And I thought earlier in the year with how they were talking about it that they were going to be prepared to show it at this event. So I was a little surprised in that regard to just see that it, it, it you know, was nowhere to be found at the showcase. So a little unfortunate. Um, I, I'm really coming around to the division. You guys know I recently started playing the first division game and it's one of those like, man, I was sleeping on this game. This game's good kind of thing. So I was looking forward to Heartland. I thought it'd be a great jumping on point to kind of get a little further invested in the franchise. Whereas with the old games, I'm just kind of dabbling, but I guess I'll have to wait on that for now. Next up, (laughs) and this is, this is just an absolute meme of a game. Skull and Bones was there and a stupid, stupid game uh, was shown off for the hundred million time in the past 20 years. Uh, in the most stupid, stupid way, they had a band come out and play the fucking Yoho Pirate song, and uh, they were like, "Hey, we're having a closed beta for Skull and Bones uh, that takes place August 25th to August 28th." And it's just like, man, this game has been dated so many times and missed its release. I just love that this time that they showed it, they don't even have a release date. They're like, we know this game's never going to actually come out. It's just absolute vaporware, but we're contractually obligated to make it because of the. Uh, there's some contract that I think they have with like the Singapore government or something like that. But anyway, so the, the game is still in development. Uh, it's been delayed for the billionth time. And instead of trying to give us the next uh, release date for them to inevitably delay, they just gave us a closed beta date. So I don't care. I'm not talking about Skull and Bones. I'm, I've been ty- I've been exhausted by this game's existence since 2015 when they first announced it. And uh, it didn't look good then. It doesn't look good now. And I I know nobody's going to feel bad if we just skip right over it. So there's Skull and Bones. And that's kind of the lull of the show is the Master Chief Arbiter thing, the Netflix show, the Division mobile game, and Skull and Bones. Then we kind of steer right back. You know, we had a pretty strong opening. And now we're right back to pretty much a strong showing through the rest of the show, whether it's something I care about or not. Like, these are inarguably big games that they talk about from here on until the showcase ends. So next up is the crew motor fest. Now this game has been just leaked so many times. This would have been a pretty good moment for them. I feel like if it just weren't for the fact that everything has leaked so hard on this game recently, but yeah, the, the crew motor fest, it basically looks like they're making like a new crew game 
but they're also trying to make it a little bit more like Forza Horizon, and they're also trying to add more things, like different kinds of vehicles, different kinds of environments and settings and tracks and, you know, like off-roading and on-roading and snow and street racing and all this kind of crazy stuff, and so they're really trying to add like all the different spices and flavors and things you might want to do in a racing game into this one open-world racing game. Um, it, it just clearly seems like they took the, the crew, one and two, and said, let's try to inject a whole lot of... Uh, uh, of uh, uh, Forza Horizon into this into this franchise and you know what I think it's a good idea I think the game looks competent it looks solid the crew is not a game I'm going to be playing by any stretch of the imagination I just I, I don't have a, t- a lot of time for racing games and the racing games I do play I'm more than content with so I just can't see myself being like oh yeah let me give the crew a try when in all honesty I've been trying for like the past eight months to play that Need for Speed Unbound that came out last fall. So just realistically, I don't think this game's going to do it for me, but I do think it looks good. Um, I know people, there's like, the crew's weird because it's like one of those franchises no one ever talks about, but I know people who play it absolutely love it. And clearly it must do well enough that they're making yet another one of them, although it has been a while since the last crew game. But I'll be curious to see if this one really shakes up the formula and kind of injects some new life into it. I feel like it's not a terrible time to release a game like this either because... You know, at this point, when this game comes out, it'll have been roughly two years since Forza Horizon 5. Um, Forza Motorsport comes out this year, but it's not even remotely a game like this. It's a little more sim-like, where this is a little more arcade There's no big Need for Speed game coming out this year. So there aren't many racing games that this game is up against, except other than, like, I don't know, like Hot Wheels Unleashed 2. Uh, which, don't get me wrong, is a game I'm, I'd rather play, but <laughs> I think a lot more people would probably choose the crew. So I'm sure this game is going to be able to carve out something of an audience by, you know, just by sheer lack of competition in this more arcadey open world racing space right now. So yeah, that's the Crew Motorfest. Looks good. Uh, September 14th release date. There's a closed beta in July. Don't have much to say about it other than that. And then we get into. <sighs> The last three games, and boy, oh boy, the last one is just phenomenal, but let's go through these um, next two, which are undoubtedly huge games for Ubisoft, but uh, I can't feign interest because I don't care about Assassin's Creed. So first one, I thought they were going to talk about Assassin's Creed Mirage first, but no, they decided to show off Assassin's Creed uh, Jade, codenamed Jade. You guys remember um, that uh, they last year they announced uh Codename Jade, and I think I can't remember what the other one. It was like something red or something, where they were like, "Hey, we're teasing a couple of new Assassin's Creed games. One of them is a mobile game. One of them is that Assassin's Creed feudal Japan game that everyone's been asking us for for like two decades now." So they uh, finally kind of confirmed both of those last year, and then I guess to you know today they showed one of them. So Jade is the takes place in like ancient China. It's a mobile game, and the main reason I don't care about this aside from it being a mobile game, so I don't care, is that they're making the game or releasing the game in conjunction with Level Infinite, which is that disgusting Western bullshit name that Tencent uses to skirt from the fact that they're Tencent and they're an abhorrent company. So this is, uh, yeah, this is basically this is basically Ubisoft's Call of Duty Mobile, if you want to put it that way. Um, so it's Assassin's Creed in China for iPhone and Android, and it's, uh, yeah, it's. I don't, I don't give a shit about it. I have nothing to say about it. But undoubtedly, I think this game has potential to be absolutely huge. Um, it looks like Assassin's Creed. Like, when you're looking at the trailer, like, it's impressive how how much it just looks like it's going to be able to capture a lot of the magic and the, and the feel of Assassin's Creed, although we didn't see too much of it. But I, I don't care. <laughs> from, from that point on, it's like, I, I, I hate this game's existence. Um, fuck you, Tencent. And I don't care about mobile games. So, no doubt. Big game, don't care. 
but the, the they from there they immediately shoot into the other Assassin's Creed game, the the more notable Assassin's Creed game, which is the one coming out this fall, uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage, which has been dated for an October twelfth release date. Uh, so Assassin's Creed Mirage is the return to form kind of. We're back to the roots of the series. We've seen this a bunch this year, and now, you know, it's finally coming. Although I shouldn't say finally coming because I think they did a pretty good job of just announcing it last year and then showing it a bunch this past 12 months, and now it's out, you know, kind of thing. So I think the announcement to release lineup has been pretty good for them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Assassin's Creed Mirage, I think this is going to pull, like I said, I think this is going to be a really great jumping on point for a lot of people. And I think it's going to make a lot of nostalgic people who have maybe fallen off the Assassin's Creed franchise come back. So I think this is a really good opportunity for them to reset the stage, so to speak, for Assassin's Creed. At first, they had to get away from this formula because people were tired about it, tired from it. And then they went so far in this direction of like these massive open world games that were nothing like Assassin's Creed. Uh, and, and now they're going back kind of to their roots, even aesthetically. And I, I feel like this is just going to be a really big hit for them. So they showed Assassin's Creed Mirage again. We've seen it a million times. This game does absolutely nothing for me. I'm not an Assassin's Creed person, but I recognize it's a big deal. I recognize people are really going to love this. And it's out in just a couple months on October 12th sandwiched after Starfield before Spider-Man kind of in a good like a good slot there I feel like this is going to be a good time even though this this fall is busy and this year overall it's just been really really strong for gaming I feel like what we've seen in the past couple of days is the fall window even though it's going to be jam-packed with stuff to play I feel like the games are spaced out well enough that like you can kind of you can kind of manage you know it's like no, I'm not seeing a whole lot of like three big games releasing on the same date kind of deal here where it's like Assassin's Creed is, a, is like a week before Alan Wake a couple weeks out you know a month after Starfield and then like a couple weeks before Spider-Man so we've got a pretty good spacing here so I think it's going to be okay this fall but yeah I mean it's shaping up to be a really really strong fall season now Let's talk about the last game because the last game is by far the game I thought was just the absolute showstopper, best game in show, looked phenomenal. I cannot wait for this game. And that was uh, Star Wars Outlaws. So we got the announcement or the, I guess the reveal trailer. We knew that massive, the same people making Avatar Flight of, uh, or not Flight of Passage, but Frontiers of Pandora, same initials. Um, we know that they were also working on a Star Wars game, and this is it. You know, yesterday at Xbox's event, they teased it with a cinematic trailer and then said, hey, stay tuned till tomorrow. We'll, we'll show it off at the Ubisoft event. So when we went over the Xbox stuff, I kind of glossed over and said, we'll get back to this. Well, now is the we'll get back to it moment because at the Ubisoft event, they showed like a seven-minute gameplay trailer, um, and I, ah, ooh, this is a good game to go out on. I, uh, you, you guys know me. I like to I like to take the piss out of Star Wars fans a lot. Sometimes I think I do a little too much. Star Wars is one of those IP. I, I want to like Star Wars. There is some Star Wars that I genuinely like, and there have been times where I'm like, oh, this is good. Like, this movie in particular is good, or, like, this idea within Star Wars is good. But then there's so much shitty stuff around Star Wars that I hate that, like, it's just kind of like this 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 tug and pull constantly of just, like, I, I like Star Wars. No, I fucking hate it. It's so annoying and overdone and... Ah, this is a really cool idea. And I, I don't know. Star Wars Outlaws just it's it's scratching that part of my brain that's like, don't be a fucking hater, man. Like Star Wars, Star Wars can be cool. And this game, I think, just oozes that Star Wars can be cool kind of attitude. So Star Wars, uh, yeah, so Star Wars Outlaws is let, let me put it this way. If uh if Star Wars Jedi, the EA and Respawn made Star Wars games, if those are like Jedi Dark Souls games with lightsabers and shit, um, which doesn't do it for me, then Star Wars Outlaws looks like 
open world Grand Theft Auto fucking third person action Han Solo simulator. And I absolutely love what we saw here. Um, you play as this, I, I already don't know any of the characters' names, uh, or her, here's the article. Her name is Kay Vess, uh, very Star Wars sounding name. Uh, and you play as her and she's got her little cute animal companion dog type creature that follows her around. And it's basically, it, it has a lot of that Star Wars Jedi kind of vibe where it's like, you know, like the, the the young dude and his little robot buddy and they, they run around and they do the Jedi thing. And this is kind of the exact same thing, but instead of a Jedi, you're like a fucking gun slinging outlaw. So instead of being like a, a hackney Han, uh, Luke Skywalker, you're like a hackney Han Solo, which I think is way cooler anyway. Characters like Han Solo do it for me way more than characters like Obi-Wan or, or Anakin or, or or not Anakin, but uh, Luke Skywalker and stuff. So I, I'm way more into like the kind of smuggling, like fucking CD underbelly guns and shit uh, part of Star Wars a lot more than like the I am a, a spiritual religious person with a fucking light stick and I will I will I will meditate all day and then slice y'all in half slice you slice your goddamn guts in half so I don't even know what I'm saying I just I really like what we saw here uh, it, it 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 oozes of like a little bit like the original Star Wars trilogy with a little bit of that Han Solo movie that came out in 2017 that was like actually kind of pretty damn good but for some reason everybody hated on it for no freaking reason and it has a little bit of that. It has a little bit of that Star Wars Jedi thing um, with like the super high polished AAA game look. And then it's got like slight teeny itty bitty little nods to the prequels, which I always like because I kind of hate when Disney and Lucasfilm try to pretend that like the prequel movies didn't happen, but they won't erase them from canon at the same time. So I feel like you got to embrace them. And this game kind of has a little bit of that kind of like that um, Obi-Wan Kenobi show had where it's like a little bit of that first three episodes, a little bit of that later three episodes, kind of that in between aesthetic which I, I really dig but more important than any of that let's just talk about what we actually saw with the game here so we got some fucking third person cover based shooting and things like that some like like platforming puzzle solving type stuff very third person action cinematic kind of feel he throws a grapple hook she fucking swings out of a building while she's getting shot at jumps on a little land speeder motorcycle bike thing and zips off into an open world out of this little uh crater whatever fucking um warehouse thing that she's fighting in and then she's just like fleeing these guys shooting her on her fucking land speeder bike and then she makes into this other town and then like someone recognizes her and she gets caught and then it turns into grand theft auto and it's like boom she's wanted like get get the fuck out of dodge and so then you make a run for it and you get to your ship and then you fly your ship off the fucking planet into outer space and now all of a sudden it's just like okay that open world we abandoned it now it's like and now it's like starfield we're just in in space dog fighting other ships and then we can just go find a new planet and land on that and i gotta say man this is this is the most excited i've been for a star wars game since i shit you not 2008 Star Wars The Force Unleashed. This is this it's just it's just one of those things where I'm like, I feel like they're kind of leaning into the video gaminess of it a little bit. It does have that modern gaming kind of triple A hyper polished, a little bit of a cinematic feel, kind of like games like Star Wars Jedi, or like they tried to do with like Star Wars Battlefront 2 in 2017. But at the same time, it's also like I get the feeling that it's not afraid to be a little bit more of a video game and be like, it's open world. You can jump in your ship and fly onto space and hyperspeed over to this system and and go over to this planet and oh, cause trouble and shit. Now there's a warrant for you, so you gotta you gotta get out of here and go do something else. And 
I don't know, like dicking around like that in the Star Wars universe. I feel like we've never got to do something like that. And the fact that they kind of nailed the aesthetic that I that I like, where it's not it's not that fucking annoying sequel trilogy thing where they try to pretend that the first three movies never happened, but it's also not like that annoying prequel thing where they just have this entirely different aesthetic that doesn't make any sense relative to the other movies. They kind of try to blend all the best aspects of all the movies and come up with something that looks and feels kind of authentically Star Wars while also being kind of fun and unique and I don't know, man. I just, I'm really hyped for this game. I think it just looks really, really cool. Main character, she seems completely serviceable. The little animal figure, maybe he'll be cute and charming in some way and you'll get attached to him at, throughout the game. I don't know. I don't care. Uh, I'm just more more than happy to jump into this game because what we're seeing here, I think, is, is a Star Wars that, honestly, I'm surprised we haven't seen more attempts at. And maybe I'm showing my ignorance. Maybe there are Star Wars games that really have pushed to be just this. Obviously, I know I've never played like The Old Republic or Knights of the Old Republic or these games. So I lack that kind of like more nerdy Star Wars RPG Obsidian style game. But I know that's that's definitely not even close to what this is. Um, and yeah, I mean, I played I played Jedi. I played a couple like random N64 games and like the licensed movie games from like the PS2 Xbox era. So like I've played I've played a bunch of Star Wars games. I feel like I have a little bit of a of a taste of Star Wars games over the decades. But I don't know. I feel like there's never been anything really like this. And this just this is this just kind of seems you know we talked about the, the the Avatar thing. Like yeah, the Far Cry formula just makes sense for Star Wars. Or like. Yeah, you know, like the open world web swinging crime fighting thing just really makes sense for Spider-Man. This this is what I feel like Star Wars should be, where it's like, I don't know, it's like it, it kind of addresses the problem I have with the movies, where I feel like the, the movies always start out with the same goddamn stupid line a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, which kind of like immediately sets your brain off with this idea of like, oh, it's a big sprawling galaxy where anything can happen and it's so disconnected from time and space that we're familiar with that Anyone could be involved. Anything could happen. It, you know, could go any number of which ways. And then Star Wars always devolves and just kind of ends up playing the stupidest child game of being like, all right, there's like five characters. They're all related. It's very incestuous. And everything takes place on like the same two planets. Fuck you. And this game kind of feels like it's like the gameplay version of like punching that idea in the face and being like, no, no, no. We're not going to just stay stuck on fucking Tatooine or whatever fucking planet it is that everyone's nostalgic for. We're going to let you go to all these random goddamn planets. We're going to let you jump in a spaceship. We're going to let you go do whatever you want, however, which way you want to do it. And you're going to be able to interact with a bunch of characters and build a name for yourself and shoot at things and steal things and be just a, a general scumbag. And I'm, to me, I'm like, yeah, I feel like that's kind of what Star Wars should be like, right? Like, I don't I don't know. I don't really like the religious kind of like high and mighty aspect of Star Wars. I find that that's the boring stuff. You know, I don't want to like run around in robes and, and pledge my allegiance to the force. You know, I, I want to like take a fucking gun and shoot some ugly motherfucking alien in the face and then run away and get away with it, you know? So I don't know. I think Star Wars Outlaws looks like a really freaking cool game. It's one of those rare moments where like, oh yeah, I kind of like Star Wars sometimes, asterisk, 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 you know? So I'm... I'm really looking forward to it. God damn it, Disney. You got me with your fucking games. I want to play your Avatar game. I want to play your Star Wars game. Ubisoft, you did this to me. Fuck you. I hate you. But yeah, I mean, I guess I guess to wrap it up, that's kind of the tale of of all these <laughs> summer showcases is we've got a lot of open world games to look forward to. And I'm I'm a little stressed out, man, because I'm just trying to find some free time to play a match or two of Call of Duty. And I've got like Star Wars is open world, Avatar is open world. We got Starfield, and that's going to take up like a hundred thousand hours of my life. And you know, Avowed's coming next year, and Fable's going to be open world. Okay, let's 
we got a lot of really good games coming out. So Star Wars Outlaws right 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 now is um is just kind of penciled in for a 2024 release. I think they'll probably shoot for a fall, maybe really late kind of 2024. Whatever, that's absolutely fine. Uh, seems very fitting. And it seems like a really, really big win for for Ubisoft. You're gonna have your big Avatar game this fall, and then next fall you can have your big Star Wars game, both big open world games. Honestly, as much as I love Far Cry, I feel like Far Cry needs to be put on ice for a hot minute. And I think having this one-two punch of Avatar and then Star Wars is a great opportunity for them to kind of have a breath of fresh air and kind of a, a little break from Far Cry while still offering that Ubisoft open world thing. My only my only hope is, you know, circling back to that Ubisoft open world thing. What we saw here, Star Wars Outlaws, looks kind of like a, like an EA game. It looks kind of like a respawn or game or like an EA motive game with a little bit of Ubisoft. It looks like kind of like a blend of a couple different teams that we don't normally associate. And I'm not getting a whole lot of like that traditional like Avatar gives me the Ubisoft formula feel in a good way, but I get it. You know, you absolutely take out outposts. Uh, you explore a very Far Cry looking map, you know, in terms of like its layout and its function and everything. And Avatar seems like it's unapologetically just Far Cry 7, but it looks like Avatar, which is great and fine. And I'm excited for it. But Star Wars Outlaws doesn't give me a, a, a Far Cry or a Assassin's Creed open world or a um, uh, what's it called? Re not Rainbow Six, but uh, Ghost Recon open world kind of feel. It doesn't. It doesn't give me any of that kind of feeling whatsoever. It actually feels like it, it looks like. It, I've, honestly, this really looks like an EA game, which is the surprising thing. I feel like Bioware made this game in conjunction with like Respawn in in EA Motive but it accidentally has the Ubisoft logo on it. So honestly, we got to give massive props to Massive because, you know, no pun intended, because they, they you know, as I'm recently learning and finding out through my personal experience, they killed it with The Division. Division's a really cool game. And now they've got this Avatar game and then this Star Wars game that also look really excellent. And I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm kind of shocked. I feel like this is a developer that, Maybe maybe we've been sleeping on or maybe I've just been sleeping on and never really noticed like these guys got some serious chops and they're they're delivering some seriously good looking games. They've definitely delivered some good games and it looks like they're about to deliver a couple of really, really great new games. And just honestly, Ubisoft is in a really good place right now based on this showcase. And um, no doubt that massive this developer plays a huge role in why I think they're in such a good spot because, yeah, don't get me wrong. Assassin's Creed super important, even though I don't care about it. There's no denying it's a big game for them, and that Mirage looks like it could be a pretty big hit for them. Uh, Skull and Bones, fuck that. The Crew, it could be a pretty decent hit for them. Um, you know, Prince of Persia, it's nice to see them bring that back. I think X Define is awesome. I'm excited for it. I think it's great that's coming. That's finally coming out, and I think that could be an unexpected hit for them. But it's really these like open world games coming from Massive. I'm just like, damn, dude, like. And I know I'm always ragging on Ubisoft for the open world kind of formulaic shit, but this these games look really good. And it's kind of hypocritical, right? Because I'm always ragging in general. And like, don't give up original IP to make a fucking Star Wars game or whatever, because then you get stuck being the Star Wars developer and you never make an original IP or anything again. But I don't know. I feel like in this instance, Ubisoft is kind of saving their ass and saving their reputation a little bit by taking some IP and doing some really cool shit with it. And so I don't know. I'm, I'm very hyped overall on where Ubisoft is. I feel like the recurring theme for Ubisoft on this podcast over the past year has been, looks like they're in trouble. looks like they're in trouble. They got to turn the ship around. And I think between Avatar, X Defiant, Prince of Persia, 
Assassin's Creed and Star Wars Outlaws, I think they uh, are in a pretty good position to have an excellent next, you know, 12 to 15 months of of great games. If, you know, should everything go according to plan, that is, it's gaming after all, everything could get delayed or come out broken or be fucked because that happens all the time. But yeah, man, I just, I feel like yesterday, Xbox definitely gave me the shot in the arm I needed to feel a lot more confident and excited for Xbox in that in that brand's future. And I feel like today Ubisoft did the exact same thing with their brand where, you know, this showcase presentation, still a little cringy, longer than it needed to be, lingering on things that we don't need to be talking about and, and stupid shit like that. But the games, the stub, the substance, the reason why we're here, some good shit. There's a diverse array of games Everything's coming out in the next 12 months or so. And that's considering the fact that there are games that we we know that they're working on that we don't have here. We know there's some form of a Splinter Cell remake in the works. We know that there are other Assassin's Creed games in the pipeline. We know that, um, you know, there's no doubt going to be more fucking Ghost Recon this and uh, Division that and all these things. Division Heartlands wasn't here. So we know there's other good stuff to look forward to from Ubisoft. And even without those games present, we still had an excellent showcase. So shout out to Ubisoft. I'm happy for them. I want to see these guys succeed. I want to see these guys win. I, I, I'm always rooting for this uh, this kind of underdog among, if you could even, they're definitely not an underdog. They're a huge publisher. But of the big publishers, the big you know third-party publishers like EA and Activision and all that, Ubisoft's always been kind of the, the underdog, so to speak, the one you kind of want to root for. They're European, so they're a little bit frail. You know, they probably couldn't hold up in a fight against Bobby Kotick. Uh, so you, you know you got to give them a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a little a little sympathy, maybe maybe pity them a little bit, and, and I do. And so I'm happy to see Ubisoft is uh, turning things around and super excited about some of these games. So that was the Ubisoft showcase. Next, let's wrap up real quick. I think we can knock this out in five fucking minutes. The Capcom showcase. I shouldn't have waited for this. A part of me knew in the back of my head this is going to be a waste of time. Capcom showcase is going to be a waste of time. Don't fucking watch this. And I waited and I watched it anyway. And I'm I feel like a dumb idiot because. Yeah, this, this showcase was stupid and boring. But let's talk about it real quick. Let's just touch on it. I left out a couple things um, because, I mean, either they weren't relevant to Xbox or because I just yawn. Uh, but I try, I try to be pretty comprehensive and really leave in everything that's crucial to it. But let's just go through this real quick. So Capcom starts off by saying, hey, this month is our 40th anniversary. Buy us a cake cool, whatever. And then they show Kiritsugami Path of the Goddess. Now, this is the game that they just revealed the other day at the Xbox showcase, and now they're showing it again with a little more detail. They're like, hey, we're making it in the RE engine, which is the Resident Evil engine, which we know that they've been basically making all their games in the Resident Evil engine going forward. And it's a pretty it's a pretty good engine. They've been able to get some really impressive stuff, like some Monster Hunter games running on Nintendo Switch and looking fabulous while doing it, all on this beautiful Resident Evil engine that generally makes great Resident Evil games. So, pretty, pretty strong and interesting uh, tech they've got here and so they announced hey we're using that engine to build this new game it's a strategy action game set in a traditional japanese setting is what they said uh obviously the game doesn't really look too traditionally japanese because there are monsters and darkness and all this crazy crap jumping out of the ground and fighting so uh can't, can't be that traditional but anyway uh, I, I still say, you know, stand by what I said yesterday. The game looks intriguing. It's a day one Game Pass game. Um, so, sure, I'll give it a try. Uh, I don't, it's not, it's nothing that's like lighting my world on fire. And I thought that maybe getting a second look at it might, might change my mind a little bit, but I'm not really all that sold on it. Um, I'd kind of rather just get another like uh, Devil May Cry or something like that. But it, the game does look good, uh, no doubt. And I just don't have much to say about it. Although I kind of wish we were getting a Devil May Cry game instead. Um, next up, they showed Street Fighter VI. 
uh, yes, the Street Fighter 6 that came out like 10 days ago. And they're like, hey, the game's already out, uh, but here's the battle pass that you can spend money on. And I said, skip, yawn, don't care. And then next they showed probably the thing I was most interested in throughout the whole showcase, which is Pragmata. Uh, but unfortunately we didn't see it for the right reasons because what they showed was a new trailer where like the guys like, and I'll go back and explain what this is again, but the guys like it is cool exosuit fighting all these bad guys. And this little girl is in the middle of this room, like drawing on a piece of paper. And then he like kills all the bad guys and goes, you ready to go? And she goes, not yet. And then like she drops a piece of paper and it says 2022 and then it scratches out and then it says 2023 and then it scratches out and says, I'm sorry. And then I'm like, what the fuck? And then it's like a, one of those fucking Twitter messages that that video game publishers and developers always post where it's like, we're so sorry, but we had to delay this game. Or we're so sorry we released a broken piece of shit to you. Or we're so sorry that we said the N-word seven times in the last Call of Duty. Whatever the fuck it is, you know you know what I'm talking about? Where it's always these, these apology fucking wall, wall, like brick wall text, two paragraph tweets that these publishers and developers posts but instead of doing it in a tweet they injected it into a fucking video they made a video game trailer of these apology notes and that's so funny but like not in a not in a good funny way but i don't know i'm like <laughs> okay you're, de you're delaying the game again whatever that's a fun way to show a delay although I, I don't know if you should put that much money and effort into a delay uh by making a beautiful cgi trailer for it but they did and for those who need a refresher Pragmata, and I completely forgot about this game until they, they announced that they're delaying it again, but this game actually does look pretty cool. For reference, or for remembrance, this is um, this game was announced in 2020 during one of the Summer Game Fest type whatever events that summer of COVID where everything just kind of bled together because it was just a hodgepodge of digital E3-esque events. But um, yeah, this game was announced during that summer in 2020, and the trailer we saw then was like is still the same like exoprimal looking dude with the gun and he has like the little blonde girl who's like we i'm a stupid kid hold me and uh they're like in this city and then all like, these monsters and bad guys and shit are blowing up and popping out everywhere and he's fighting them and it looks kind of fucking awesome i'm not gonna lie it looks pretty cool um uh, it looks like death stranding paired with the last of us kind of uh, but with like exosuits <laughs> and it's Japanese. It's ridiculous. It makes no sense, but it is pretty fun looking. And I do. I, I now that I remember this game, I've been reminded of it through their announcement of a, yet another delay. Uh, I, I will be looking forward to this game in the future once we finally see it. I don't mind that it got delayed. I just think it's funny as hell that they made a whole CGI trailer just to announce that's been delayed again. But yeah, so they wanted to remind us, hey, Pragmata still exists. It's coming. It's just gotten pushed back again. So maybe we'll see something about it next year. So that's uh, the third year since it's been announced and the second time it's been uh, delayed because originally it was supposed to come out in 2022. But you can understand COVID delays and shit like that. So here we are. Uh, next game they showed was the Ace Attorney Apollo Justice Trilogy. It is a trilogy that comes with Ace Attorney's games 4, 5, and 6. And this bundle will come out in early 2024. Uh, I know people love Ace Attorney. Back when I was like a lot more invested in Nintendo, I know Ace Attorney was a pretty popular franchise for that community. But I just got to be honest, I don't have the patience. Or let's be frank, I don't have the reading level to play Ace Attorney. So I don't care. Uh, it is coming to Xbox. So between this and I think the last time they did a bundle... This is like the first time these games have been available for Xbox, so that is notable in that regard. But yeah, if you've been looking to get into this Nintendo DS, 3DS franchise for a long ass time, well then, hey, Ace, Ace Attorney is coming to Xbox in early 2024. 
Next up, they announced what they call Capcom Town, which isn't a game, but it's a like it's an online. I think it's in a web browser, but it's an online what they call digital theme park or museum that celebrates the 40, 40th anniversary of the company. Since this month is their 40th anniversary, and so you can go online, and you can go to this little Capcom Town and like see museum exhibits and play little old games and see art and kind of get a fun little social experience. Whatever, it's I don't know why we're talking about this. I think it's cute that they did that, but again, I'm wasting my time trying to go through this stuff. <laughs> Next, they announced more bad news. I, I love how like they're mostly just announcing bad news. Uh, and then <laughs> they take a moment to say, hey, introducing Capcom ID. It's a new um, user account system where you make your own unique Capcom account. And we are forcing it on players going forward. And if you want to play our games online, like Resident Evil RE Reverse or Reverse or whatever the game's called, or Exoprimal, which comes to Game Pass next month, or the recently released Street Fighter VI, we will be retroactively forcing you to make an account and use that to sign in in order to play our games going forward. More information about the service soon. Uh, it's coming soon. It's going to be required. And that's Capcom ID. So, they, yes, their E3-type showcase event. They took that time to say, hey, we're announcing a mandatory account program. So, yeah, you know how people love that so much with Bethesda and and Activision and Blizzard and who else does these? Um, I think EA and Ubisoft used to do them, but now you can opt out of them. Uh, yeah, this is this is not fun. Nobody loves this. This is not a great idea, but here it is. But, uh, yeah, so they did that. And then they talked about Exoprimal again. We've seen this game many, many times before now at this point, um, but this is a day one Game Pass game, so it has a lot of relevancy on Xbox. It comes out in just a month now, July 14th, uh, Exoprimal, this is the run around the city as like kind of a mech warrior type, like Gundam looking motherfucker, and fight dinosaurs that are falling from the sky because they're being teleported from space and time. Um I love this idea. I think it's a really cool idea for a game, uh, but the trailers up till now haven't really done it for me. I will say they showed a story trailer and some more gameplay that we hadn't seen before, and it definitely did do a good job of kind of turning me around a little bit on this game. I was going to give it a go anyway because Game Pass, uh, and um, they are doing a second beta, like an open beta, on June 16th through 18th, so like in a couple days here, this weekend I think. But um, yeah, I was I was not really feeling this game at all. But seeing this trailer, I'm like, ah, I'm actually a little more interested in it. I, they're trying to make it like a live service thing with season passes and play with your friends and go back and do the missions again and loot grind and stuff. They're trying to go for that, but I'm definitely not going to engage with this game in that capacity. My plan is to just download it, and maybe have some like you know six hours of dumb fun for a weekend or something like that. But it looks like it could be a pretty good time. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not that that combat loop feels like addicting and satisfying. So I'm curious. I'm cautiously optimistic about Exoprimal. I actually just watched that. Finally, I've been trying to watch this movie for months. That um, that movie that came out earlier this year with Adam Driver, um, 65, where it's like uh, he gets stranded on that planet and fights dinosaurs, which side note, fucking awesome movie, by the way. I don't know why nobody talked about or watched that movie. It freaking rocks. But anyway, uh, I finally watched that movie and this is kind of giving me those vibes a little bit where it's just like this ridiculous this like futuristic guns and cybernetic shit fighting dinosaurs and i just love it it's ridiculous it's over the top um and uh yeah it, it seems a little a little bit more like horde shooting where it's like a lot of dinosaurs all at once so they they're probably like lower health easier enemies and they just kind of mow down hordes of dinosaurs whereas you kind of would expect it's fewer dinosaurs but they're more like intimidating and hard to fight and things like that so 
I don't know. I guess I'm happy. It's a little more like a Musou and a little less like a like a fucking uh, monster hunter in that regard. But it, again, this game is just it's ridiculous. It's out there. I don't know what really to make of it. But it comes out in just a month, and it's a day one Game Pass title. So. I think it's probably something that a lot of Xbox fans might want to check out, especially because July is going to be a little bit of a lull as we as we wait for sweet time to pass us by as we uh, slowly, slowly, slowly approach September 6th when Starfield comes out because God knows that's what we're really here for. But uh, yeah, Exoprimal showed it again. Looks better than the last time I saw it and open beta this weekend, so maybe something worth t- checking out. And then the final game they showed of the showcase before they rounded it out was, uh, or before they ended it, was uh, Dragon's Dogma 2. So again, this is a game that was recently shown and announced. I think they, wh- where was this announced? Was this announced at the PlayStation event? I think so, right? Or was it something before the PlayStation event? I don't remember. I think it was the PlayStation event where they announced this, but Dragon's Dogma 2, I know people love the first one. It came out about a decade ago. I have no experience with this franchise. I have no interest in this franchise. It basically reads to me like a Japanese developer trying to make a more Western style RPG. Kind of like what if uh, what if the Japanese made Dragon Age? Is kind of how I read Dragon's Dogma, which I don't have anything against that idea. I think that's actually kind of cool uh, to see like an Eastern take on a Western RPG. But yeah, just this game, just I don't know what it is. It's aesthetically, it's it's the gameplay demo um, footage we've seen, but nothing about this game matters to me at all. And then when I look at like the fact that we're getting Avowed and Starfield and all these other games, open world RPGs that I'm far more interested in with no effort whatsoever, I'm just like Dragon's Dogma. Again, glad that people who loved the first game and always wanted a sequel are getting that. Happy for you. That's great news. Uh, but for me personally, I don't care. Um, but here it is. It's happening. I think it's supposed to. I don't think they put a date on it, but I think it's supposed to come out in 2024, if I'm not mistaken. So that's Dragon's Dogma 2. And that is the Capcom showcase. Like like I said, a uh, whole lot less to say about Capcom than there was to say about Ubisoft and a whole lot less uh, to say about either of those than there was to say about Summer Game Fest or the Xbox showcase. But isn't that always how it goes? Uh, overall, man, as, as we start to approach the the three and the three hour and forty five minute mark of this podcast before I edit it, uh, I, I just gotta say, man, like what a what a great past couple of days it's been, like week or less than a week or whatever it's been. That PlayStation event generally PlayStation knocks out of the park. I'm not used to PlayStation missing because their events, even if they don't show the games that are particularly aimed at me or something that gets me going, are usually so good that you can't deny that they did a great job. Uh, this was the first time in a pretty long time I've ever I, I watched a PlayStation event and said, "Yeah, that was that was a little bit weak." I, I thought it was I thought it was overall pretty good. I think they had like a decent variety, but there was only one game in that entire PlayStation showcase that made me go, "Oof, I wish we had this on Xbox." And of course, it's you know Spider Man. So you know what else? Uh, but other than that, like I, I just felt like that was kind of a, a little bit of like a slow start. And then Summer Game Fest, I feel like kind of caught me off guard. It was way better than I thought it would be. And then the Xbox Showcase, what, dude? I got I gotta be honest. That Xbox Showcase, the more I sit with it, the more I'm like, that was a great showcase. Don't get me wrong, I still have my criticisms of it, but um, that was a great showcase. I, I feel very very satisfied with what I saw and what we're getting over the next twelve months and such on Xbox. And I just feel like. You know, I, I keep hearing people say Xbox is trying to work towards having that four four big first-party games a year, you know, one every quarter. They're kind of already there when you think about it. This year they've had Hi-Fi Rush in the beginning of the year, and then towards the spring they had both um, Minecraft Legends and Ghost, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo finally on Xbox. And then they had 
you know, their kind of spring-summer game was Redfall, and then their kind of late-summer-early-fall game is going to be uh, Starfield. So I, I know some of those games people aren't so hot on, especially Redfall, but Minecraft Legends, pretty cool game. Starfield looks so, so good. Uh, Hi-Fi Rush, a really excellent game. And, you know, next year it looks like we're kind of in a position to have a really great lineup again where, you know, we got, we've got Avowed, we've got Hellblade, we've got... We've got Towerborn, we, and then all these other games that we saw new looks at, or we got trailers for, and all these teases for things to look forward to and in, 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 in kind of speculate about going into the future, like Phil Spencer's Hexen t-shirt. So, I don't know. I just I feel really strong about where Xbox is at right now, and I feel I just feel really good about it. I feel like next year, with, with Starfield out and done with, I feel like we have the ability next year to maybe really see Perfect Dark, maybe finally see that Indiana Jones game, maybe figure out if Contraband's still a thing or not, and then get some, like, more concrete information on games like South of Midnight and Fable, and I just, I don't know, I feel like there's a clear roadmap ahead of me for, like, what I can expect to play on Xbox, and between, you know, Xbox's showcase and then what Ubisoft had to show, which really got me hyped, and then some of these games at the Summer Showcase, Summer Game Fest, uh, I mean, there's just there's just so much good gaming coming out. I know people have been saying for a while 2023 is a is a banger year for gaming. And no doubt it it has been so far. It just it really hasn't been for me yet, but I know it is overall. I still got to get to Resident Evil 4, but like Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, like that's not really my thing and and Street Fighter that's not really my thing and Diablo that's not really my thing, although I recognize all those games are really big and important and great. It's just not really my thing. So like I'm waiting for, you know, I got I got Redfall. It was a little bit of a disappointment, but it was. I still think it was pretty solid. Uh, but like now, I'm like looking towards the fall. I'm like, okay, Alan Wake two, fucking Starfield. I I I got I got to be honest. I don't know. You know, it's been a day since I recorded the first half, so I don't really know what I said yesterday. But if if I didn't make this clear, let me reiterate. Uh, that showcase made me go from. Yeah, of course I'll give Starfall or Starfield a try. It's you know it's the new it's the new Xbox first party game. It's Bethesda's new game. It's, I'll give it a try. It's on Game Pass. Why wouldn't I? I like Skyrim. I like Fallout. Of course I'm going to play it. You know, I went from like of course I'll give it a try to I'm like super stoked on this game. I think like over over the past 24 hours, Starfield has gone from like a game I'll definitely try, but not I'm not dying to play to like. Step aside, Alan Wake. Step aside, Redfall. Step aside, all these other games. Like, fucking Starfield is shot up. It's my number one game I'm excited to play. Um, half because I don't have a PS5 and I can't play Spider-Man. And half because Starfield just looks like the best game of the year. And But, uh, we side note, we do all know Starfield, at, at most, could only be the second best game of the year. Because we are getting a new Sonic game this, this fall. So, Sonic Superstars is probably going to be the number one. But, with all that said, I, mean, I guess we should probably start rounding out with some comments so i uh, i asked you guys to, to write in with some comments what you thought of the xbox showcase and so i'm just going to go through and read your comments and we can go through those real quick uh, and then i think we'll round out the show and then there's a bunch of news that's happened since like for example phil spencer's got some really good quotes we got an ftc injunction filing for this activision deal um some some new quotes from todd howard and things like that and just some really interesting stuff to go through redfall is getting a big update but we'll have to go through that on next week's episode. Uh, this week's episode, we're just going to keep it purely locked to the showcase. So let me read these comments, and then we'll save the rest of everything else for the for, for next week. We're just going to keep these comments strictly locked into the showcase talk, and then we'll uh, read the other comments for next week, and we'll do more and more for next week. So getting straight into it, you guys. Um, 
our first comment regarding the prediction, the sorry, not the predictions. Our first comment regarding the showcase comes from Clanky, uh, Clanky One. I almost said Clanky Seventy One for some reason, um, but yeah, he says, "What a great showcase! I loved the format, the presentation, and just how game trailer focused all the content was." There was instances throughout the show where I was thinking to myself, yeah, they're probably going to break and do a, some PR talk, but they never really came. Games looked really good, and now I'm sold on Starfield. Uh, bought the Constellation Edition and the controller immediately afterwards. I'm sure fans will be disappointed, Halo's Gears specifically, but I'm, uh, but I think that the disappointment isn't really warranted. We knew that Star, uh, we knew that started going full steam ahead on Gear 6 following the cancellation of some smaller scale games, and Halo only has Season 4 coming out. Xbox showed almost one hour straight of new games, and I think it was plenty. I would give this showcase a 9 out of 10, but now that we know that the road, what the roadmap is, Xbox needs to deliver quality content to keep positive momentum going into the end of the year and into 2024. Clanky, I think this is a really great kind of read on what all we saw and kind of where we were at. I, I, I actually will echo and agree with much of what you said here. Um, some really great thoughts and, and, and feedback, I think. A absolutely. The, the pacing and the style of the showcase they did, just phenomenal. They knocked it out of the park. It's just so, so good. Um, they didn't they didn't spend too much time talking about, you know, on Xbox, we really want backwards compatible to allow old players to play with new players, which is why we built the Xbox living room where we can put players in the center of it all and you can stream, whatever. I don't want to hear that shit. I just, just show me a fucking game. They didn't do that. And then, yeah, they, they showed tons of great games. And I think they made, I'm not the only one, apparently. It seems like you're in the same boat as me, where they took a lot of people from, like, yeah, Starfield, it's, of course, yeah, sure. And they took us from that to, like, fucking Starfield, man. This game looks amazing. And and I, I, people are just so hyped for this game now. And it's really cool to see this game that looks like it has the potential to be that next kind of water cooler game. And it's an Xbox exclusive. It's an Xbox first-party game. And so it looks like, for the first time, God, for the first time since... Maybe the Xbox 360 generation. I don't say that lightly. I'm not trying to exaggerate. I mean it earnestly. Like, I think for the first time since the Xbox 360 generation, since like Gears of War 2 or Halo 3 or some shit like that, like we're going that far back. Xbox has a game on their hands where I think it might make the world stop what the fuck they're doing and pay attention to that thing that's available only on Xbox. You know, I mean, you, you know, Mass Effect 1. Bioshock for a long time before I went multi-platform, the Gears trilogy, Halo, Halo Three and Reach and ODST. You know, you think about like these Xbox 360 games that just absolutely showstoppers, industry-defining games, games that made you look like a stupid bitch if you bought a PS3, like that kind of thing. And I love the Xbox One generation. You guys know me. You you know, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, let me just make it clear. I make it a point like every other week to go on and on about how I love Xbox One. I love Halo 5. I love Sunset Overdrive. I love Quantum Break. I love Gears 5. But I understand that. I, I had to be able to separate my opinions from like where we are, where, where audiences and kind of the industry are in relation to everything. And I understand that the Xbox One generation, while it served me well, did not necessarily meet the expectations of general audiences and of the hardcore fans. I understand that it's been a minute since Xbox has kind of been like the, uh, hey, everybody, look at what I'm doing kind of team. And Halo Infinite looked like it had the opportunity to do that and kind of did do it for like a hot second, and then they fucked it up. And Starfield looks like it might just be that game. No, no, no exceptions. It's going to create a Skyrim moment or maybe an Elden Ring moment or something of that nature. And I'm just really, really excited for Xbox to potentially have that opportunity again. And that's just... 
I, that's so exciting. And then beyond that, because more importantly, what should matter on an individual basis is just whether or not you're having great games to play and you're enjoying yourself. And I think Starfield is a game I'm going to lose myself to. Like, I just, I don't know why, like they didn't say anything yesterday that we didn't kind of already have some concept of in terms of like what the game offered in a general sense, but just kind of seeing them go through and exemplify all the ins and outs of the game. Generally, I don't like deep dives this, this extensive, but like, fuck man, those 45 minutes really, really sold me on this game. I just, I can't wait to create I, I love I love the example they had where like you create your character and then like you can give them a little bit of a background and like the guy was like a chef and they're like you know like what kind of like CD back shit did you do to kind of get that title and then like people interact with you differently based on that and then like there's this one scene where it's like one of the attributes he picked was uh, gave him like this association with a specific religious group and so like he was out in space flying to a different planet and then like this this group of like other ships or bandits or whatever the fuck they were wouldn't fuck with the guy because they're like, Oh, you're affiliated with this religious group. And that's the same religious group that we're aligned with. And so you're like a, you know, you're, you're friendly and they, they don't fuck with you. And like, I, I'm just seeing that shit. I'm like, that's so cool. But the stuff that's like super cool to me is the bleeding and blending of all the different sci-fi aspects. They call it like lo-fi sci-fi where they're like, it's like, um, it's like retro sci-fi, but with really futuristic tech. So it feels kind of grounded, but it's still sci-fi. But then you see them traveling to other planets. And it's like, well, depending on where you go in this game, it's not just this like retro sci-fi 1960s Fallout bullshit. Because it can also look like slick cyberpunk kind of like cyberpunk the genre, not cyberpunk the game kind of sci-fi. And then some places they go, it looks like slick, clean, like like uh like like star destroyers like sci-fi. And then some places they go, it looks like Destiny and stuff. Like so, I just I love that. Not only is it the the game just an absolute love letter to sci-fi, but it's also just encompassing so many types of sci-fi. So you get your fix and your aesthetic and your preference regardless of where you fall on the on the the spectrum of sci-fi nerdiness. I just I don't know. There's so much about this game. I'm like, the gunplay looks so good. I can't believe it looks like Bethesda somehow is pulling off a competent first-person shooter. Like just watching him do like the jetpack and throw sticky grenades and then jump behind a guy and pop him in the back with a shotgun. And in my head, all I can think of is like 2008 E three when Todd Howard is like introducing the VAT system for Fallout 3. This is basically because first person shooting is a actual chore in our video games and so we had to come up with a, a way to slow down time in order to make shooting even bearable in this game. Like I'm comparing that to this and I'm like oh my god they've come a, a long long ass way and I, I don't know man, it looks like destiny like the combat looks like destiny and then the ship building and the space dog fighting and just all that shit like I'm so excited for it. I want to build a crew and just go to different planets and do crazy shit and then you know play a main quest line but also be able to just go find some really enriching side content that doesn't feel like side content it just feels like I'm getting lost in a random adventure for the day and I normally that stuff's a huge turnoff for me but because a couple years ago I played Sky room for the first time and fell in love with that game i'm aware of that special sauce that bethesda game studios has where they can they can do that thing like I, i'm a very checkbox person i like to just beeline a story and kind of do the things i need to do in order to make the specific progress i don't want to dick around i don't want to start a family and get married and build a house and and do a life sim kind of thing i just want to play the main missions and get to the end of the game but my experience with skyrim and, and what i can see my experience with this game being is like I, I just want to get lost. Yes, I want to play the main story content, but I want to be able to just like sit down one day with the expectation that I'm going to make progress in the main story, but actually just go down a rabbit hole and fuck around for five hours and have a bunch of stories and campaigns all on my own that are completely unrelated to the main quest line and then feel completely satisfied like I just had a really fulfilling 
gameplay session. I feel like this game is really going to offer that. And generally, that's not something I look forward to in, in games, but I believe in Bethesda and they, they've been able to offer me that kind of fun and experience before. And so I'm, I'm excited to see them do it in a setting that I actually care about because I love I love space sci-fi more than anything. I, I'll take that over fucking dragons and spells and fucking knights and swords and elves and all that syphilis and all that shit. <laughs> But uh, I, I don't know. I'm going off on a tangent. I'm just really hyped about Starfield. I, I, I really sold on this game. So, And I agree. I don't know why people were expecting Gears of War. Uh, we knew that Gears of War is kind of in a starting phase with its development. So I'm not really upset about the Coalition. And, and I get what's going on with Halo. I mean, they fucking gutted 343. So I, I, I'm not surprised. But there's just a part of me that's like, I want to see that perfect dark game. I want to see something Halo. I know there's no reason for Halo to be here, but I miss Halo and I want to see it in some way. So... I am a little bit disappointed in some of those ways, but I, I recognize it's arbitrarily so. And I think I think you got to be crazy to see what this showcase was and not feel like overall we we were served very well. This is a very good showing. So, yeah, so there's that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Xbox is in a great place. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Clinky. Uh, thanks for writing in, and let's move on to the next one. So, so Cronky wrote in, so that's Clinky. Now we're going to Cronky, my brother. He wrote in and says, I enjoyed watching the Xbox showcase with everyone. Uh, he, he was on Twitch watching with me like a good brother. What were you guys doing? Uh, anyway, I'd give the show a B plus overall. Look at that. You're copying me. Now you're copying me. Now you're copying me. No, joking. Uh, I give the show a B plus overall. There was a lot of low points where I didn't care and I didn't, and I, uh, sorry, but I recognize other people might, might want something like 15 Persona games, but the highs were so damn high. Fable, oh man, I know at this point you've probably complained about the lack of gameplay, but the tone and the look of it is perfect. Same goes for South of Midnight. Avowed just looks perfect. It might be the first RPG to truly top Skyrim for me. A few other games look great too. Towerborn or whatever it's called. Uh, but the main thing was Starfield. And while I'm annoyed that it won't be 60 FPS on console, the game looks like everything I could have possibly hoped for. And I think that this will be the most positively received Xbox showcase since the Series X came out. Edit. Shout out to the to Clockwork Revolution as well. Man, that looks incredible. Like Bioshock Infinite meets Fallout or something. I'm here for whatever the hell it is. Yeah, Cronky, I am... Yeah. Everything you said. I think Again, same, same thing. It's just a lot of great shit. And, and, and I feel like some people, some people can be a little unfair about these things where, yes, we have to all acknowledge, like, the point of a showcase is not, we're going to try to make it to where 100% of what you see here today is going to speak to you because that's unrealistic and that's not how that works. The idea is that hopefully you'll find a couple things that speak to you and you'll walk away feeling like you got a few games to look forward to. Uh, a little something for everyone, you know, the old IGN saying. So that is the idea. But what makes this showing so particularly great is like, yeah, they showed stuff like City Skyline 2, like who gives a fuck about that? But for every City Skyline 2, there was like two or three games where it's like, oh, I do care about that. So this was an this wasn't like, oh, yeah, I found three or four games I'm interested in. This is like, no, 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 80% of what they showed I'm interested in. So that's why this was, in my opinion, a very strong showing. And, yeah, you can j joke about the 15 Persona games. I don't know what it is. Xbox has a good relationship with Sega right now, but I'm here for it. I love Sega, and I love Sega and Xbox working together. I think there's a lot of history there, and I want to see them continue to be partners. But, yeah, I mean, I love Yakuza. I really want to play Persona. I just haven't made the time to make it happen yet. And uh, hopefully it culminates in one day Xbox buying Sega and making Sonic the Hedgehog uh, Master Chief's best friend because I want to play Master Chief and Sonic at the Olympic Games 2027. Let's make it happen. God, let's make it happen. All right. Thank you for writing in, Cronky. I agree completely. The Honestly, the more I sit with it, the more I'm like, yes, obviously the, the frame rate situation with Starfield is not ideal, but 
I, I get it. I don't want to buy into the PR too much. I know Todd Howard and Phil Spencer, they have a job to do, and they're kind of spinning it a little bit of a, in a way where, like, it was a creative choice. It's like, okay, not really, but you would have made it 60 FPS if you could have, no doubt. But it, I get it. It is a little foolish to think that a game that open, that massive, that uh, honestly just that ambitious for it to be able to easily do 60 FPS at 4K on consoles, although I would have taken 1080p 60 FPS in a heartbeat if I could have. But whatever. I, I, at the end of the day, we had the conversation already. I'm not going to dwell on it. I feel like it's not a game breaker, especially for a game like this, and I'm I'm just not going to let it ruin my fun. I think the game's going to be phenomenal, whether it's 30 FPS or 60 FPS. As long as it's not a super buggy mess and it's constantly dipping below 30 FPS, I'll be fine. That's that's what I want them to focus on more than anything. But let's move into our next comment. This might be the only other one we got because uh, you know I know people are busy. There's a lot going on, so there are a bunch of other comments, but we'll save them for next week. I'm just gonna actually. Um, Oh wait, Cronky, you also you also I, I I missed this other half where you said uh, Summer Game Fest notes as a side note takeaway really positive great show it'll be uh, Alan Wake two looks amazing and Sam Lake's character voice of Max Payne is named Alex Casey made me lose my mind Stellaris Nexus is what appears to be four times Star Trek game wow someone loves me I didn't even talk about that game Toxic Commando I guess we haven't given up on Left 4 Dead clones but man this looks great Sandland this is the first Weeb game in like a decade that looks good to me I'm so pumped I didn't talk about that either Banishers Space Marines two Witchfire, I don't want to make it longer than five, but these all look awesome. Oh, yeah, I forgot to talk about Witchfire. Witchfire is, uh, well, I think they said it's going into, like, early access, but only for Steam. So, I, I can't wait for Witchfire, but when it's, like, ready to come to Xbox, that's when I want to play it. But, yeah, Summer Game Fest, it ended up being real good. And let's get into our final comment, which comes from Count Skyla, who provides his thoughts on the Xbox Showcase and says the following. Xbox Showcase thoughts, uh, this is one of the best, but no Halo puts it a little damper on it for me. Not that I expected to see anything special from Halo, but I'll give the showing an 8 out of 10. 1. Starfield was a game I was definitely going to play, but I assumed I'd set it down after a few hours. Now I'm truly excited to dig in. I thoroughly enjoyed that deep dive. I think that sounds right on par with where we're all where we're all standing as well. Number 2. Fable. I absolutely love the vibe. I cannot wait to see more of this game now. Yeah. I mean, graphically it looks phenomenal. I think tonally it's 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 fun, it's interesting, but I just want to see more of that actual moment-to-moment gameplay. Three, Clockwork Revolution aesthetics were amazing. This game looks like it was made for me. No, uh, that's not true because actually it was made for me, so wrong. But no, I, I'm glad I'm glad you're hyped about it. The game, game at truly looks just so good. Number four, I've never played Payday game before, but Payday 3 being on Game Pass has my attention now. Uh, number five, Avowed is not what I pictured it would be, but it didn't. I don't think that matters. Uh, yeah, I, dude, I don't understand the. Not that you're saying that it's controversial, but I don't understand the controversy with controversy with Avowed. I think it looks so so good, um, and I'd like a little bit of color pop in it for it to not be gray and boring and so gritty. So I don't. I mean, it doesn't look cartoonish. It just looks a little colorful and fun. So I don't know. I think it looks great, but uh, whatever. Teach their own. I mean, you're allowed to have your preference. Uh, number six, Hellblade 2 showing uh, it was pretty disappointing. Graphics were incredible as usual, but the game just likely isn't for me. That trailer was a buzzkill uh, in my book. Uh, yeah, I, I think fair point. Really, really bad gameplay showing, in my opinion. That's not what you want to focus on for gameplay. And uh, I'm still just waiting to see how Hellblade 2 is different from Hellblade 1, other than, hey, it's prettier now. And I feel like this trailer absolutely failed to do that, although I am still intrigued to play the game because I liked the first one. Number seven, in general, there were a lot of variety, there, there was a ton of variety, and everything shown appeared to be high quality. Lots of stuff here just wasn't for me, but that's totally fine. Number eight, no Halo, no Gears of War, and that was painful. 
Having something from one of those would have made it a 9 out of 10 for me, for sure. I really wasn't expecting Halo until we got Sea of Thieves or Fallout 76 updates. Then it felt like a slap in the face when that Season 4 should, with Season 4 being around the corner. Gears fans have really been left out for dead. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, man. I, I would like to get something. I, I do wish we could get, like, a Gears of War collection, and I feel like the Coalition doesn't really need to be the ones to make that, personally, but... A Gears collection would be nice. It's kind of like a little placeholder before we get Gears 6. And I think we might get that, but that might be like a 2024 or 2025 announcement. And then for Halo, again, it's just, you know, gutted the studio. It's it's just a fucking mess over there. I don't know when we'll see something substantial from Halo again or even something small from Halo again. But yeah, I, I don't think anyone was truly expecting Halo, but it's just at the same time, it's Xbox is in such... I, I think where it comes from, it's not that like... We all have unrealistic expectations, if, if I can speak, you know, broadly about it. It's not that we're all, like, stupid fanboys that have unrealistic expectations and we think they should be able to have Halo 7 and Gear 6 ready to go right now, because obviously that's not where we're at. But I feel like where the disappointment on Halo and Gears, more particularly Halo, but Halo and Gears in general, comes from is just that Xbox, for better and for worse, has just been supported by and, you know, just kind of just kind of carried in some ways by franchises like Halo and Gears of War for so damn long at this point that I think we've passed that Xbox One era of people being like, ha ha ha, Xbox doesn't have any games, it's just Gears of War and Halo, you're still just doing Gears of War and Halo, oh my god, on PlayStation we got freaking Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima and all these other new games and Horizon, all these games that are totally new from the games we had on PS3, it's like, we got so much new stuff, why are you guys still lingering on the same old franchises that haven't been huge in like 10 years? So that was kind of like a, a kind of an atmosphere, kind of like an attitude in the Xbox One era. But I feel like we have reached a new kind of stage where Gears and Halo have been such an integral, consistent part of Xbox for so long that people, that attitude's a little bit, you know, it's always, there's always going to be that kind of meme or that kind of teasing associated with those franchises. But I think largely we've shifted away from that into a, a, an attitude of like, yeah, Halo and Gears of War are glued to Xbox the way like Mario and Zelda and shit like that are glued to Nintendo. And so, yeah, not every year we get a Breath of the Wild or a Mario Galaxy or something like that. But, you know, on years where that we're not getting a Mario Galaxy, we're getting like Paper Mario or Mario Basketball or something like that, you know. And years when we're not getting Zelda Breath of the Wild, we're getting like Zelda 3DS this or like a little chibi remake of an NES Zelda game or something like that. And so I think that's kind of where it comes from is we're... We're so used to those games, Gears and Halo, just being there to kind of support the console throughout its life cycle that we're going on four years without a Gears of War game and two years without a Halo game. That two years without Halo is made worse by the fact that the last Halo game came out with all the potential and promise in the world and then got fucked in the ass right there with the post-launch support. And it's that... This was a great showcase. Uh, Starfield looks great. All these other games look great. Xbox has all these new teams doing a great job holding the platform together. And it feels weird having this celebratory big W moment for Xbox without the presence of the, you know, the two franchises that kind of were always there and that kind of always held, you know, did the majority of holding up the kind of foundation of the Xbox brand. So it's it's not so much a 343 Coalition, what are you doing? You guys suck. Where's Gear 6? Where's Halo 7? That's not what it is. It's more like, man, this was a really great showcase. Starfield looks great. Avowed looks great. Fable looks great. Hellblade looks great. All these games look great. It's just too bad that Halo and Gears of War couldn't have been here 
to have been a part of and celebrate this moment, I think is kind of what it is. And I don't, not to try to be like so dramatic or emotional about it, but I, I think that's kind of what it is to an extent. It's that we're just so used to a great Xbox outing or a great moment for Xbox involving those iconic, indelible, consistent franchises like Halo and Gears. And for them to just be gone and nowhere to be seen in any capacity whatsoever, it's just kind of like, oh, it's too bad that you couldn't be here for this because it's a really great time for Xbox. And it's, you know, times are changing for Xbox. They're going to lean less and less on those franchises. They're going to exist. I don't think Halo and Gears are going anywhere, but they're going to be less important or, you know, just it's there's going to be less pressure and emphasis on those franchises. So I think we're going to have to prepare for an Xbox that might go longer durations with more silence uh, surrounding those franchises um, than what we're maybe used to, but it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just something we got to get used to as Xbox fans, because I, I know I'm always looking forward to my next Halo thing, you know, I, I know these games take time, and I want them to take their time and make, you know, the best games they can make, but, you know, there's that part of me that, that grew up, you know, I was in middle school, high school during those Xbox 360 years, so there's this broken part of my brain that's like, what do you mean there's not a new Halo game? Because back in my day, it was like Halo 2, it was like Halo, then two years later, Halo 2, then three years later, Halo 3. And then when Halo 3 came out, I was like, and then two years later, Halo ODST, and then one year later, Halo Reach, and then two years later, Halo 4. And so like my dumb brain is just used to getting hit with dopamine constantly from Halo, which is being like, here's another one, and here's a spinoff, and here's a collection, and here's a remake. And so I'm just waiting, I'm like, my mouth is foaming. I'm like, where's my fucking Halo 5 remaster? Where's my Where's my Halo spinoff? You know, where's my Halo Wars 3? And it's not that these games are necessarily coming, which is like, I'm kind of programmed to expect them. And I think that's maybe how a lot of Xbox people are, is we're just kind of, you know, we're just, hey, where's Gears Tactics 2? Where's the Marcus Phoenix Masturbation uh, uh, ma uh, Collection Marathon uh, Volume 6, or whatever the fuck that they're going to call that that uh, Master Chief Collection for <laughs> Gears of War, but the COG Collection, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, th thank you for writing in, Count Scotula. Uh, shout out to Gears and Halo. Wish you guys could have been here. But, of course, we'll see you in the future. So, I think that's going to do it for this lengthy four-plus-hour-long episode of Xbox On. I still have a ton of more things we could have talked about, but we got to cut it off at some point. Um, so, this podcast will go live Tuesday morning, and then we'll have about uh, nine days without an Xbox On podcast because... Uh, with it going live Tuesday, that means nothing will happen Thursday, and then the next episode, episode 212, will come out next Thursday at the regular, usual time, date and time, all that stuff, so enjoy this episode, this lengthy, big old episode, a couple days early, really excited to hear back from you guys, interested in what you thought, we excited to get more takes, we'll read more comments, of course, if you want to leave comments, youtube.com slash Podcast. click on the latest episode of the show, drop your comment in the comment section, I'll pull them all, and then we'll read them on next week's show, if this is your first time listening to Xbox on usually this 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 game showcase brings a lot of new listeners if this is your first time listening thank you so much for being here i hope you loved the show i hope you'll consider leaving a a good review or maybe just coming back next week to hear it again um maybe subscribe on youtube if you want to hear next week's show or leave comments i just love to hear from you guys the audience it's what makes the show so special and it makes the show worth worth doing frankly so thank you all so much for listening great moment for xbox fans i hope i hope everyone's feeling good i hope this is like a, a fun moment that kind of reinvigorates your love and your passion for 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 xbox but just for gaming in general it's a great time for gamers i think whether you're playing on playstation xbox pc a little bit of everything whatever there are fucking great games coming out and uh it's just a fun time so let's make the most of it until next week you guys eat some fat ass burritos god knows you you fucking earned it and uh halo we're thinking of you 343 god bless you whatever's left of you and until next week gamers reach for the stars starfield that's what buzz lightyear says in toy story i think and uh power your dreams